What's up, everybody, and welcome to Painkiller Already, episode 182. Our guest this week is Adam from YourMovieSucks.org. He eviscerates those shitty films. And not always those shitty films. Sometimes he eviscerates movies that we hold dear to our heart, and he makes us cry, and he does the, an amazing sorry. job at it. So <laughs> There's been it. movies that I've torn apart that I actually like. I I enjoyed Looper, but it, that doesn't mean that it's exempt from criticism and that you shouldn't think about how little time travel makes sense in that movie. Uh, right? You can I, If that's something that I want to get across to people is that you can enjoy something and tear it apart, because for whatever reason, people frozen. have this assumption that they're like, oh, if I like it, then if anybody points out any flaws in it, then I'm going to get upset because anything I like is automatically flawless. <laughs> no, there are flaws in things that you like, and that's well, okay. As a flawless person, just recognize it. Let me tell you as a flawless person that that's kind of hard to, that's a tough road to go down. <laughs> criticism right here so you can speak for yourself about all the movies. Can you, you say your YouTube URL so everyone who, who likes your stuff can Oh, my you? God. Um, well, I guess the easiest thing to do would just be go into the search bar and search YMS. It'll be the first thing that shows up. Otherwise, the uh, particular URL is youtube.com slash your movie sucks D-O-T-O-R-G. So, like, .org is in the title, but there's no dot in my username, right? Yeah, because that. my username is kind of, like, to oh, also promote the fact that there's its, its own website. There's an accompanying website that goes with it. Yeah, which used to serve a lot more purpose than it does now. Mm -hmm. uh, content ID claims, my channel was obviously rampant with them. I even got uh, removed from YouTube from a uh, uh, community guidelines strike that I thought was about one thing, and it turned out to be... Completely different for Did no reason. Did you make a video? I think this is how I first discovered you, but I'm about to embarrass myself in case it wasn't you. Content ID claims and, video? And it, it was specifically geared towards gamers as a guy who was a veteran in content ID claims. That battles. was me. It I was did that because, like, well as soon as I, like, I, I, I'm fairly active in the YouTube community, and I'm pretty aware of things that are going on more or less, even though I don't have time to watch everything. And when something blows up, I... I can at least get notified or see it. And when I saw people like Boogie2988 and Angry Joe, mm -hmm. like, stressing out about these content ID uh, issues and the way that Angry Joe was talking about them to his audience and the way that every single person on Reddit and in the YouTube comment section were responding pretty much gave me the impression that nobody has any clue what to actually do and how you fight them. I was like, I've been doing this for like three years. So yeah, I'm going to make a video and help people. You're like, do that. this. If this happens, it's not time to stress yet. Your next step is that. And um, I've been on YouTube for... I first started YouTube in 2009, just to give you a vibe. And um, uh, I learned a lot. There was a lot there that you knew that I didn't know. I just haven't had the experience. It's because like... Every single one of my videos would get a content ID claim. It's because I had thirty plus at a time in my in my uh, <laughs> wow. uh, copyright wow. guidelines section. I've got screenshots and everything of just over and over on the exact same video, the exact same uh, uh, claimants filing multiple claims over and over again. And I think the biggest part that people didn't understand, which is part of why I made the video, is that. There were, like, the vast majority of cases, 99% of them, the company's not watching the video and going, like, mine, mine. And so, like, everybody's thinking, oh, how can this company honestly think that I'm not using this within my fair use? 
no, it's automatic. It's YouTube's system that's flawed. It's uh, it's the fact that they have it set up to uh, automatically monetize anything wherein their video frames and audio is detected, not necessarily that, that they watch the video. That's right? exactly right. I once had a claim by Twitch, and uh, it was a graphic Weird. that was made on my channel, and it, it it was like this um, commentary March Madness thing, and the graphic looked like it would be appropriate for a 1980s aerobics video, but it showed like this guy versus that guy. There is no way any human looked at that and said like, "Oh, this is ours." It wasn't like we made it in Photoshop and then just reused it with the people's uh, names, and um, yeah, it just it was a it was a bad claim. And those are some of the most fundamental problems with YouTube is the fact that there are no people behind a lot of yes, the processes that, that, that they it, do. It's why I like Twitch so much because like like I've been viewbotted on Twitch. RIP. Right? <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, rest in peace. Yeah, right. Um I've been viewbotted on Twitch a ton of times. If people don't know what that means, it means they put a lot of fake viewers in your stream and um and it, it boosts your view count. People who do that as a tactic to get to like the front page or the front page of that particular game mm-hmm. deserve the bans that they get. But I've never done that, but I have had people do it to me. And oh. like I have a long enough reputation. So just as an attempt to try and get you banned. Exactly, right? Okay. Or I don't I don't know if they're trying to get me banned or maybe they're fans. Or maybe or, yeah, they're just naive and like, I'm, I'm help out. Or or I think oftentimes they're just like trolls who think it's funny to mess with your view count and and their motivations are weird to me but um when that that. happens somebody at twitch might stop by my channel and say oh it's woody i've known that guy for five years now Mm -hmm. you know he that's not how he does it and i never have trouble ever and that's what i like about twitch there are humans who make this call so yeah i uh the the uh, there's been a few times where I've gotten community guidelines strikes, aka people flagged it because they disagreed with my opinion, aka <laughs> The Hunger Games Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what wound up happening is is when I got the strike, I disputed it obviously because it's illegitimate because I'm not breaking any laws and I'm not going against terms of service. I was even using trailer footage for that particular one, and uh, then. The next thing I get was like, uh, we have reviewed your video and determined that it is a community guidelines strike. And it's like, nobody actually reviewed that. Nobody, I, I don't care if it was someone's job to do it and they just decided they were going to do the Homer Simpson, why, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, 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 like if that was a person reviewing it, they do not deserve their job. Excuse me. I had a similar thing. I used to do a series on my channel where my family and I would go in back and microwave stuff. It sounds ridiculous, but it's interesting to see somebody microwave like ammunition or bottles of wine or grapes or fire. Every microwave fire, it does a really cool thing. And, I did um, not know that. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, for whatever reason, at the time, 4chan had an interest in me. And uh, they would like pretty much flag all my channels and try and strike them. And a couple mm-hmm. times they succeeded. They get either age gated or strike. So I went back to them and I'm like, I don't understand. I think the video in particular, I microwave something flammable like spray paint. If you microwave anything aerosol, basically what happens is the. Uh... Did you get flagged for terrorism? No. <laughs> it, it was um, is a community guideline strike, but I don't know if it dangerous more uh, specific than that. Dangerous acts or something. You probably like should not have shouted Allahu Akbar as you did. That was <laughs> that probably was a wrong, bad, right? bad. That's racism. <laughs> so anyway, 
I wrote and I was like, you know, I don't see how this is more dangerous. There are YouTube videos filled with explosions and gunfire and things blowing up and, and you know, like, uh, I don't know, there are sexy things. I'm microwaving spray paint here. You know, like, uh, in the realm of badness, I'm feeling pretty low on the totem pole. And they went back and, the, and they just kind of, like, they have this default sort of agree stance. Like, well... If the community thought you were that, and, and then I start posting them like 4chan pages, like screenshot. Look, this is what 4chan calls yeah. a raid, and they all organized, and they all did this, and, and you know this wasn't really about people's sincere feelings being hurt. This is something that they do for entertainment. And um, still, YouTube didn't. I, I mean, it's still age gated to this day. It's they're like, well, the community decided they're unlikely to disagree with these strikes. They just sort of stick. Yeah, I, uh, I, every single strike that I have gotten, I have wound up actually successfully getting rid of because I will obsessively go through every single possible channel of communication that I can with them and piss them off That's until <laughs> they respond to me. And I'm pretty sure by the amount of times that I've done that, like, I have no idea how many people, uh, have that job of checking those emails, but they all at least have to know who I am by this point because of how many times I've done that. There's and, and what sucks about it is one time I got an email back just being like, oh, well, you, if you send them to too many different addresses, then it'll slow down you actually getting helped. Uh, sorry, but the way that your staff has responded makes me have to do that because there have been certain times where I would send it to one email address or under one topic, uh, and I'd, I'd get back like, oh, there's nothing we could do. But because I sent it to another one and I got a different person, they were like, oh, yeah, totally our bad, and they fixed it. That's bullshit. You should have a clear standard for what is breaking terms of service and what isn't, and not just like, mm, this is what I like and not what I like. That's stupid. Absolutely. Do we need a whole new topic? Sure. Do you guys uh, want to bring your own, or do you want to hit one of mine, the weird ones? What do you got? Okay. What is your genetic disadvantage? We've done that one. No. Yeah, Did we do that, that exact before. one mm-hmm. and yeah, I forgot yeah. to remove it? Afraid so. Oh, shucks. I keep a list here. and um, Is it Jackie's job to update the list? That sounds like something. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's slipping. Uh-huh. Properly. She's slipping. No, sometimes I, I get caught up on the topic and forget to remove it. Um, <laughs> if you were paid 200 grand a year, no matter what your job, what would your choice of job be? This. My, what? My choice of job for two hundred grand a year? Yeah, so you get to choose your job and your your salary is fixed at two hundred K. What would you pick? What do we have here? Music. Music. I uh I'm a musician. This is my keyboard behind me. I've got quite a few different instruments and uh I uh in starting this film review channel and obsessing over uh getting frequent content out for the past I guess four years now. I've kind of uh, put my music on the side burner, and it's something that I'd really, really, really love to get back into again. Not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to now do music as my job instead, but try and ease myself back into actually progressing stuff. I've been working on a music video since, like, November, mm-hmm. and it's, like, taken so long, and uh, I need to schedule my time better. Yeah, honestly. I was, gonna, I was just had, about to I've say. I've had such a full schedule Be in my film review channel right now. Why? It's just... Be introspective. Why has it really not happened? What made it? What? Because the sacrifice that I'm, I, I, I justify spending so much time on my film review channel mm-hmm. by the fact that I'm, I'm gaining uh, a platform by doing it. Right. The, the 
the fact that I've been on top of it so well and drained my life and had to say no to a lot of friends that invite me to social gatherings without notice mm-hmm. is for the purpose of me gaining all these subscribers. If I have all these subscribers, then uh, every time I post a song or every time I do something musically, then there's that many more people that can, you know, look at the end of my video and me having an ad for myself, free ad space on a channel with 100k some subs. You know, not everybody has to like my music, but it's it's important to me to have at least listeners in a sense, right? How um, many subs do you have right now? 100k? Uh, 103k, I think. I thought you were. Your videos get a lot of views, more views than subs. Oftentimes. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, I have been classified as underrated by a few people. Um, you gotta pimp that you can subscribe agree with button. that or not. That's what you gotta do. You gotta pimp the subscribe button. You've gotta. That's that's the that's the trick we've all learned. Yourmoviesucks.org uh, or just search your movie sucks. Go sub him. Or YMS or YMS. Yeah, that's like a nickname kind of. It's abbreviation. Like, it's his branding. <laughs> Actual it it... good branding, though, where the where the YouTube URL plays into the site that he owns, not, mm-hmm. not bad branding like somebody else on this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would so I got two hundred grand for mm-hmm. for a job locked in. Yes. Podcasting, I do this. The Lefty Show, Painkiller Already. That's not why you called. All that stuff. It's easy. Well, it's not easy, but I really enjoy doing it, and the drive to you know. Every day, uh, come up with stuff, topics, whatever is a lot of fun. So you have <laughs> your dream job, just not the 200k. Right? Yeah, I'm working towards it. Uh huh. I'm raising dot com slash six four three productions. If you want to donate to help out for hosting costs and stuff, but I'm working. I mean, it's getting there. <laughs> we'll get there soon enough with everybody liking and favoring and whatnot. You know, I think I'd like to be a a, a film or a food critic because those are my two favorite things. And I'd like to get paid to do them. Although the the thing about being a film critic is you got to watch a lot of shitty movies. Like it's yeah. You think about that, and they're like, oh yeah, I get to watch all those all my favorite movies. Like no, you have to watch every movie that comes out. You got to watch them all. Anything that's uh, relevant, anything that's important. Right? On the film critic thing, like I suspect, like so many things, it is awesome to watch movies when you do it on your terms. But when you do it on somebody else's terms, and, and now it's your role to sit here. Oh, and by the way, pay attention because because you can't do your job well if you're not paying attention. I don't think I could watch two movies a day. It would drain yeah. my soul. I'm not built for it. You know, uh, one of the uh, types of videos that I do, even though my channel is mostly about tearing apart and bashing things, every year, and I'm going to be doing it bi-yearly now that I'm working back in time too, I'm making these like, best of the year videos and for me it's not just like oh out of what i saw i'm about to categorize them sorry what does bi-yearly mean twice a year or every two years because i'm dumb well i think it can mean either if i think i think it can mean either but i think i might be wrong but it's Um, twice a year in your case for sure well it will be twice in a year very soon (laughs) okay and um part of doing that is like i my my heart in film lies in a lot of things that aren't in your face easy to obtain and discover and so it's at this point it's really uh it's really kind of uh a big effort for me to 
try and find all these films, and I'm trying to get my subscribers to help me out. Like, what do you think I would like from this year? And I try to compile this huge list. My watch list is insane, and I wind up having to watch, like, hundreds of movies in the month that before I make these yearly reviews. And that is when I developed, like, <laughs> insane psychological problems being in my room of just, like, I'll have to be watching movies while I, like, work out or something. Like, I gotta go outside. I'll watch, like, 20 in a day, but not 20 full movies. Because at this point, it's like, okay, if it if it doesn't look impressive in the first 20 minutes, then I'm just gonna skip it and go to the next one. But yeah, it's a, it's insanity every time I, I do one of those videos. But, you know, I, uh, I appreciate um, the ability to uh, at least find the good ones or weed through all the crap because there's a lot of crap a lot of crap most movies are crap that's my philosophy so 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 that's the reason why i probably wouldn't want to do that but a food critic would be an interesting job what if you got to travel around and eat the best food at the nicest restaurants and not only that but they really cared about your opinion at that restaurant so they gave you great treatment so not only did you get great food but you, you probably got the best food available from what was already a really nice restaurant and i love food and you know what if your salary's fixed at 200k a year no matter what you do you could just be eating things and then putting your this- like fingerprint on a paper and say like it was good yeah, <laughs> you don't even have to do a good job. <laughs> I have my own restaurants, dive bars, Mexican joints. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. There you go. Yeah, it all, and I mean, like, that's why the there's such a difference in in what it would mean to be a film critic. Anyway, it's all dependent on how much effort you're going to put into it. For me, I'm not just telling people what I thought about a movie. I'm constructing and editing down this uh, uh, consumable short. YouTube film with it, you know, it's not just like I'm gonna talk in front of a camera. I'm, I, I guess I want kind of a different market in that sense. But uh, yeah, it's it's all just dependent on what you're willing to do and uh, what you feel is worth uh, your hours and when I was entertainment. When I was in high school, uh, I was I was raised by the beach and the beach eroded away. So they brought in this dredging company to rebuild the beach. And uh, it was an amazing operation. The beach is like 10 miles long, and they made it like a block wider, filled with sand. And uh, you could see the dredge. like It wasn't far out, just like 100 yards. And there was this guy who hopped on a Zodiac boat. He had like a shirt and tie and a clipboard and a hard hat. And uh, then the Zodiac boat went out to the dredging barge. The bulk of the people on the dredging barge were working, right? Some of them were my high school peers, and they, they it was called a humping pipe, and it basically just means dragging pipe from one part of the barge to the other. Humping pipe. Humping pipe is the term they use, and they'd be like these real strong guys All right. know, who were hired for their ability to move <laughs> the, these heavy metal pipes. And uh, uh, anyway, this guy went out there, and I saw him reviewing his clipboard with somebody else. Somehow... For like 20 years now, that has been burned in my head as a really cool job. Like being mm-hmm. the guy that, that runs that. And and when I think about job satisfaction, um, some of it is measured in like these emotional terms, you know, the, the people that you're with and the impact that you make. But some of it is just measured by the physical stuff that you made. You know, if, if you're a, a director or something and you have that film to point to and be like, I did that. That is something I'm proud of. This guy built a gosh darn beach, man. Like a... 
like it they like they measured it I, I i'm gonna mess this up because numbers are so big but i want to say it was like a trillion cubic yards or something it was ginormous <laughs> and uh I, I, I think you're overshooting it it might not be i don't even know it it you add it added a block to 10 miles like a beach and then, of course, it doesn't just – it's not just the beach part that you walk on. It has to be slanted out into the ocean. Otherwise, it just – like the beach will quickly get deep. And uh, maybe I'm – I don't know what a trillion cubic A trillion are. is a very large number. Very large. Continue. Okay. Maybe, maybe it was several hundred billion. I'm not sure. But it was a lot of cubic yards of sand. And uh, I just – I don't know. I think if I could have any job – being outdoors like that at a beach, doing something that uh, is kind of like you know that you can point to and say I did that. When when I was at Cisco, one of the things that I didn't get job satisfaction was like I just built a system that routes phone calls to the appropriate customer support rep better than we previously did it. Mm-hmm. You're like, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> who's amazed by that? It, it it just feels lame. But um. But, like, that beach, that was me, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, there is a certain sense of satisfaction after you've created something, and obviously what I'm doing is pretty different than something, you know, physical, that like a beach, right? But I, I, I feel like I get the same general sense of... Like, that After Earth video is like a baby to me. <laughs> I did that. I spent fucking two days on that trip-out sequence took a long time, but I'm, was, I'm happy with it. That's definitely my favorite because that's just... Don't real. spoil it for the people who haven't seen it, but we can refer to it as... Go on. I was just going to say the movie was a real pile of dog shit, and so watching <laughs> you explain exactly why it's a real pile of dog shit was just perfect. Because I don't think you Thank missed you. anything, and you found a lot of things that I hadn't caught my first... Through my I first had no idea that I could talk that long about a movie... It was insanity. That, so how have you, like, all right, if you were to go back a couple of years, the sweet spot in video length was between, like, three and seven minutes on the high side. Yeah. And I feel like that's changed. And now it almost has to be one of the extremes. It has to be darn near Vine video, or it has to be long form. You know, people like a to get comfortable and watch a 15-minute in the gaming space, like a Let's Play or even, like, a 30-minute video and just hang out with people for a while. Do you focus on your video link? Do you just land when you're um, done talking? Since I, uh, a lot of, the only real reason I'm able to do this full time right now is not because of ad money, but because I'm being funded through Patreon, which you're, you're, you've probably heard of crowdsourcing. We're getting started. Patreon.com slash YMS. And, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, uh, the question about video just, length ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the I I try to give like an ish video length for the ones that are actually charging people, even though it's all voluntary. But the ones that people are choosing to be charged for, because mm-hmm. I set that up too. Like I don't want to be like a uh, dollar every time I talk in the camera and just say like it was watch Jodorowsky's Dune and spend like a minute on it. I only want to charge people if it's like. Uh, something that I actually put a lot of effort into. Mm-hmm. So with that, twenty-ish um, minutes would be what I'm what I'm aiming for in in a in a length. I guess anywhere between like fifteen and twenty-five, maybe in some cases half an hour. Um, 
for one of those full YMS reviews, because those are what I've set myself to have as a monthly quota, is uh, that tearing things apart theme that <laughs> everybody always waits for, which is like my most popular type of video, right? How quickly do you um, want to get it out? Is it supposed how, to be studying in theaters? Oh, God. Well, uh, if I'm doing one of those types of reviews, unless it's available for web download while it's still in theaters then I have to wait because um, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was pretty special in the sense that I was able to piece together 90% of the movie just using trailer footage and web clips because they showed way too much of it. <laughs> but um, for most movies, if, I'm, if, if I know that I'm going to make like a full YMS review out of it, uh, then I'll, I'll wait until there's either like a web download or Blu-ray available. Because otherwise, there I, I don't I, I want to be able to work with like a uh, you know an actual video file because a lot of the points that I'm making I I don't want people to just take my word for it I want to be able to show them and have them be able to interpret from themselves and either say oh wait that is really weird enunciation on that line and not just take my word for it sort of thing mm. yeah so so it, it depends that's harsh you know, man. You nail him for enunciation on a line? Sometimes. Oh. Sometimes when it's really, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> when the main character is literally pronouncing his own name. Wrong. Oh, yes. my God. <laughs> Woody's got a thing with pronouncing name wrong, names wrong. So but it's his name. It's his name. His name is like Takai, and he called himself Takai. He called himself Katad. <laughs> was it? Oh, it was so bad. It, it was. It sounded to me like there was an N at the end he, of it. He slubbed it because he was saying, Dad, I'm sorry, it's Katai, but he said, Dad, I'm sorry, it's Katad. And I had to, like, I, I had to view the actual subtitles to figure out if that's really what he was supposed to have been saying. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, okay, well, you flubbed on your lines. M. Night thought it was okay, didn't bother to reshoot it. Okay. <laughs> Who's doing the next Star Trek? J.J. Abrams. He did the guy. last did one. The I thought he said he wouldn't. He did the Star... Oh, Star Trek. He, I thought he's got Star all Wars. of the stars. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's doing the next Star Trek. Probably him <laughs> still. I don't know. <laughs> so if People don't know he said he wasn't going to do it, but... Oh. We'll yeah, he's... he got hated on too much by Trekkie fans. Right? Yeah, the they Trekkie fans are all upset about the... Um, oh, what is that effect with the, the light? lens flare. Lens flare. Yeah. I I don't care how much lens flare he uses. It looks starry to me. Go for it, Abrams. I don't care. I I thought he did a pretty good job. We talked we yes. talked about this earlier. He did an amazing and, and job. That's his signature move. I like it. I'm flare. fine with it. I, 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 if he were in Mortal Kombat as a character, he would blind his enemies. <laughs> <laughs> lens flare. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, do we need a new topic? Sure. Have you ever met a stranger that you only saw once but still think of? Where are you getting these topics from? Are I they just user throughout the week? A lot of them are from Ask Reddit. Sometimes they're from tweets. Uh, mostly things online. Okay. Sorry. What, what was? Say the question again. Just... Have you ever met a stranger that you only saw once but still think of? <sighs> that lady I cussed at at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, wait, I remember um, that wasn't too long ago, right? Am I uh, it's been years, man. It's been oh. like three years. Two, three years, easily. 
trying to see if I can find something. Read it four years. It's been a while, and I still hold a a mean and hateful grudge. Against I found I found this lady in a photo booth in Edmonton, and I just kept the picture. <laughs> I was like, I don't I don't know this person, but you know what? I'm just gonna keep this picture. There's Did you like find certain, Vito? certain like art, artistic sadness. To Let's this make person. up her life story. Is, am I am I uh, violating a law by showing their face no. <laughs> without no. consent? No, I mean I now they're famous. Can <laughs> someone tell me who that is? Maybe it's someone's <laughs> grandmother. I just based on her picture, I imagine she did two, possibly four years at Attica. <laughs> That's a men's prison. Yeah, in the men's prison because they got confused. They didn't notice. Yeah, that no one knew a thing. She she was in there for armed robbery because uh, she was trying to steal money to provide for her f- uh, pregnant granddaughter, and um, it was a really rough situation. And she only got more uh, like coarse and uh, uh, hateful towards the world after her prison time. Bitter. And now she takes mugshots to remind her never to forget not to rob. This is some reasonable explanation based on concrete evidence. <laughs> I like this. I analyzed it. Someone else take a shot. Well, like I said, I definitely remember that lady. I, I oh. got that altercation with McDonald's. For those of you who don't know, the fast-forward version was it was morning. Um, I don't think I'd been asleep the night before, and I wanted some McDonald's breakfast. And I, I, I knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted to get the hotcakes and sausage. Now, if you don't know, these are the fluffiest, hottest pancakes ever with that McDonald's margarine on them, and they got the syrup. They're delicious. You put the sausage on top like it's a chair. You slice it all up. It's it's great. That's how I like to start my morning off, or at least it was four years ago. You like to really? start your morning with the sausage on top? Yes, absolutely, a big one. So I'm waiting in line for that. And she snuck, she basically passed me in line with her car. It was a situation where I had let the guy in front of her pass me, and I was like, go ahead, buddy, there's enough hot cakes to go around. And then she sneaks in, too. She's like, fuck you, we're both passing. And I'm just, I just came unglued. I just pulled up next to her passenger window while she ordered and screamed obscenity, something like, you know, yeah, go ahead and supersize it, you fat whore, you know, go ahead. Did anybody ever teach you any fucking manners? You don't fucking pass people in line. You learn that in grade school, you stupid bit, and just went on it. And then I threw my <laughs> cigarette. I, like, flicked my cigarette at her window, and it hit it perfectly and, like, exploded into ash and, like, sparks. And, and she just wouldn't make eye contact. And that was probably oh, going overboard. It was definitely going overboard. But, man, was I – I'm telling you, if somebody passes me in line, that's just – it's so it's so disrespectful to pass someone in line. It's 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 the real – it's it's almost a uh, – a real slap in the face, like a, like a literal is. slap in the face. I I bite the bullet. I just I just ignore it. And I'm just like sometimes if it if it's if it's like at a restaurant or or something, then I'll just give them dirty looks and I'll sometimes clue in the cashier and just be like, just I look say at them something. like were you were you paying attention? And I've worked <laughs> a lot of customer service jobs before, so if I'm in that position, I'll be like, uh, I'm sorry, but you weren't here first. Go to the back. Right. So it's nice when you have that control, but I mean, I just I like to say something and give them an out. That's that's my thing. Like, oh, I'm sorry, you probably didn't see us here. You you just the back of the lines up out there, and uh, let them act confused and innocent and go. Don't pass me at the movies. Don't pass (laughs) me at any cash register. And you better better not fucking pass me at McDonald's when I'm after my (laughs) hotcakes and sausage. Okay. Let you got a guy. A stranger? Somebody, 
Have you ever met a stranger that you only saw once but still think of? What about that woman who was sitting next to you and your dad in that restaurant that night? <laughs> I was going to say that, but... um, Mind your own business, cunt. <laughs> that, no, 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 no. I need to see this video. That's not even what he said. What's I the probably... title of the video? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's dad story in brackets and it's preceding, um, uh, bu- 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 what is it? I got it pulled up here. In brackets uh, or parentheses? People mess that up. Uh, nope. Brackets. Really? Square brackets? Square brackets. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. You know what? I apologize. I assumed you used it incorrectly. Nope. Square brackets. I use, I use, uh, I differentiate between my use of brackets and parentheses. I try to, if I use parentheses in one part. I use brackets in the other. Um, but it's Civilization Five or Civilization V with FPS Kyle and Dr. Chiz Part 4. So With dad story in the parentheses. Don't miss it. I'm hearing it's incredible. I need to carve <laughs> out time for it. Have uh, have any of you as a child accidentally, like when, when you were like knee height, thought you saw your dad and then like grabbed their leg and then it turned out not to be your dad? I've done what it with mom. I did that, except I jumped on... A man in a pool. <laughs> it would be even worse. Just, I, I got my brain going with people I've only met once but still remember. Yeah. I've been on the other side of that. That's not my dad. Yeah. And, and <laughs> this isn't the guy I was choosing, but I I was at a pool once. I remember it was right after 9-11. And there was a guy at the pool whose pool physique party. was superhuman. Like, out of this world, like... Uh, how did you do that? Like macro, uh, it, it, he looked like a, a wide receiver in the NFL or something. He was like it, you I don't bet s- he looks like a wide receiver. <laughs> people don't look like that. This guy is one of the people that I call a perfect specimen, right? If aliens come down in their flying saucers and get to hundred yards above, and they want to select an example of the perfect human male, he's on the short list, and. Uh, and, and, like, I'm at the pool, right? And there's me, like, dad teaching Hope to swim or something. And I I, I was like, what's going on? Like, how did you do that? <laughs> you know, like, are you, like, an NFL player or something? Like, what's going on? And he just laughed, and he was a Marine. And uh, he was all excited about killing Osama bin Laden. And that was, yeah. <laughs> and like, he did. <laughs> but, yeah, he's like, I'm a Marine. And he went to Iraq instead. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. No, I, <laughs> oh, that's not funny. <laughs> Thank you, Bush. It, it is a little. It's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I had to ask him. I was like, what the is happening here? UFC fighters would, would pale in comparison to this. This guy was he was the perfect human form in some yeah, ways. The build that guys get with, with military training is often really impressive. Like, it's, it's, it's sometimes military. A lot of military people look like regular people. Mm-hmm. You, you but, know, but... But every so often you get a guy who who uses the military as his opportunity to be a professional athlete. And I don't mean that as a negative. I, I, it, heck, I, I heard um, – who's the radio talk show guy who was involved in um, Oliver North's scandal thing? Libby or something? Gordon no, Libby? Lost me. Does anyone know this guy? I, I, think his nope. name is, I think his name is Gordon Libby. He's a right wing. Gordon Libby? Libby? Are you talking about the guy who was part of the Watergate scandal? I want to say Oliver North. G. Gordon. Oh, I'm, I thought you meant G. Gordon Liddy. Okay, sorry. Also a radio host. Never mind. Now I want to Google it, but I'm, I'm in the middle of a show. <laughs> anyway, this guy, he was a military guy, and he's like, you know, if you want to be a lawyer, go to law school. If you want to be a doctor, go to med school. If you want to be a, in the Army, hit the gym. 
it's not a knock on someone to say you know they use this as their opportunity to be a professional athlete. And I think he was just one of those guys. Who... Some people, some people need that motivation, right? There's a difference between like deciding to do something for yourself and then having someone tell you and then feeling obligated to do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Sometimes people just need to be told something from someone else, even if it's something as simple as like drill training or. Now yeah. that I've signed up for it, now I'll actually commit myself to it. And I guess you could even make that same comparison to buying a gym membership versus working out at home. It's like you can do a lot of the workouts at home, but it's like, oh, now that I've bought a gym membership, something will go off in my brain saying I better get some use out of it and actually do something and force myself into a commitment. For some people that works. <laughs> for some people they make gym owners wealthy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, uh, um, so yeah, was that was Scooter the guy. Libby the guy you were thinking of? It might Scooter be. Libby. Is it? That's the only guy I can think of that has a name, last name that sounds like Libby or Liddy or I, uh, something like that. I went to high school with two guys who were really, really they, – they, they hit puberty late, I'm guessing, because, you know, I haven't seen these guys naked. But just looking at them, they weren't as manly as we were when we were in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. They were yeah. at least two years behind, and it didn't suit them well. There was this one guy, I won't use his real name. But he was 18, and he was in my weightlifting class Weightlifting class when I was in ninth grade, and we were in the same group because we were lifting the same amount of weight. That 95-pound bench press was our workout, and, like, we were all maxing out at, like, 130 pounds or something like that because we're fucking ninth-grade kids. But this guy's 18 and doing the same thing. He went to the Navy, came back. Dude would whip the shit out of me. <laughs> Hard fucking I- I don't even lift. <laughs> Bro. Really? I, I couldn't tell. Um, you look a little scrawny. Mass. What, uh, oh, have you ever met a stranger that you only saw once but still think of? Anyone not go? Lefty? Uh, it's got to be the woman and her husband yeah. that I – because I want to know what they said when they got home. I want to know – because it was, it was approaching Memorial Day weekend or something like that. Or no, it was, it was on the weekend of Mother's Day. I'm like, Mother's Day is tomorrow. They're going to have a family gathering, and they're going to have a one hell of a story to tell the rest of their family. Like, let me tell you about the two drunk assholes that we ran into the other night. Yeah. And I want to know how biased it was. I want to know how biased their representation of my dad and I was. But to be honest, there's lots of strangers like that because that's just how my memory works and how my brain works and then my personality. Like, I remember the redhead girl that I met uh, at the hotel lobby in Vegas, you know, Months and months ago. She was really cool. I talked to her for five minutes. I'll never see her again. Um, I remember, God, I, I remember the lady who works at uh, the hotel that we always stay at in uh, in Joliet, south of Chicago, uh, for paintball. I remember the lady who works behind the desk because I came in all soaking wet and needing some towels. Like, I, I remember a lot of, of strangers like that. I remember this guy. So when I was like 15, 16, I used to like roller skating. A lot. Like, I had a passion for it. And then Friday and Saturday, I would just, I would kill to go. And uh, my brother could drive, but he wasn't taking me around places. It was really a parenting mistake. Mom, if you watch this, you should have made Pat be nicer to me. But back on Feel topic. Bad. Yeah, we've <laughs> talked about Pat, Mom. You should have really stepped in. <laughs> yeah, when, when he could, like, other kids, when there's an older brother or sister, suddenly they start, like, helping the parents out, take the kids around. Me, so I was taking a, a bus, and... um uh, it was through some pretty low-income areas, and I, I'm on this bus, and everyone around me is, is you know, the guys that can't have cars. That, that's who was taking these buses. And this old man, um, 
had a, a cup, like a, I don't know what to call it, like a coffee cup, like an oversized paper Dixie cup type thing, and he had change in it. I'm only putting it together now that he was probably begging for that change, like that's, you know, with a cup in his hand. And uh, he he had, he like shook, and he spilled some of his change. So I picked it up and I gave it back to him. And then it happened again, like he spilled his change. And, it, like, the bus is moving and everything, so these quarters and stuff are rolling, and it's becoming kind of inconvenient for me <laughs> to give this guy his money back. And, um, but whatever, you know, the, like, look, this guy, he's, he's shaking so badly he can't hold on to his he's money. He's broker so. than El Presador. And <laughs> <laughs> so and that's saying something. So anyway, I, um, I, I pick the money up off the ground and I give it back to the guy. Well, then the next time I see him purposely take a quarter out of the cup and drop it in the aisle like to make me retrieve it again. And at that point, it was like, (laughs) bitch, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) Like, what is happening? What's going on in your head? I did something for you nice twice. And now you're just fucking with me. Give that bucket a change. Just want to watch the world burn. (laughs) There you go. I, uh, I thought of one more person. That I only a stranger that I saw once and still think about. I've told this story before on on my vlog channel on one one video, but uh, in a very bad neighborhood in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, uh, I came across a man who looked like a very older but extremely drunk and insane version of Bruce Willis who had a butcher's knife (laughs) and pulled it out on me and some friends. And I thought I was going to get stabbed, and it didn't happen. I thought you'd get stabbed with a butcher's knife. They're not even pointy. I... It was was an experience. (laughs) There was... There was... Now that you mentioned that, there was the time my cousin and I were standing on a street corner next to uh, just beyond a strip club because it was after hours and we didn't want the owner to see us leaving with the strippers because that's against their rules. Um, And it was freezing cold. We were in Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, cold, bitter cold. The wind was blowing. It, it, It cut through your clothes and it just hurt. It burned a little. It was so cold. And we're standing there shivering because we weren't dressed for this and we're waiting on the strippers to get off so that they can drive us back to the hotel or whatever and you know, we can do what you do with strippers in hotels. And what's that? It, yes, I don't understand. Em. You tie uh. them up and you fuck them. And um, so this. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. If they're into that. And, uh, and so consensually, consensually, most of the time. And so this bicycle, <laughs> like I said, we're on the corner. And so this bicycle rounds the corner, almost runs us over. This this random individual we've never seen before, all crazy, I'd hops off, and he's like, whoa, I almost ran you guys over. I'm so sorry. And then I notice his bicycle doesn't have a goddamn seat. And and so we start talking to this guy. Turns out he's homeless, just got out of just got out of jail, needs a couple dollars to get to the shelter. Another homeless man had begged me for some money a few minutes ago. I was like, no, bro, I don't have any cash. Because he wasn't deserving of the money. He, he, he told me the same thing. I just got out of jail. I'm sorry, I told the story slightly wrong. The first individual had just gotten out of jail. He wanted to get some money to go, like, rent a cot or something like that. And we told him no, because you just got out of jail. I don't know you. I don't know why you're in jail. Fuck off. And But in meanwhile, I have a pocket full of money. I mean, a lot of money, because <laughs> I just left the strip club. I have a I have a wad of $201 bills plus a good bit more cash. 
And so this new individual rounds the corner on his seatless bicycle, jumps off all crazy-eyed, starts apologizing, and then he starts telling us a story about how he had had to give someone his Social Security card as collateral against this bicycle, and even that wasn't enough because they took the seat so they'd know he'd return it so it would be worthless to him, and how he was trying to get across town to get, like, get something done and, and meet up with his friends and how he was supposed to be in the X Games, but, but he wasn't able to do yeah. He wasn't able to do it. He was an incredible like BMX rider or something. He had all these skills and how he had ran into some white guys earlier. This was a black guy and how they had spat on him and he, and he, you could tell he it really hurt his feelings that they had spat on him. He was like, they called me a nigger. They spat on me. It was terrible. He's like, I hate Kentucky. I'm like, we're not from Kentucky, man. We're from Georgia. <laughs> and that didn't seem to like convince him. Right, good, right. And, uh, and I was like, here you go, man. And I start peeling off ones and I gave him like six or eight bucks or something because he, he'd asked for three or four. And uh, he's like, I got something for you. And he backs up a few steps, runs at the brick wall at full speed, runs up the brick wall, and does a backflip landing what? on his feet. And he, he, he's like, that's what I was supposed to be doing on the main stage, bro. They took my dreams, took my dreams. And then he sped off in the night on this seatless bicycle. Wow. That's Matt, the guy you remember. You remember that guy. Do you remember the, the home? Were you there with me, at that guy in Boston, the homeless guy? What do you do? I, I know I told the story on Painkiller already, but I, I know White Boy was there. I know um, Mr. I Try Hard was there. And uh, he comes up, and we're all sitting there. And you have to – we're in front of a nice hotel in Boston. And uh, and me personally, anyway, like I was having my way paid. Like Gamma paid for everything. And uh, it's <laughs> – there are like heat lamps pushing you know warm air down on you in front of this like pretty posh hotel. And uh, a guy comes up to us, and he's asking us for money. And I don't give money to everybody I see. Like I'm, I'm not that big of a softy. Some but, places it's impossible. In some yeah. places in L.A. But um, but this guy comes up to us and he's like, "Man, I really need twenty dollars. I need urgent care." And uh, I was like, "What's wrong?" And he holds up his hands, and one hand is twice the size of the other. Like Ooh. like I don't know if it was an allergic reaction or what, but he's like, "I've got to get this looked at." And I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. And, uh, you know, he was trying to get – I think his target was $20. He was trying to get the $20 because he estimated that was his cost to get to urgent care, where I assume he'd be treated for free. I'm not really sure. And uh, and I, I gave him a 20 and he was shocked. He's like – like no one had ever given him a 20 before. And uh, – and that you know what it was his appreciation that burned him in my head, uh, yes. and partly his gigantic hand. <laughs> That's I mean I'm I'm sure like there's probably some people that fake their appreciation, but even even if it just creates that illusion for you that you did something right, then it's like okay great. Some people will take your money and just be like, eh. got him, fool. Like you got right. any more? Yeah, like you got oh, any more? I've off. seen it's that, like, and that pisses me off so much. Yeah, but, like, they're ruining it for the people that are actually struggling. I, right? I, there are people in bad situations, but some people are just dicks. I, it was a, it was again twenty dollars. This one was a lot. It was like in the early nineties. I was broke. I was going to school at night, and I was driving home from Drexel to Ocean City for people from the area. Anyway, the traffic was backed up, and there was a guy who needed twenty bucks to like get a flat fixed or something, like get a tire plug put in. And uh, at the time, I, did, I I didn't I didn't have two nickels to rub together, but I gave him twenty dollars. And I told my wife about it with guilt. I was like, honey, like these, these guys just seemed like they were in rough shape. Like they didn't know mm-hmm. what to do. They were stuck there. And, and there was there was a lot of traffic. So it was like a bigger problem than if they had like time to deal with it. And uh, I was like, I, I, I almost 
I was apologizing to my wife for giving her what felt like family resources, and uh, she didn't take it like that at all. She was proud of me, thought I was a good man. I thought yeah. I was... No, 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 I prioritizing like right. <laughs> oh, Woody. It, you know, they, they and then you the... kept all the PKA money, and then you <laughs> that's how you made up for it. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I, I saw <laughs> Keystar uploaded a video today, and he got the timeline like all wrong and crazy. Like he was somehow at, uh, Dick's gonna dick. I got hit up by the same bum twice in one night in Chicago. Did you? Oh. Yeah. Me and my buddy were walking um, walking to ESPN Zone to go grab dinner and then, you know, dick around with all the video games they have there. And on the way there, we were on Michigan Avenue. Uh, we walked up Wacker Drive uh, and then uh, turned on to Michigan Avenue. And <laughs> this guy, like, we were a couple blocks away from ESPN Zone, which is, I believe at the time was on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. And this guy stopped us, and he was like, uh, my buddy was wearing um, like basketball, like white basketball shoes, and he was like, "Hey man, you want to check out this brand new like shoe polish I got?" And my <laughs> yes, I knew who it was because he he fucking reeked. He was a bum, and I'm like, "All right, you know what do you you, you want five bucks something whatever, man." And uh, and we we started to I, I started to pull out like a couple bucks. My buddy did the same. I was like, "We'll split it, whatever. Give the guy something." And he had this like water bottle, like you know, one of those uh, bottles that comes in in a in like a bike. When you buy a bike and, you, and it it sits in the frame, it was one of those. It was white, and he immediately bent down. He had some shitty, filthy rag. <laughs> he immediately bent down to my friend's shoe <laughs> and squirted some of this thing on it. <laughs> And started rubbing my friend. He's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Was it even like a leather shoe or like a tennis shoe?" (laughs) Just soaks right in. Right, it was a basketball shoe, and and I I smelled it even from there. My my friend looked at me after that. Left. It was ivory soap. Nice. It was just some soap that the guy had gotten. And was like, and so we were like, oh, cool. He did one shoot. He was like, yeah, this is the goodness right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The leprechauns (laughs) gave it to him. It's not his fault. Right. And so we gave him five bucks total, right? And the guy's like, come on, man. I just do 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 And we're like, dude, you fucking wiped it down with ivory soap. Get out of here. <laughs> so he was like, all right. And then and then we were walking back after we leave ESPN Zone. And the same guy, like he wasn't even looking at us. He comes up. He's like, hey, man, you want to try out the newest? And then he looks at us and he realizes who we are. We're like, we already talked to you. He's like, ah, I know, I know. You got me. Yeah, to pimp his fucking ivory soap and wash it on strangers' shoes. I'm I'm sure it's FDA approved. Yeah. I got I got credit. He's not just just sitting in his feet, Phil. Yeah, he's he's Tricking people. Homeless people are crafty, okay? <laughs> and, and and they get up to – they have some ways of doing things. Um, I was I, trying I, to – like, like that are homeless, but not – I mean – okay, continue. We'll have this. Yeah, they, they have some interesting they ways of doing things and getting around. And, and recently I saw some things that, that I'd never seen before. I saw an attractive female homeless person, um, which was new. I'd never seen that before. Usually – I know that a lot of homeless people have mental illnesses, but they also seem to be older because I don't think – I think it's much less likely if you're you know, a 50-year-old person who's down and out that you'll have that family around you that can take care of you. But if you know, you're know you a 20-year-old girl, somebody's going to take care of you. But no, she was homeless. That was the first time I'd seen that, and I was just sitting there looking at that poor homeless girl just thinking like, 
I bet she'd like to go for a ride in my car, but she's got that homeless dude with her, and and he was really cock blocking, and so I couldn't couldn't get anything done there. Picking up homeless women, <laughs> sketchy, <laughs> to say the least. Some would say. Do we need a new topic um, since nobody yeah. wants to make fun of the homeless with me? <laughs> no, no, I, I refuse. No, they're bums. They're fucking bums. Oh okay? Christ, that's too when, much. Wow. No, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, my dad would my, when we had to go to downtown Chicago and we had to go to the Daily Center, uh, where they filmed Blues Brothers. By the way, he showed me. Nice. Uh, that was that was pretty contentious in court. Apparently, my my mom found out about it and tried to bring it up to like get custody of me. Like he watched the Blues Brothers when he was eight years old. What? Not that bad um, at all. So we would park on Lower Wacker Drive, and uh, and have to walk up to the to the Honorable Richard J. Daly Center, or Richard J. Daly Plaza, and um and my dad would stop and he he looked he said these are bums and there were guys that were living in a cardboard box and he's like no these are bums you want everybody's gonna try to tell you to call them homeless people etc no they're fucking bums they they want money etc no they're bums and that's it. I don't call them homeless. They're now, as harsh as that is, and I will say I, I disagree with that to a point, is begrudgingly because I think it's easy to call them bums. I think a lot of them have mental illness. A lot of them were veterans and have PTSD. So there are excuses for being homeless. Not everybody has a, a support staff of like people who love them and care for them and will pick the, pick them up when they fall down back at home. However, there are bums out there, and you must be you must be aware <laughs> of them because they are a shifty lot. Yes. There are definitely bum, scuzzy people out there who are no good for humanity, don't want to work, and are living like crap, and it's their own fault. But there is a an equivalency in uh, wealthier people where they are the exact same type of person with the exact same skill grade, with the exact same service to humanity, and yet they are on top because they were born into it. Really? And there's a very high percentage of the homeless population that has had uh, brain injuries not received after they became homeless, but before, right? And, and Utah even uh, is planning on, on ending their homeless, uh, uh, homelessness crisis by actually giving them homes because it costs less in taxpayer money. They figured out that I think it was around like $35,000 to keep a homeless person homeless and that all gets charged back with hospital visitations and all that social services, everything. But to actually give them a home actually costs less. That's something that we should be thinking about. That's it, Utah? Um, yeah, I think it's Utah. Albuquerque, New Mexico actually has a different solution. They take all that money that they would have supported the homeless with. I know where this is um, going. And they, they put it into a very high, uh, high-tech crack group of um, – of police officers who they then send out to gun the homeless down. So that's what they do with their resources. Tolerance. In Albuquerque, yes. They, they just gun them down. They found that that's the solution, apparently, those <laughs> bastards. Yeah, those gunshot wounds on that one guy, that, that one uh, bum shot in the foothills of Albuquerque, was uh, shot in the back, right? All those gunshot wounds? Were... That was a self-defense shot in the back. Yeah. They lit him up. Now, I will say this. I just remembered this, but I, I was in Albuquerque one time, and... and um, there was a person who had committed a crime, and we were there, and we saw the police get him. And the police were pretty uh... professional. No, no, mm. the opposite of that. Pretty like aggressive. they were okay with like we were there, and we had caught this guy uh, stealing some stuff, and they basically told the guy they're like, 
you're lucky I got here when they did. These guys probably would have beaten you to death, and I probably wouldn't have stopped him for a while. <laughs> he was basically letting this homeless guy know that you're lucky I got here when I did, and that there's a lot of witnesses because I don't really care about you. The United States has some uh, interesting state laws on homelessness. Homelessness. I think it was, what is it, Florida, where you can get fined for feeding a homeless person? What? There's, there's, a, few, there's a few states where people have been fined thousands of dollars for feeding homeless people. And they've, they've uh, put in these laws where, um, I'm paraphrasing, so I might be a, a little bit off, but I'd be more than willing to look this up too, uh, that... If it's only one person, like you can only feed a limited amount of homeless people. So they would try uh, a lot of um, homeless support groups and churches would try to get around that using a loophole saying like, okay, so I'm going to feed these five and then I'll swap out with my friend here who's going to feed these five homeless people. It's ridiculous. There's some really crazy stuff going on in uh, politics right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think people should be more aware of that. Um, I'm not saying that there's a clear solution to it. I'm not saying that giving homeless people homes will work in every scenario. Obviously, some people are. You're right. Some people are fucking bums, right? But we have to take into account that do the rich people who are also bums get the to have an advantage just because they were born into. Uh, you know, not having to die because of their own mental deficiencies, right? It, I'm it not saying rich people, rich people are bums. I'm saying that there's equivalencies in our intelligence no matter what uh, economic class you're born into. It might right? be worth investing in these guys. Like, I, I used to do a lot of work with Habitat for Humanity. And um, before you think I'm too much of a saint, it, it was in some ways, you know what? I wanted to build a workshop for woodworking. And I was learning skills and helping people, so it was. Oh my god! Oh my god! How dare you? Oh, I, I hate when people think that like. Right, so charity isn't supposed to be one hundred percent selfless. It's a thing that you do to enrich yourself and your community. Not. It's not just about helping that one individual person who you're, who you're looking at and handing that five dollars. It's okay if it makes you feel good to do it. It's okay if your community looks at you better when you do it, and it's okay if. In Woody's condition, you learned a skill while you did it. Like, I, there is no selfish, uh, selfless uh, charity, but that's okay. Nothing that's the selfless. nature of life. Nothing selfless. Because if it did, if it didn't make you at least feel good about yourself, then you wouldn't do it. Yeah, what are you, a Vulcan? Right. <laughs> okay. Well, I used to spend a lot of time at Habitat for Humanity building homes. If you don't know anything about it, maybe you're not American or something. Uh, essentially, what they do is they get volunteers to build houses, and then um, people who otherwise wouldn't be able to buy a home get like a huge discount on it and there's all sorts of rules surrounding it like they have to attend courses on how to be a homeowner they're not allowed to resell that house for some certain amount of years like five or ten so it's not like they can just like get a home and then flip it because they were broke <laughs> and all of a sudden you know because they got it they, oh they have to pay for it but it's really cheap like they might get a um like a hundred and twenty thousand dollar home for 30 grand but you know Five years could, in, ten years in, like it's yours. And seems like there's a scam to be had there. Isn't there some way I can sneak in, maybe buy a couple of these houses from some of the homeless people, maybe even trade them something for it, and end up with some sort of real estate business? Uh, it, it seems like there would be a scam in there. There are rules by defrauding the Habitat for Humanity. <laughs> yeah, it really depends. Um, They're not allowed to sell it unless they stay there like five, ten years. And but the, the part I was headed on was this: they take courses on how to own a home. Like they're like, all right. You need to mow this yard. 
Most people mow the yard, you know, between every three and like 10 days. If you're doing more than that, you're not being a proper homeowner. At the front of the home, right up against it, usually mulch and garden goes there. Do that. You know, <laughs> and, and these guys might, some of the people who bought these homes had no concept of like maintaining so, a home or mowing toilets, the yard. or use them. <laughs> okay. So Woody, so Woody, would you say that you you didn't learn anything when you were learning about that seminar because I've seen your yard and <laughs> quite frankly you there are homeless people who keep better yards than you <laughs> just saying for people that don't know my yard is all weeds but they're properly mowed we got a service they keep the weeds uh, at an even height and <laughs> there's my yard all my the way to the same weeds. height as Woody's house Yep, there you go. Uh, yeah, I, 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 we even had like a landscape architect come to the house. I've told this before, and they're, I was like, you know, how do we get the grass or whatever? And they're like, you don't have any grass. And I was like, no, nah, come on, like, look at this. There's like a hundred varieties to choose from. One of these must be grass. And uh, like, I'm like, what about this one? Isn't that fescue? And they're like, no, that's crabgrass. I was like, what about this thing? It looked like one of those summer grasses. And uh, apparently that was like Dixie weed or something like that. And I just went from one to the other and. There was nothing that people try to grow in my yard. Nothing were that. And that's an accomplishment in itself. <laughs> there you go. I, yeah. I rid myself of fescue. So um, you were going for the record. <laughs> yeah, and we sell this home. I don't know what to do. Do you sod the front, or do you just? I'm not sure. But uh, but yeah, my yard is. I, just kill it all and put down gravel. Whatever. Yeah, that's uh, not a bad idea. I just, like. like like if you kill, think about picture it for a second. If you killed it all, and like you lined the borders with some sort of like I'm imagining like round stones about the size of like your fist or something, and it was mm-hmm. it, maybe a stone garden, maybe it's something like, that would be cool. Astroturf. Astroturf would be yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Little <laughs> rubber chunks in it. I will say like like um putting like uh what's it you just said it but what's it called when you like roll out a, a, the grass sod sod sod's expensive a joint. And, so, and and I'm sure you'd get someone to do it, but I've I, I don't think yeah I've put sod down before. Uh, I, I sod at a yard one time a few years ago, and it is just backbreaking labor. They bring the sod to you in these like mm, two foot by two foot squares that have dirt attached pallet. to the roots, and they're heavy and they're on a pallet, and it's 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 all day, and you're just filthy, and it was not fun. I remember in my area, well. oftentimes they're um. It's on a pallet, but it's in, like, a big spiral, and they just, like, tip it and then roll it. Yeah, that would that's, be nice. That's how they do I don't know what I – that is – of course, it's much heavier than the two-foot squares. They must use machines to move it around. They do. I I went on one of the, the, the best field trips ever when I was in high school. We went to the sod farm, and I got to see- – <laughs> Famous field trip. Please it was, and I got to see the process in which sod is made, and they had this thing <laughs> that drives. really went along. to watch grass grow. Yeah, well, and, and harvested, and they they drive this little machine along, and it scoops up a section of the of the grass, you know, the the grass, the roots, the dirt, and all, and it it rolls it up into a a roll, and then you just take it and unroll it in your yard, and you've got this beautiful, beautiful, perfect sod. Was the sod? Was this a high school field trip you went yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah, you guys were rolling deep at that high school, huh? Oh, I, that's what I'm telling you. I'm so jealous of like what what you had, and and even more so of what your your daughter has with with the education. Because we went to the goddamn sod farm one day, man, and that was one of our better field trips. 
<laughs> I got we to went, go to the, I got to go to Argonne National Laboratory once. That was really cool. Yeah, we went to the greenhouses one time and we saw how flowers are made. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of our other filters. Well, you know, so simple great. people of the earth need you know. Well, they did theirs too. <laughs> what you're trying to say? Oh, and no, I mean, if you're going to live off the land, uh, you know, you're going to that's that's going to be your job later in life. Uh, you know, it's it's good to get that education in early. You were uh-huh. prepping for a survival trip. We also went to. Six I'm gonna five. pee really quick. I'll be back. All right, Just go right ahead. This is a perfect time for. For Game is that of Game of Thrones? Oh. Yeah, that's the best I can do. That's copyrighted. We can't play that music. Well, that was pretty good. I accept it. It's, it's outstanding. Um, I, it, I would like it better if, like, Lefty knew the tune and we all did it together. Dude, I've got stories about my field trips that I love, and I'm okay, field trips. sure I've told them before. I, yeah, I told the told fake ID story, right? Yeah. Damn it. Um, I'm trying to – the whitewater rafting story where I rescued that girl that I tell that? You went whitewater rafting on a school trip? Yeah. I think I heard that, but that was, like – Yeah, I remember. Her name was Shannon ago. something, and uh, – so if you've never been whitewater rafting, right on the other side of the um, of the rapid, like it usually goes over a rock and then pours right down it, right there is kind of like a turbulent area where it just kind of like spirals. And uh, our raft went over the rapid and this girl fell out. And then like just past the spiral, there's like a calm area. And our, our raft is just barely headed down river or something. And there's this girl, and she's drowning. She has a life jacket on, but it keeps, like, pulling her down and back up again and down and back up again. And she's bobbing, and I didn't really recognize it as a big threat because without being a douche, like, I'm good in water. And, you know, if you take me and dunk me repeatedly, like, ever see those Navy SEAL things where the instructor, like, rips their goggles off and dunks them? I'm like, how is that even hard? Like, that's that's no fucking big deal. But that's a big deal for me. (laughs) But this girl is being like bobbed in in a white like on the restaurant in the right after the rock in the rapid, and um, so I see this, and after like two or three dunks, I'm not sure how many dunks she has left in her. So um, so I dive off the boat. And I, I kind of like you hug her and and uh, it's easy to rescue someone. You just lay them on their back and you, you paddle them out with their face in the air. And um, so I, I do that and I pull her out and uh, she was like really grateful for the rest of the trip. It was kind of it was like it was like if only she were hotter. I was about <laughs> to say was she hot? No, she. Uh, I don't mean to put her down. I'm afraid this will get back to her. She was she was a regular person. Okay, fair yeah. enough. So regular. Um, what did you say? Regular. Yeah, she was a normal person. Defined. And this was later. I think I was a senior in high school. And uh, at this point, I, I was more qualified for the hot girls. Uh, as, a, as opposed to me as like a freshman and sophomore where I was more qualified to be without girls altogether. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, this is, I was a senior and I, I, I rescued this girl on a whitewater rafting trip. And that was pretty cool. Made me feel good about me and saved her That life. sounds cool. Yeah. That's an accomplishment. Yeah, I, we had the coolest field trips. Uh, what else did we do? Uh, we went to. I can't remember any of my field trips. Really? I remember in kindergarten I got lost and my teacher yelled at me. Well, that's an appropriate. <laughs> I separated response. from the group because I got distracted. Oh, I was like, maybe... there's this cool mirror exhibit. <laughs> oh, I went. Um, so on my daughter's field trips, I would uh, volunteer to be the chaperone just because. 
I don't know. I, I, in my head, it was like part of being a good parent. And um, uh, so we would go and, oh, my God, we went to the art exhibit. There were so many topless women at this art exhibit. All the, like, four, fourth grade guys were freaking out. At the, they must have seen, I don't want to exaggerate, but I'll say a good, like, 60 or 80 boobies that day. Mostly in pairs. Art exhibit, and I mean topless women as in real women and not statues of women? Uh, mostly paintings and some statues. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just clarifying. <laughs> yeah, no, they were like... Because could, it could be in an art exhibit where it's like toplessness is art. Depends on the artist. That, that's true. People have like put paints up their vaginas and splattered them on a page and called it art. Madonna had that book, right? Or... All it was was a, a, an entire book filled with vaginas. You didn't see that? No. Nope. Yeah. Didn't catch that one. That's before our time. Yeah. That, I'm aware of the book. That actually is probably 100% true. But, like, yeah, <laughs> I was maybe in high school or college or something, and Madonna came out with a book that was nothing but vagina shots, like almost gynecological vagina shots, and hers was in there. And <laughs> – um she said <laughs> at the time she said that her motivation was that a lot of girls felt bad that that you know theirs didn't look exactly like they wished it to look maybe the lady was too big or too small or too open or too shut or, or who knows what and she wanted to show girls that these things come in all shapes and sizes and regardless of what yours looks like it's normal that was her That's cool actually cuz i mean like it... when you i i i get the criticism of it in a sense but i mean what year are we talking anyway like 90 call it 92 92 there there might have been the legitimate purpose especially in in that time period too i mean right pre-internet you're getting it well yeah i i mean you all you've got are magazine covers anyway and and yeah sometimes it's important you had to know her her thing too though like she was this really hot artist in 92 she wasn't getting quite as much attention as she was in the 80s um and and so she started getting more and more outlandish she was like Wearing less clothing, the she was you know doing her shows in her underwear, and she comes out with the vagina book, and you're like, and viewed in the context of everything, I'm not sure this was a humanities project. Might have just been to like get on news. Yeah, I remember when Lady Gaga wore the meat dress, and people questioned her like, why are you wearing a dress made of meat? And she's like, it's a metaphor for gay rights. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> Because yeah, right. but on the other, maybe with the Madonna thing, it's uh, it's like when I did Habitat for Humanity, you know, like all right, mm-hmm. just because it wasn't a hundred percent generous and, and you were getting something in return doesn't make it an act of evil or, you know, that's correct. But I mean, in in general, it, I guess depending on how you want to define it through semantics, there's no real thing as like a selfless act, really. I mean, even if you do something that is like the textbook cinematic like oh sacrifice myself for somebody else right. selfless act you're still doing it because you have a predetermined idea of what is right and wrong right mm-hmm. so if it was the evil thing and you were doing a selfless act but it was also morally what hitler was doing in that sense then you wouldn't be doing it right you lost me a little bit hitler or er, lefty can you explain the hitler the best around? We pretend that Lefty is racist. It's a long-running joke. Yes, pretend. Yes. Pretend. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, hmm. Oh, uh, oh I, I have a whole new topic. No, 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 no. That's kind of rambling. Do you want to go to that, or do you want me to hit up 
my topic. Kyle. Wiener, go to your wiener, topic. Wiener, no, I'm, wiener, I'm, I'm flexible. Wiener. All right, I'll do mine. I'll do mine. I'm I, flexible. We talk about movies a lot on this podcast, and I am often criticized for liking newish movies, like in the last 20 years or so, over older movies, ones that are 60 years old. Under the notion, and I swear to you, it's not about like fancy CGI that's you know turned whatever, like the first Incredible Hawk or something like that. It's just that I think the pacing, uh, the CGI is an element of storytelling that they couldn't do before. Um, some of the epic movies that have come out, like I like the first Lord of the Rings, the first three, I'm not loving The Hobbit. Um, I liked uh, uh, the first Matrix. They wouldn't be able to tell that story properly without special effects. Do you think movies are better now than they were before? I maintain that we are in a golden age of movies and that if you compare it to the stuff from like the 20s and 40s on a you know even basis, that they're just doing it better now. My thoughts on that issue is that there are arguments, legitimate arguments for both sides of that, right? Um, I think that it falls into the same general category as a lot of people that say that music was generally better in the 70s, where uh, it's not that things were necessarily better, but the popular ones were better than the popular ones today. Like, now all it takes for something to get wide release and make lots of money is having a large advertising budget, right? For everybody to see something like movie 43, right? For me, the type of films that I love, I kind of have to do a little bit of digging to find them. And in this day and age, I really, really appreciate uh, all the resources that we have to make films. It's easier to make a movie uh, than it was at any point ever. You look back in mm -hmm. a lot of classic directors' history, uh, Kevin Smith, Christopher Nolan, uh, Darren Aronofsky, their first feature-length films were shot in black and white, not because of an artistic choice, but because that was cheaper. Nowadays, we don't have as many restrictions. People can be more free creatively. And especially uh, the further back you go back in time, a lot of the restrictions that we see today in terms of funding, uh, those existed back then too. Of course, things weren't as formulated yet, so the studios didn't have to say like, oh, you need a child character and... Uh, this character needs to have a love interest that serves no purpose to the film so we can grab the opposite gender into the movie theaters, right? There wasn't as much of that back then. And I, I think that a lot of the times uh, people only remember the classics, right? Mm -hmm. So you look back at a year, uh, like 2001 A Space Odyssey came out in, what, like 68 or something? Uh if you if you take a look at all the movies that were in theaters that year and all the ones that made lots of money, there are a lot of them that you know absolutely nothing about because they didn't stand the test of time. And for this generation, when you're looking in all the films from the 90s, which is even more or less true already, or any film from two, 2000s to 2010, we're only going to be remembering the ones that were actually good enough to stand the test of time in that sense, too, right? People have a flawed uh, uh, view of, of older generations because they only see the best things from the generation. But I think, I the think fact that, that everyone can make a movie now, I think, makes for better movies. You know, it, it, the Me top 10% is a more elite class than it was before. Because there's more people competing to be top 10%. District 9, I think, is a really neat example of that, right? That's kind of a... I didn't even realize that was a low-budget movie. 30 million. 
Wow. No, three million. Three million. It, okay, it, I was going to say three million or thirty million. Thirty million. It benefited a lot from the fact that the yeah. Halo project failed, and they were able to to use all that stuff. Yeah, that's the only reason it happened. I was paying attention to Blomkamp like when he was making those Halo videos of those that five part uh, whatever it was called. Ah, what it forward until dawn or yep. something? Is that what it was? Forward until dawn. No, that was the Halo Blu-ray movie. I'm thinking of something different. I'll search this up real quick. Um, but yeah, his his Halo uh, short. What was it called? Anyway, just search up Neil Blomkamp Halo into YouTube, and anybody watching this will see it and probably love it. I think he did a really great job with it. Like it was obvious that he wasn't just some director for hire; that he actually gave a crap about the game and wanted to make things like a little consistent. Things looked real and cool, and he's really good with. Uh, uh, computer animated effects. He's a graduate of uh, Vancouver Film School, which is the city that I'm currently located right now. Um, and all of his special effects department came from that school, too. They were able to get it done for cheap and do a really, really good job. Better effects than a lot of movies that have a $100 million advertising or, sorry, uh, film budget as well. I thought, you know, it had its own flaws. Like, why did the the fuel turn him into a an alien, and also if they only needed one drop, like they were, they were scavenging that landfill, and they were like, "We need the one drop, so we can get our our ship to start." And once we have this one drop of fuel, we'll be able to get out of here. And then it sprays all over our main character, clearly more than one drop. And then later, they're actually able to use that amount of fuel to leave. That doesn't make sense, but it's still a good movie. I liked it. <laughs> Are we still in District Nine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you I'm seen really Lifeboat? No. Oh. Lifeboat's a movie from the 40s, and I'd argue that by today's standards, it would just be sort of a not-remembered indie movie. But back in the day, it was you know one of the classics. Um, Sometimes things are brought up to that level more so because of what they meant for like cinema carrying forward and not necessarily how well it stands the test of time. So I see that. Yeah, my... The, the fans of Painkill already, of course, they're all individuals with their own opinions. But if they had a group opinion, it would be that my taste in movies suck and that I like new stuff too much. What are some of your favorite movies? Um, I often... Gosh, I, I feel like my, my list is... Do you have a gonna, favorite? I, Do you I have like one favorite movie? Favorites? Shucks, I don't know. I really are liked you? the first Indiana Jones. I think that's a classic. I've watched it recently and I still like it. I really liked the first reboot of Star Trek and the con Star Trek, the reboot one, more so yeah. than the originals. I really liked the first Avengers movie. Um, I shed a tear when Captain America starts rallying the troops and, you know, Hulk, you smash. And it's a, that to me, that sort of victory scene is, is my cup of tea. Um, uh, oh, uh, remember the Titans, the football movie? If you know that one, you probably know. Do it. you remember kind of... Remember the Titans? <laughs> uh, uh, I, think I... I saw it in school one day. I don't remember too much about it. I, I remember like specific scenes in like the locker room and stuff. But that's yeah, it, it. I really liked it. There, there was one scene in particular when they like danced their way onto the football field. Wow, it sounds so corny in hindsight, but it's uh, good. No, I it like worked that. on me. It worked on me, and um. Oh, one of your favorites. I really liked Frozen. I know. Furthermore, I really liked the song. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, I'm sorry about that one. I, I mentioned that. But, I mean, even if you disagree with my opinion, you can at least see why I'm taking that position, right? 
Yes. Like, you understand why well, I, it doesn't do it for me? I harbor no anger towards you just because we disagree on a movie, if that's where you're headed. I, um, oh, no, no, no. Also, but... sometimes when you have a criticism of a movie, it's usually something that completely escaped my notice. And, uh, like, if you were, like, for people who like, for people who understand music theory, they'll hate this song. And I'm like, well, I, a little bit. I still like this song. It's fun. It's my pump-up song, man. <laughs> if, if I if I had left it at that and given no evidence and just talked about, you know, just like, I don't know it all with music, then it would be like the most pretentious thing for me to be able to say. But I think the selling point is just putting those two songs next to each other just so people can actually mm-hmm. be like, oh, wait. So it is recycled. Who's the? Is it? Another one. I mean, like I, I liked the majority of the soundtrack. I thought that there's obviously talented people working on the soundtrack, but it is that particular chord progression and it being that one song is just like putting money first for me. Uh, that, that's that's my criticism it. of the Star Wars films. I really don't like a lot of them, even though they're classics. Um, I would argue that the pod racer scene in the fourth movie or first, depending on how you count it. You can um, just call them episode. Which episode one? Oh, one. episode. Yeah, yeah. So it's episode one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that scene to me with the Howard Cosell announcing and the pod racer, I'm like, this is completely about merchandising and a video game. <laughs> right? Like, now this is pod racing. <laughs> yeah. That, that entire sequence. I'm scene. a child. And I'm not a... It's like... A, Look, I, I recognize capitalism, and I, you know, I'm totally not against you selling your figurines and stuff. But when the film is what looked to me, I'm interpreting all this to be like reworked to put in a big like video game slash merchandising scene with the pod racers, I have a feeling Lucas's George Lucas's eyes were lighting up with potential profits at the cost, at the expense of the film he's making. You know why uh, Cars 2 got created, even though Pixar understood that nobody liked the first one? One billion dollars in merchandising, that's why. is because the majority of the money is not made through ticket sales, it's made from the toys, right? So that's, that's part of a lot of the criticism in my channel, is when they're trying to sell it to us as art, but really they're just selling us a commercial... And I, it's like I'm not saying money can't be involved in a movie. Christopher Nolan's pretty good at at using money and getting his money's worth in terms of practical effects, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I don't love everything he's ever made, um, there's a lot of good directors that are able to work with big budgets and control everything. Stanley Kubrick is also great. Like even with 2001: A Space Odyssey, what he did was insane. But the problem is when you're you're prioritizing a financial return based on merchandising uh, or or if, if you don't really care about whether or not people enjoy the film as much because of it, you know, if you're more concerned about sales than you are about having an audience that is pleased with what they're seeing. I hate it when it's obvious that those choices are made. I hate it when it's you can pick them out and you can say, like, oh, you did that because money. Thanks. Right. Whereas, I, I mean, there's a lot of people like myself and, and um, many filmgoers that would be more than willing to continue financially supporting the films that don't use those tricks. The ones that have some sort of integrity, right? 
Yeah, so there's a business for it, and I, I'm part of my channel is just hopefully gaining enough people so that maybe one day it'll become uh, uh, financially marketable to make good movies instead of making good commercials that pretend to be movies. I'm the the Lego guy. movie was a commercial, but it was still a good movie. The Lego movie was good, right? You can be both. I've heard. I it was a commercial, it. but it was a good movie. I'm the last guy to fuss at someone for having a profit motive. DollarShaveClub.com slash PKA. <laughs> but, but, but I don't feel like the entire art should be compromised because of it. You know, especially exactly. when you do exactly. it. Is, is whether or not it's you're making a sacrifice, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, What's your favorite film? Ooh, he ah. asked me. Counterattack. Uh, the Holy Mountain. Never I, heard of it. Oh, you don't Alejandro Wodorowski, um, 1973. Okay, what's your favorite film Possibly... that's done 50 million in sales? <laughs> Sorry? What's your favorite film that's done 50 million in sales? I bet it's done 50 million. Well, it, uh, okay, 100 uh, million. <laughs> let me talk about it, because if you guys haven't heard about it, you need to see it. It's that good. Oh, my God. I don't dismiss something because not that many people have seen it. You need to be exposed to these things. The Holy was... Mountain, just please just find a way to watch it. you got to experience it for yourself. You might call it the most pretentious piece of crap of all time, but so you it... need to at least experience it and, and know what it is. Because to me, there's a reason why it's my favorite movie. It is possibly the most impressive, other than uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, for that time period to use that budget and get that much out of it and not have all these studio uh, controls in, in your artistic integrity. There's so many statements on society and, and uh, uh, human beings and politics. Everything that rings so true today as it was back then. It's what it's seriously my favorite film. And it, it's, it's called The Holy Mountain? To me. The Holy yeah. Mountain. If you do one thing, just... I'm, if you watch a movie that you you haven't heard of, just watch that one. And it, I mean, like after that, they become a bit more well known. Second favorite movie, I guess, not as well known still. Synecdoche, New York, by Charlie Kaufman. One of, I mean, it's it's Philip Seymour Hoffman's one of his greatest performances. Uh, it's the movie that I watched like immediately after he died, just to pay my own respects. Um, I really like The Lion King. Everybody knows about that one. Um, I really want to make a bad Philip Seymour Hoffman joke. I love him as actor. I respect it, but I've got to. Go on. So, congratulations. Drug-free drug for three months. Four months. <laughs> four months. Great job, Philip. Great job. Four months. Four, four months. Was that the joke? Yeah, I don't know. It. Oh, he stole it. Um, Is he? Okay. What was I going to uh, say? Oh, Memento, Christopher Nolan's early, early uh, not first, but second movie. I love that one to pieces. Too. Good. Great movie. Yep. Sorry, I have another on. one that uh, that I hadn't mentioned. I, I really liked, um, I, or I hated but liked. Uh, oh, help me out, Robert Redford, Demi Moore, Woody Harrelson, Indecent uh, Proposal. Indecent Proposal. That movie, man. So I was like a teenager when I saw it, but I've always been kind of a like one woman person. Like that's how I'm wired, and uh, like the damage done to their relationship, like. I walked out of that movie theater feeling bad, while at the same time impressed that a movie had that kind of impact on me. And uh, in decent proposal, something about the storytelling in that it uh, it struck a chord with me. So I think that was their goal, mission accomplished. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that one. I like The Shining. That's my favorite. That one didn't work. Shining's fantastic. I love The Shining. 
I've seen it about four times. I think I've wrapped my head around it. I like uh, I like a lot of the symbolism that, that's that's there. I like uh, I like what Kubrick did with 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 that book. He he changed it a lot, and he starts the movie off by by saying "fuck you, Stephen King." I'm doing my own thing. The the Volkswagen's not going to be the color you 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 made it. It's not going to be. Yeah, a I like I liked that much about the uh, the points made in uh, Room Two Two Thirty Seven. Yeah, that, the, there were some things that about that documentary on The Shining that were legitimate, and a lot of things were in, absolutely insane and held no basis in reality and shouldn't yeah. have been a part of. The I don't think he faked the moon landing. Um, I don't. I don't think he was trying to admit it with the film either by making the hotel. Uh, I don't know the guy who ran the hotel look like um, Kennedy and put the American flag on his desk, etc. Anybody interested in understanding uh, just how crazy some of the points are being made? Go on YouTube and search "thoughts on Room 237." I made a review of this and criticized it heavily. Anybody watching on the YouTube's right now? I may just check that out. My there. little plug. <laughs> Has acting gotten better? You guys are talking a lot about the golden age of movies, etc. I has, think so. You think so? Like the average performance turned in by your average, like has the tide risen? I would say definitely. Acting? I would say that acting has gotten better, yes. Yeah. Back, I, I mean, like you're uh, a lot, of, uh, the further you go back in, in film history, a lot of uh, actors were so much more familiar and so taught in theater acting, which is very different, especially the way that you project your voice. You'll notice even in Stanley Kubrick's Paths of Glory, a lot of the characters are, like, in a room talking to each other, like, face-to-face, but they're projecting so much where it's like they're shouting in a way that it doesn't really matter who your That's character is. You wouldn't really do that. of the guy... Who plays Jean-Luc Picard? Uh, Patrick Stewart? Patrick yeah. Stewart. I feel like George every role he takes, he's on stage. <laughs> Projecting to an entire like a two hundred people person amphitheater. You and leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he says, it's just bold, and he talks, and he has his hand motions, and he's out there, and it's a declaration no, no, scene, of what I'm scene saying from now. First contact was amazing. That scene from First Contact was the amazing. Captain Ahab about the board. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was was that him? I will make them pay. <laughs> It was totally overblown and overdone, but it was fantastic. No, I I thought it was right on par. These things had kidnapped him. They turned him into one of him. It was basically like getting raped. It was a complete, you know, they took his body. They used it how they wanted to. They made him one of them, took his individuality away. He hates the fucking board. So when he gets his shot, it's not like when he's fighting. And she's trying to get him to blow up the the ship, and he's like, I won't do it. I won't sacrifice the Enterprise. Yeah, they're not taking another ship from him. On the other hand, the scene where he... Sings show tunes to get data to recognize who he is and yeah 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 that's the opposite man I like that I love song. it no Sometimes you're all it's wrong. so funny I don't know my when I say I love something it means quite a few different things <laughs> you leave John some things are just funny you were talking about uh, them controlling his body uh, another really good film that came out recently was called Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson and if and if I can't convince you to see the movie by talking about mm-hmm. how it was filmed and presented. I'll just tell you that you get to see her naked. So there. Completely. What movie is this? Uh, Under the Skin. Full Scarlett frontal Johansson. nudity. Woody's Googling it right now. You get to see Scarlett Johansson's vagina. It's really good. I, I would even recommend just don't watch the trailer. Just yeah. because there's certain visual shots that are much more disturbing if you're seeing it for the first time rather than like seeing a glimpse of it and then... 
And you can watch my spoiler-free review of it on my you know, YouTube. I like that they film a lot of stuff in crowds and stuff. Uh, in oh, yeah, it was crowd. insane. There was, like, a, there was a picture circulating the Internet that got uh, uh, altered in, like, Photoshop battles and all that of Scarlett Johansson falling on the sidewalk. That was actually from a scene in the movie because certain scenes in the film were filmed candidly where they dressed up Scarlett Johansson and sent her out in public in Scotland and most people did not know who she was because of her wig and everything. So then the paparazzi took a picture of her falling, which was a stage fall for a scene in the film, and then people wound up photoshopping it and (laughs) turning it into like her swimming with dolphins and things like that. (laughs) <laughs> and nobody realized it was actually from the movie, and that's how candid their their cameras were. And I didn't even know this until after I saw the movie. Uh, so many of the performances were just so natural. I'm like, that's that's like a real person. And then I find out later it is a real person. It totally didn't even it, it didn't even look like crappy GoPro res or anything. It, does, it looked really. Does anyone think Scarlett Johansson's overrated? As a crazy actor, as a hottie. She's pretty hot. I, uh, my opinion on this is invalid. Oh. Um, I'm into dudes. Gotcha. I, I, <sighs> sometimes it takes me a while to catch on. Like, the whole world was talking about Jessica Beale or something like that, and I'm like, really, her? And then after a while, it was like, oh, I see now. Yeah, you guys were right. And, um, that might happen to me with Scarlett Johansson, but I see her... Obviously, she's beautiful, right? I'm, I'm not saying, like, you know, like, whatever pointy elbows would not do. But I feel like she's just regular Hollywood hot. Like, all, all the actresses are that hot. I don't think she stands out against who plays Veronica Mars or, or, the, or the chick, the, the Transformer chicks, Megan Fox. I, um, I'm going to get her name right. Emma. Tom- Emma Watson, Emma Stone, either one. It's They're Thompson, right? Watson. Watson, Watson, right? Oh my Fuck. God. So, so I really tried that time. Um, Emma Watson. Uh, um, I don't know. It just seems like all these women in Hollywood are practically equally beautiful to me. It might be that my opinion is changing, right? Like, like maybe, or it might be that a lot of similarly featured uh, faces and body physiques are casted to fit a mesh role that Hollywood studios decide need to uh, be present to sell tickets. I saw this on the internet somewhere and it totally struck a note with me. The guy said that he knew he was getting older because he was watching MILF porn and it just looked like regular porn to him. That's That's kind of like, like, oh, MILF porn. Those are kids. Like, you know, whatever. (laughs) I guess technically 25 is a mom, but, you know, it's like it's either teen or MILF. And uh, when I look at these Hollywood women, I don't know. They just all look hot to me. I don't see why people salivate over this one or that one in particular. Um, Well, when you're talking about physical or sexual attraction, it's really not something that anybody can justify through a series of logical decisions. It's not like you're like, oh, boob, uh, make baby, I will attract. No, it's just... I hear you, but... Sometimes there's an it girl, right? And and what I'm saying is that like I can hardly identify with why this one was picked as the it girl because it seems like all the other, you know, also, you know, B-list stars or something are just as hot. Who knows? I'm not inside yeah. other people's minds getting I, I, I've said this before. If you take someone like uh 
Who are we just talking about? Scarlett. Scarlett Johansson. I would argue that, like, every high school and college in America has two girls that hot. I don't know about that. Jennifer Lawrence, maybe, because I, I am on the train of Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence is overrated as a sex figure. But I don't know how many people I've seen, like, actually uh, use her mentally as, like, a sex figure. Well, like, I'm, again, I'm not in people's minds, but generally on the Internet, what I've noticed is there's a lot of hype for uh, Emma Watson, particularly, mm-hmm. and Zoe Deschanel and Scarlett Johansson. In terms of Jennifer Lawrence, I think that she's got a lot of internet hype around her just because she's she acts like a real person. And I think that a lot of her uh, 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 fans are, are not so much it, it's not dudes that are getting off to her, but more just like, oh, what a quirky, fun person. She tripped <laughs> over. That's something a normal person would do. Or, like, she, she acts very uh, nonchalant in I front saw of cameras. I an, an interview with her about that. Um, and and what I took away from the interview and read between the lines is it started off as true that um, th- that she really did like enter these Hollywood like situations, red carpets and stuff, in a relatable way that everybody else would. And they were asking her, you know, how you know how has being a superstar? I think she's an Oscar winner. Is she a two time Oscar winner? I don't know. One time. Okay. Um, she's been nominated like three times, I think. Wow. I think she finally won something. I don't know when. Tremendously successful. I don't know. How, yeah. But um, they asking her how it changed her and stuff. And basically, she became really aware of why people like her. She became really wary of new people, right? Which is yeah. happens to even Z-list stars like, like me. Um, <laughs> like, you know, when this new person starts talking to her, she starts wondering what their motives are and why they're doing this. And... Uh, um, I don't know. It, it it to me made her even more relatable because she was going through the same kinds of like evolution that I think that everybody does. Like you know, now she has this fame. Now she has people wanting to warm up to her. Now she has she all is, these people looking at her. She's open about it, and she seems the slightest bit self aware and not so incredibly full of herself. So I think that's why a lot of people were distant. On to. A lot of people when they when they go superstar. Their next move is to like cut it off, right? You know, you don't see Tom Cruise talking about his feelings unless he's on Oprah. You, you don't Kanye. see. <laughs> yeah, he's. <a> <laughs> you, you don't see like Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston, like all these people like opening up and talking about, you know, how this ride that has been their life has impacted their inner self. No, but you know, Jennifer Lawrence in saying like, I'm not the same person I was. Now I'm wary. Now I'm this. Now I'm that. It's like, wow, that is another form of sincerity. She's she's able to poke fun at herself in a way too and that's that's an admirable quality. You know, if if Kanye fell on a stage, she would just be like that didn't happen and, <laughs> and everybody would be like I, I feel a little bad for Kanye. Maybe I'm the only one in I life. don't. I dude, everybody <laughs> is looking at him under a microscope for things to fuss at. Is it worth millions of dollars? He does it himself when he gets a microphone in front of his face. He just he, puts his foot right in his damn mouth. Oftentimes, like, but what? Like one time he said that he was. What did he say? He was like, I don't think he called himself the Jesus of a generation, but like a spokesman for this generation or something. He did call himself Jesus. He posed with a crown of thorns on Rolling Stone magazine, saying that his life experiences were similar to that of Jesus. This guy's full of himself. 
This is hard to defend. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, damn it. He, he, like, it's, it's, he's such a giant douchebag. You don't get up on stage saying, like, it's cool that you won, but this is who should have won. And then, like, you, he turns to the crowd totally expecting applause. Like, I'm big shot guy. Everybody's thinking what I'm thinking because I'm right. Right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. First of all, it's a fucking music awards show. It doesn't matter. Right? It's more opinion than anything. Like, yeah, it matters in record sales, but it's... Well, wait a minute. It matters in popular opinion and in monetary gain. This is kind of how matters is defined. I I really don't respect uh, a lot of the music awards shows because they make a lot of terrible decisions. And like a lot of awards shows, they're more concerned about getting popular acts in in their list of categories so that people will tune in and watch the show. Because it's not just an award show. The the end goal is not to give someone an award. The end goal is to make money off of a television broadcast. And the only way you're going to do that is if you nominate Kanye, is if you nominate all these giant pop artists, right? It's dependent on that. There's some, like, new upcoming bands that'll have, like, some obscure categories where maybe they're actually thinking that they deserve an award. But in all honesty, it's a lot of the same producers writing songs for, like, 20 different acts that are all on the top 40. I'm struggling because on one hand, you make a lot of sense. This sounds perfectly right. And while I should have, I hadn't thought of award shows as a, you know, they're really about making money off a TV broadcast. On the other hand, you didn't like Frozen, so... <laughs> hey, no, that's not correct. I gave it a positive rating, a 6 out of 10, and at the very beginning of my video, I said that there were parts of it that I loved, but I said that it was unfair to, for it to be exempt uh, from criticism. I'm sorry. What I, I meant think, to say I think is I didn't gave like, a very fair... I didn't, because that, <laughs> like I've used that chord progression once, and it was like the second song I ever wrote, and even then I tried to change up the rhythm to make it not every single other song ever made. Go uh, go on YouTube and and I I gotta figure out uh, what the title. Someone will if you look in the comments section on this video. Someone no, will. No 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 don't don't please up. don't please don't <laughs> please don't do that. Right, uh, but there's there's uh, oh the comment section on this musicians video? that have uh, yeah, yeah. well I mean we're th- I'm talking about in the future which is the present for some people right oh, now. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But, the the, the uh, comments on this video we're gonna make it will, will be toxic. I'm sure of it. Whatever. There's 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 YouTube videos of people taking all of the top uh, hits from the past 20 years and playing them, uh, basically tuning them to each other so that they're in the same pitch, and then playing one measure, one measure, one measure, one measure each uh, taken from the chorus of that song. And you'll notice how almost all of them are, or sorry, every single one that they've they've used in this video are the exact same chord progression, and the tempo doesn't even feel the slightest bit off. It's all so incredibly formulated. And it's as, as an artist, to do that in music would be the equivalency of having, like, a, a really shitty, cliched twist in a film. You know, there's certain things that us as audience members have recognized to be cliches in film that we we just won't tolerate anymore. I... I like to think of a good one, but I'm stuck at coming up with examples just out of nowhere while I'm in the middle of making a point. But uh, yeah, it's it's an equivalency for music to use that chord progression in that tempo in a way that's not creative at all. Like there's bands that I like that have done it, but when uh, it's 
especially for it to be that one song, you know? Like, they, they, they're going into it knowing that this is the one that's going to sell the most money. What's the and one? it sucks so much that that's the one that wins the awards, you What's know? the one that the, the core progression that everybody... Is it Pachelbel's Canon in D? There's a comedian that made a riff on it. I bet you know it. There's quite a few comedians and bands that have, have played on that chord progression and, and uh, pointed out I bet the, the PKA awkward. subreddit is going to know exactly what I'm talking exactly. about. Exactly. Somebody, somebody has a link him. to a video. And, and I'm, it's not like completely dabbing, but it's it's just a, an extra little uh, smudge that if, if you... I don't know. It's, All right, it so you, it doesn't have to bother everybody, but it bothers me. So you guys are talking about awards, and I, we we need to hear it from the guy himself. Your movie sucks officially. How bullshit is it, if at all? I'm not trying to to lead you here. That Leo doesn't have an Oscar. Does it really um, matter, or is, is it one of those things where it's like you know this is the one of the highest honors that we can bestow upon somebody? I mean, if we're gonna give John Wayne one before he dies, Leo's got to get one, right? Um, I think that by this point, uh, especially this last 2014 Oscars, uh, more people are saying Leo deserves an Oscar because other people are saying it rather than them thinking that he actually deserves one. You can think that he deserves one for previous works, but for there to be that whole bandwagon behind him specifically in Wolf of Wall Street when that's, I can't imagine that's his best performance and there were other performances that year that were much better. It's like, yes, he probably deserves one at some point. And there's, if I want to do a bit of research into what was, what were uh, the nominations of previous years that he was nominated, maybe he deserved it another year. But I, I feel like as soon as he's in another big movie, there's going to be this annoying, mm-hmm. trending. It's Why doesn't Leo have an Oscar yet? And there's going to be another picture of him sad, and then the caption, no Oscar for me today. <laughs> That's and, the thing. I feel uh, like he's a super strong actor, one of the best currently making films, according to me. But I don't know that he's, like, the best in any given year. I'm not sure that he's – you're supposed to – it's exactly. not a lifetime achievement He's award. been nominated four times. He it's shouldn't get one just because award. he's overdue. He should get one when he actually deserves it against the nominations that are present in that year. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Not because you're overdue, which is what people were saying about this year. Like, oh, he doesn't have an Oscar yet, therefore he's the best performance of the year? What? Yeah, like you, um, uh, who's the, the beautiful 50-year-old woman? Susan Bullock or Bullock or something? Help me. Not Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Is really? What I'm going for. Okay. You don't yeah. think she's what beautiful you- in 50? Well, again, my opinions on that are irrelevant, but I don't know if she's... Is she 50? Yeah. I don't think she's yeah, a very she's... good actor. I think she kind of sucks, honestly. I'm not in love with her acting either, but she won an Sandra Oscar Bullock. recently, didn't she? She was nominated for Gravity, but she didn't win it. Oh, my mistake. Amazing. I was... I That would have been... That was the only nomination where I was thinking, if this actually happens, I will be seriously upset. <laughs> she, if somebody else was in that movie, it would have been so much better. She dragged it down. Her performance was crap. Miss Congeniality oh, yeah. was awesome. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she won... Did she, she has an Oscar, though, right? It was I'm the same sh- year she won probably. a Razzie. Let's see. I can look this she, up. It's for um, uh, the football movie. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Blindside? Yeah, yeah. Blind Didn't she win an Oscar for that? Fuck. I think so. Oh yeah, my she God. won one. Um, she was... 
even the subject of that movie, even the real Michael Orr, who is the, the NFL lineman, was like, that movie's fucking suck because I wasn't that stupid. They portrayed him as like an idiot, like he was almost mentally disabled. That was the whole point, was to be like, oh, we are doing the world a great favor. This is the equivalency of adopting an, an African child, except we don't have to go to Africa. It was so like... <laughs> And he yeah, happens to be really good at football, football and he's going to make us millions of dollars. So, yeah. Did he? So, in, in did he get money for that, though? Well, hmm? I mean, what do you mean? I don't. I didn't think the family got any money for making him. Not necessarily. I mean, not like you get a paycheck if your kid enters the NFL, but I mean, it's not that much of a stretch if you get a movie deal done. I'm sure to use their names, they got they got movie right. They've got mm-hmm. they were compensated for the movie rights. I and, suspect their original motivation was just to help the football team and help a kid. Those two things yeah. combined. That okay, was so in 1994, uh, DiCaprio was nominated for an Oscar for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Uh, it was a Best Supporting Actor category, but he lost to Tommy Lee Jones for his work in The Fugitive. That doesn't seem right. Um, then uh, he, he, in 2005, he was in uh, the Howard Hughes biopic, uh, The Aviator, by Martin he did a, that was That performance was miles better than Wolf of Wall Street, I would say. He was really good in The Aviator. Agreed, but he lost to Jamie Foxx uh, for his portrayal in Ray. Uh, two years later, that's not Ray. in 2007, he was back on the best actor list for Blood Diamond. But the voters went with Forrest Whitaker's version of uh, Edie Amin uh, in The Last King of Scotland. And then the recent Wolf of Wall Street debacle. But then there's a lot of movies that he just wasn't nominated for for whatever reason that you could yeah. make an ar- argue for. I mean, some yeah, sometimes it's just who they're up against, too. Being, I mean, if he even won an Oscar at this point, do you, do you think he even cares as much as the people on the internet care? I know for a fact he's making he cares. so much money, and he's been nominated like five times. So, I know for a fact that he cares, and um, and he he cares. He How do you know cares. for a fact that he cares? He's um, on a first name basis. He just calls him. <laughs> um, I was present during a Skype call that he was part of one time, and it was discussed. That's kind of hilarious. Wait a minute. Leonardo Are you talking DiCaprio. about Leo DiCaprio? You were on a Skype call with Leo? I was not on the call. I was present with someone who was on the call. Okay. So so if we were to play like seven degrees of Leonardo DiCaprio with you, you'd be <laughs> one degree. What if when he said that, he was acting? <laughs> <laughs> the call ended and he what put if with his he buddy. You see sarcastic. that? Acting. Yeah, he could have been sarcastic. So how much does he care? So he's aware of it, and he he's he cared like, quite yeah. a bit, and he and, and he seemed to intimate that he thought that there, that perhaps there was a vast conspiracy to deny him, and it upset him. It sounds really? like something that Kanye would say. <laughs> <laughs> you were secretly in a Skype call with Kanye. That's where you're. You <laughs> Kanye was Kanye acting West and with... pretending to be Leo. That's how next level Kanye is. That's how good you he can make you confuse him with Leo. Man, Kanye's the worst. I, I, he is the worst. Kanye really is the worst. I, I really not, like that guy. There's a lot of people uh, that have appreciation for music and and will try to uh, find all these hidden gems and have tastes that I generally appreciate, like music nerds that that don't all the time just get fed into the top 40 bullcrap that listen to Kanye's stuff and say that it's actually good. And while I'll agree that, like, as a producer, if he's the one that's mostly responsible for 
the overall sound of it, then I applaud him for at least trying to do things a bit differently. But in terms of his lyricism, it's not, it's not, it's not like, it doesn't make it a good song. People don't pay attention to lyrics. It's upsetting. Yeah, he's not Tupac or he's not, uh, he's not Nas at 19 releasing one of the greatest rap albums ever. Mm-hmm. So. New topic. Is this my cue? I can I, I can I can make something up. I uh, I can go either way. Sorry, I'm dealing with a crisis again. Oh, um, okay. Oh, hmm. just that my text. I have a list of topics somewhere. I do too. Um, I don't. Do we want to talk about the 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 wings thing? Oh, uh, I'm flexible. Did we, did we want to talk about that? I what what, did, what specifically did you have in mind to discuss? The thing overall, or was there something that he did oh, this the week? The subreddit activity. Yeah, the subreddit activity and and um, uh, people, uh, you know, just people wanting to know what's up. Well, I, so and, what uh, I what stood out the most for me is, I guess, there was a post on our subreddit that said, you know, who thinks that we should remove Wings from the header, uh, since you know he's not on the show anymore, and he's publicly said that he's never going to be on the show anymore. And I thought that was a legitimate question, given those last two caveats. And and uh, and he started posting on there, and he was he was like, "Why are the mods even allowing this?" And I'm like, "Why wouldn't they? This seems like a perfectly normal discussion. Like like yeah, you're not on the show anymore. You say you don't want to be on the show anymore. You say you're not going to be on the show anymore. So why would you continue to be on the banner?" And the whole idea that Wings like masterminded uh, this, this little show that we've been putting on for a hundred and what eighty two fucking episodes is just absurd. You know, it started out where we, we all sat in the Skype chat and we talked and we said, "Hey, this is pretty fucking entertaining. More people should hear this." But to to hear him say it, he handpicked us like some sort of talent scout and like 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 he's Dick Clark or something. Like like put putting together some dream team of uh, entertainers or something. That's not the, That's just not the case. The show doesn't belong to anyone. It never belonged to Wings, certainly. It was our show, and now that he's not... This is my it, show. What are you talking about? Yes, it's, it's, it's Adam's show. He's running this shit now, so he's used to it. If the time travel makes sense in X-Men, then I went back in time. And this is my show, because we're starting the timeline right now. Calling it. <laughs> I, I like what you did there a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I just so. want to say that uh that you know Wings Wings did help me out a lot and uh and I don't wish ill for him and uh and I'm grateful to him for the help he gave me. But you know, there's a lot of people talking that apparently just don't have a lot of social experience and you know, if somebody does something nice for you, they don't get to abuse you. They don't get to publicly, constantly, whenever they get a little bit down, debase your friendship and a product you create with them. That's not part of the bargain for doing something nice for somebody. And, um, you know, what I said, I stick by, and I didn't mean it as a threat, Woody and Kyle. I didn't mean to say, you know, you better not... I just said it was to the level my, my dislike at having my friendship and what I tried to do to repay Wings for how nice he was to me, to have that shit on every time Wings had a bad day was enough. And it's to the point, the toy was broken to the point where I don't want to do it anymore. I'm not going to put myself in that situation. I'm not going to put myself out there for a friend who is the the first time he has a bad day without anything I ha- without having anything to do with me 
it's going to be all of a sudden I'm the asshole, I'm the piece of shit, I'm the one who's not helping, calling, doing whatever. I, I had the same uh, issues, and I think a lot of times it was pointed even more directly at me than anyone else on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, when when Wing says these guys aren't my friends, everyone is like, "Woody, you know, you're not doing this, you're not doing that." And oftentimes it just wasn't true. Like I remember he kept saying that we were excluding him and we weren't calling him in lead up to the PKA survival trip. So many calls. So many calls, like six calls a week or something. And then he'd say, "Well, those calls were at eight, 8 p.m. That's far too late for me. They don't count." That's not fair, right? You know, 8, 8 p.m. is a time that most people and are And they awake. weren't. They were spread through Like, like yeah. so the calls ranged from 2 in the afternoon to, you know, sometimes maybe midnight, 1 in the morning. But it was a, it was a complete range of time. So it, it, one of those times you should have been awake. Uh, you, over, you, can't, you can't be a bear and hibernate. Over the years, I've stood by Wings and, and a, a couple other guys, too, when nobody else was time and time again. And... Um, then, like with Wings in particular, he would debase the friendship. He would say, those guys are just my coworkers. Those guys aren't really my friends. Those guys had, you know, when I'm down, they're not calling me. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's flat out unfair. I called. I tweeted. I, I wrote to him on, uh, or I texted. It, it, or, or Skyped. And, and, like, you know, every time he was, like, those episodes, you know, where, where Wings was, uh, you know, like having a rough time over Twitter, I was typically there in the background helping him. You know, helping him try to feel better. And then it comes out like we never did that. He was on, you know, Keemstar's podcast. I mentioned this in Feedback Friday. And he told everyone that he had never made a penny from Painkiller already. That's not true. The ads no. were already running at that point. If we you were made already... more than a penny, then it is not, not a penny. If it's so, more than a penny. <laughs> so, so we were splitting the ad money equally. A hundred, you know, five ways because um, there's the four of us and then there's the agent who makes it all happen. And... Um, uh, you know, then he goes on Keemstar's show, and to his credit, he was on that show saying, Keemstar, you're wrong about Woody. Keemstar, you're this, you're that. And then when Keemstar, like, backs him into a corner, for some reason, he just says, like, I've never earned any money from Pika. And it's like, that's totally bullshit. That's, but, like, you have no idea how much undeserved shit I've taken for that. This, the, people believe things that, that Keemstar says, and it's ludicrous. Um, I, I watch his ch- if you watch Keemstar's channel, it's mostly about um, Call of Duty players that think one is better than another, so he reads their tweets to to you. And um, uh, it's it's it's, oh, it's about two things. It's about people that broke up with their girlfriends and about people who think they're better than each other in video games. Hard-hitting shit. Hard-hitting Hard hitting shit, shit. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, breaking news! This guy said he's better at Call of Duty than that guy. <laughs> so, But when he talks about me, you'll notice there's never any tweets, there's never any proof, there's never anything... He just spouts, like, opinions and lies and stuff. And um, why Wings fed into that, for me, there's a half of decade, half of a decade of bad behavior, of, of either supporting people who are attacking my children, um, saying negative things about me directly. Um, oh, there was the one with Holiday Doc. Apparently he told him. So I ran for King of the Web, and I donated 100% of the money I earned to charity. 100%. Right? That should be clear. But for some reason, they thought the one video I made discussing that I was, you know, if I win this, I'll give the money to charity, made even more than the $7,500 I donated to charity, and it was really a big money-making scam. That's bullshit. It's bullshit. If you know a way to make eight grand a video, let me know, and I'll do it. I'll make four videos a day. I'll do it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not how it works, and I don't know why Wing said that. 
or I don't know why Holiday Doc said that Wing said that, but it it, it was just it was the basis of another hate video about me, and apparently, you know, his inside source was Wings of Redemption saying bad things about me. I have a list as long as your arm that about things. The truth is, Wings isn't wired to not be his most the most successful person in his circle, and if he's not. He'll poke holes at them, and for me, eventually it became too much to live with. Yeah, and that's it. I, I mean, I, I'll speak for Kyle and tell me if I get this wrong. I think for Kyle, a lot of it had to do with actually missing the trip. It was that was a big that was like the last straw for me because it was like I don't know. It's a care. number of things. I don't feel like he appreciated that whole boot camp thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for I know you don't know Adam, so just to bring you into this a bit, like. Um, the guy we're talking about is, is overweight. He, he weighed something in the order of 450 pounds, 440 pounds. And I, I was like, this is no good. Come to my house and stay for a month and I'll help you through this. I'll help you with your workouts, your diet, et cetera. And, and, um, and, and he, my, my shower wasn't big enough for him. So we built a new shower over here for him and it costs, I don't know, $4,000. Let's call it. It's a nice big walk-in shower. The door alone was a couple grand. But anyway, mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like he appreciated that. I really didn't. And, and he said as much many times, um, online and, you know, his rants and stuff. And that rubbed me the wrong way. But, but, you know, the last straw really was when we had devoted all that time, money, effort, planning, uh, into this trip that we were all going to go on together, and he just canceled at the last minute. And he talked, and he wants to exaggerate and be like, "I gave him 16 hours of, mm-hmm. of, of, of no, okay, I can go back in my phone right now and mm-hmm. like exactly." While he does that, for me, missing the trip wasn't a big deal at all. I didn't mind, right? Like missing the trip, like. Uh, I never expected we were doing this survival trip like a um you know Survivor Man where he goes and he tries to survive for a week in the woods without many tools. We were doing a a, a video series basically inspired by that. And when Wings couldn't come, I didn't really consider it a positive or negative. I wanted him to be there because he's another guy and and I like spending time with him and such. But I never felt like, oh, how are we going to survive without Wings to carry us through? Like it was um, a, a neutral at best, right? I even, I don't mean to put wings down, but in my heart of hearts, I kind of thought that in a survival situation, wings would sort of take more than he was able to contribute. And I was okay with that. I was, I was, I was, and when For he sure. couldn't make it, it was like, well, I'm okay with that too. What I didn't like is how he took to the live stream and started saying crazy things. I forget how much he said I make a month. Like 40 grand a week or so. Oh yeah. He said I made 40 grand a week and that he saw the checks. There's a couple things with that. One, I don't get paid by check. I get one check a month. It's the Netflix.com slash Woody check, and uh, and I and I don't send it to Wings. Right? I For approval. It, Wings no, he's interrupting your mail. That's what he's doing. Just yeah. so you know, Wings doesn't handle Woody's accounts. <laughs> yeah, he's not my financial manager. Why he would say that I make this much a week, which is inflated, and that he sees the checks as proof, like that 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 was the kind of thing that made me say, all right. Enough. And, and if you're watching this and you have someone in your life who you know, just takes a lot more than they give, who who says bad things, like let's say maybe you're not in social media and your friends don't have whatever he has, 100,000 Twitter followers, but they have a Facebook account where everyone in high school reads it and they use that Facebook account to tear you down and say lies and like, you know, make you feel bad all the time, then you should unfriend that guy. You know, that's that's how you should handle your life and that's how I handled mine. Depending. Obviously, I mean, like, I, I, I'm I, only hearing one perspective on this, so don't forgive me for not taking sides, but it does resonate with me, and I've had 
there there are people that I can think of in my life that are fit that description. So it's very uh, yeah. And and for five years, I kind of just let it slide, let it slide. And and Wings of Redemption is, is wired in such a way that um, like he'll do the bad thing, but he never refills that emotional bank account. He just waits. Right. So so he'll like he'll talk behind your back or on stream, which I don't really consider behind your back, but he'll say unkind things about you. And then four weeks later, it's like, let it go. Like I heard, I think Wings asked Kyle if I would do a video series where we put a bucket of water on our heads or something. I'm not sure what the specifics were, but it was like, no, no, you haven't done anything to make up for all the things you did. I, I, I can't. I would be a battered wife at this point. Like you can't just beat me and then come back into the house three weeks later for half a decade. I I can't. I don't give people second chances. I gave. I'm cold. I gave them fiftieth chances. It's I'm. I was somebody. Um, is actually so. I made a. I do this series called Mail Monday where I give some advice. And on the subreddit, this is like two months ago, a month ago, they showed me my own advice about getting toxic friends out of your life. And I was like, ah, I feel like a hypocrite because I haven't done this myself, right? I have a toxic friend who just does mean things to me or says mean things about me and then I just keep involving them in my circle all the time at some point you know you got to close that door and uh, and since it's been closed it it's kind of just gotten worse so so yeah you know like and I don't hate wings my wife does but (laughs) but I don't um I hope that you know he finds the success train, right? Find something that he's good at that motivates him to do it more and that the thing is productive and, you know, maybe monetarily successful and, and it starts inflating his sense of self-worth and he just spirals up because that's how things go, right? When, when things are headed your way, like if, I just did this same spiel in a Feedback Friday, but you know, if you've ever been good at something and then you start getting appreciated for being good at that and it motivates you to do that again and, and you're just going up, I want that for wings. But... Mm. um. You know, since right now he's just spiraling down, and the way he handles that is to say terrible things about me, I, I gotta go. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, if if it is just the a matter of getting a reaction out of you, should like not. I, I don't think it's that calculated. So much. Is think, it? I don't think it's calculated at all. I think he's. Um, He's just Again, I don't know. I'm just I'm making. Yeah, my I think own he's business, unfiltered. Right? So that's the story that um, you know. If you want to be as simple as oh, would he, wings help Lefty? That means Lefty has to subject himself to constant uh, psychological abuse. I guess. Right. Hope it happens to you one day. See how Yay! you like it. Yay! Psychological abuse. Woo! Good job. Then, I'm an adult. I get to choose who my friends are, and and it doesn't matter uh, what the popularity contest says, or you, you can't vote on who who my friends are. It's just mm-hmm. how it works. Yep. Point taken. Na 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 na. Oh God, they're insisting. Are we? Are we? Insisting on Game of Thrones talk. Fine, there would be no Game of Thrones talk this I, week. There was no, no episode. I, no, I mean, I guess it makes sense. There was no episode this week. I guess I'm just pumped because it's been two weeks without Game of Thrones, and it's happening in, what, like 48 hours. Less than, like, 46 hours from now. It's going to happen, and I'm excited. People love this show. It's very good. It's very good. Um, they have the right mixture of nudity and uh, special effects 
and uh, an epic feel to it. And they make you feel like at any time they might take your favorite character and just literally kill him right before your eyes in a horrible, like, in, like, like not a good death, right? Like, like it's pretty, you've seen it before, you know, you, you see a guy die in a movie, you're like, oh man, I, I was really on his side. But, you know, he gets an honorable death. Like, for some reason it's popping in my head, the scene from Gears of War instead of a movie. But, you know, the way that, um, uh, Dominic Santiago dies in Gears yeah. of War 3. He gives himself for the team. No, that's not how people die in Game of Thrones. They die like people die in real life. Yeah, they, that's... It's, Game it's of, bad. Game of Thrones, although not being a viewer of it, is something that I, I would... I instantly think of when I was making those criticisms against uh, the Walking Dead characters dying. Where yes. it's like, literally as soon as you see characters show up and you're like, well, they haven't been getting much screen time. Potential mm-hmm. victim, potential victim, potential victim, and then giant of egg happens, and it's like, wow, bam, 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 bam. Main characters are still alive, and every once in a while, a main character will die. But yeah, yeah, and it's not even it, it's someone that you're praying that they will die, or it's like you like you said, it's someone that either Mark. wanted to go or they wanted to get rid of. And uh, I'm gl- you you fleshed that out really well in your video about uh, the first two seasons of The Walking Dead. You tore it apart. The first season, I think we both agree is. Is good. Yeah, uh, I mean, big, and again, addressing the issues that I was pointing out earlier with films, a lot of the reasons why something's good is because there's a person with a vision, and they have control over what people are doing. As soon as you uh, start influencing them with restrictions, budget cuts, etc., it it ruins their vision, and it ruins. The art, it ruins what they could be doing, right? Yeah. There's a great shot in your movie where the cat, or not your movie, your your video where yeah. the cast is at Comic-Con and the question is asked, are you excited about this new season? Because, you you know, I'm sure you're getting a much bigger budget. And, and he goes on. That and was just an assumption. And then, yeah, and, and actually their budget had been slashed no! by like 30% or something like that. And everybody's looking at each other like, well, uh, you know, the guy the guy basically starts bullshitting and, and like yep. covering for AMC, and he says, "By the way, you can take this at any time." And he's no, well, yeah, he, everybody knows that Frank has something to say, but he's just keeping quiet. And I'll, I don't hate Robert Kirkman, but looking at all the interview footage, it's just like he doesn't have enough backbone to be able to speak out and say that something's wrong. Yeah, and I kind of feel that. I, he was a yeah. little pussy in that moment. You can take this at any time, Frank. You can be the one who throws AMC under the bus, but I'm keeping my job. I'm going to lie now. But that's, that's the thing, though, say. is like I feel I feel like Robert Kirkman is probably on more of a secure pedestal than anyone else was. It's his original works, and he owns he retains ownership of the comic books and the story. Oh, I don't was think that AMC could fire him, right? I think that more than anyone, he should have been the one to speak out. Because I don't think they could have fired him. Oh, right? That's a good point. I didn't realize that's who they were asking. It's I watched your video a few days ago. Yeah, but... Robert Kirkman made the comics. But fuck Walking Dead. I think I'm done with it. I, I I'm not gonna. I, I hadn't. I haven't watched the the, the current the newest season. I I haven't watched any of it. And I don't think I ever will now because the AMC really are cunts, like you said. Your video and I, I don't like that. I don't like how they treated Frank. I don't like how they treated the the material. Um, Are you ready for an entire season of TV show that splits into two and we call it the same season, but secretly it's two shorter seasons? And it's about <laughs> like three, three of the three episodes from like uh, I don't know how many episodes are actually in the Walking Dead comics, but it's you know over a hundred, right? 
It's it's stretching the source material. Yes, yeah, they they stretched like three books into that whole thing at Herschel's farm. Three comic books. It's I didn't know that until I, I watched your video. Everybody should watch my review if you're really interested about The Walking Dead. You really should go watch his video. It's it's excellent, and you'll feel a lot different about The Walking Dead. Fuck Andrea though. That she got what she had coming. <laughs> Forever fuck Andrea. God, I hated that character. Close your fucking mouth and and. And try to do something that a rational, normal human being would do just once. She's the reigning champion of friendly fire. And she's the reigning champion of doing stupid shit that wouldn't make sense. Mm. She's going up against Lori, though. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I I think that she's she's probably the winner. I don't know what I want from Walking Dead. Like, I... What's... It's unsavable at this point. It it they killed it. They ruined it. But, right? But, like, what's not, the next? It will never be what it could be for them. Like, it, I think in a real situation like that, it, it'd be a little bit like Les Stroud Survivor Man. Hopefully, by this point, they have some sort of Robinson Crusoe setup where they're protected from zombies and it's not easy to get to them. And life isn't really that exciting like a TV show. What do you want? How would how would I do it better? I don't know. I want the so I learned a lot from watching uh, Adam's video, but there were a lot of things that were planned that would tie into scenes that we got throughout the first season, like the whole you pointed out the whole season, the whole part where um, Rick gets into the tank in one of the early episodes, and there's a dead soldier in there. The tank's covered with zombies. He gets the grenade out, and he uses the grenade. There's, there was a whole storyline about that grenade and the soldier who had it, and they were, that was supposed to be a flashback that occurred later on. But they it was got supposed under- to be the opening uh, episode of season two, and this was this was the plan that he had before the budget cuts was to do uh, an episode that took place before the the zombie apocalypse, showing the life of that one soldier played by Sam Witwer, who is one of. Uh, Frank Darabont's good friends, who was in the mist and played the soldier who was in the tank, who he took the grenade from. Uh, it was going to follow him up until he dies in the tank, and it was going to introduce uh, the character development of why Dale, Andrea, and I, her sister's name is Amy, I think, uh, why they had such a close bond. Because in season one, you can tell that they're they're in their own little group, and they have implied backstory, but it was going to show some of that and actually develop the characters, which yeah. is what the show's supposed to be about, and then AMC was like, <laughs> we're taking your money, because we want more money. Yeah, fuck AMC. They, are, they, they truly are cons, and I feel, I, you definitely convinced me of that. that that's, that's a shame. But You're welcome. <laughs> I so, ruined everything. So, the next episode of Game of Thrones, Woody, do you think that we're going to get to see the fight between Prince Oberyn and the Mountain, or is that going to be put off until the next, next episode? There's two episodes left, right? Three, I think. Three? I think. I think this is episode seven coming up. Then there's... Or, let, me, let me check so we've got our facts straight, but I think I think they're going to skip over it personally. I think it's going to be not I the next episode. I think they have to do something at the, some point. I think it'll be in the show. The mountain's that guy that's like 6'9", right? Or whatever. Yeah, he's gigantic, and gigantic. Um, he represents the Lannisters. <clears throat> well, that's not fair to say. He represents the the... Cersei, and then there's another guy. Is his name Oberyn? Did I pronounce that right? He represents Tyrion, 
who I'm sure I pronounced wrong. <laughs> you guys have me all sensitive about this. But I thought, um, wait, well, didn't you say earlier that you were like adamant about cr- pronouncing names correctly? I don't think that was me. I, I think they were no, saying no, no, that I was, I was terrible I, at it. Yeah, he's got oh, okay. a. He's, I, I, um, who started I, in Taken, Woody? What's that? Who starred in Taken and was... Oh, God, you're trying to get me to say Liam Nelson. Ah! (laughs) Liam, right. Is it Nielsen? It's Neeson. But there you go. Yeah. Liam Nesserson. (laughs) (laughs) It's a dangus. That Woody has, we all love him for it. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's awesome. I, I seem to store people's names right next to, like, directions on how to get places in my brain. Both of which are leaky. And I forget awful. people's names all the time. Uh, when I know how to pronounce it, I'll remember that. But I remember faces more than I remember names. Yeah, everyone's kind of built that way. I think I'm a, a special kind of named hearted that you don't run into all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Your pants on head named hearted. <laughs> That's right. Think <laughs> <laughs> of an issue. I'm gonna write that one down. Uh, do we need a whole new topic? Yeah. You've yeah. been transported to the year 3000. What's the first thing that you do? Uh, sex robot. Find All a right. library. Find, Find a, a library? library? Wow. That'd be hard. Yeah. I, I hope we have, I hope they're there. They're obsolete we're still, now, baby. I hope we're still around. Yeah, but you still, I mean, believe it or not, they still store things in there, like knowledge and what we're doing currently and all that stuff. They've got all the daily periodicals. They're... I don't know. That's that's a hard question. I guess I would I would want to acclimate myself. Um, I don't guess you know. I guess maybe some of my belongings might be really, really, really valuable at that point. Like you know, my galaxy. We didn't say your belongings are transported. Am I naked? Is this the Terminator? Oh, that's yes. So if I'm oh. not naked like the Terminator, I bet my I bet everything I'm wearing is like super vintage and crazy valuable. So we're gonna want to cash that in as soon as possible. The, the technology to replicate it would probably be so great that it would be impossible to prove its legitimacy. Maybe so. I don't know. I guess because, I because because then if you're talking about like a cotton fiber or something, and it's it's not like like if if they're going to date it as being that old. It would have had to have existed throughout the entire thousand years, but instead it's being transported to the future. So to them, if they were to do tests on it, it would have been made like ten within the past ten years. Yeah, right? that's true. Um, oh, yeah. We're, you're just assuming that like literally every single article of clothing is manufactured in such a different way that we no longer have the the setup to be able to produce. I bet I'll have the only set of sneakers like I like I'm wearing in that in three thousand. I bet I'm wearing the only kind of watch like that. Only pair of shades. You'll be the only one without uh, robot body mods. Maybe so. That could be too. The year I, I do like your idea. Really you be like, dude, you're gonna die in like forty years. Get one of these things already. Because in, in my head, like <laughs> one of the immediate problems I have is surviving. Like, what would I like to do? I don't know. Visit a gravesite or something, or or just take in the new car and in transportation infrastructure and see how energy works and you know, exor- absorb my world of amazement. But I have some tasks at hand to take care of, and that's survival. But I like your way of doing it. Like, yeah, I'll just sell this shitty iPhone that doesn't even work as a classic, and you'll be doing fine. Um, I guess the future could go quite a few different ways. We're all uh, answering this question under the assumption that it's a technologically advanced future and not dystopian and horrible. 
So I guess mm. there is no real answer. If I got transported 3,000 years into the future, I would walk around and figure out what's up. <laughs> Step like, one. What is this future? Then I'd probably get locked in an insane asylum for saying that I'm from the past. Yeah, unless I mean, that's a thing. A legit risk. Yeah, unless they're like, yeah, time travel's possible. Okay, so right. This is... They're like, this isn't even a big deal, jerky. <laughs> you think you you're the first you back? guy here? Isn't it like an issue? Do you want to go back? You... <laughs> Hang out for a bit if you want. That's gonna cost you some money, or that Galaxy S4. <laughs> no, I doubt they even use money at that point. If we're if we're still around at, in a thousand years, we can't be using money, can we? We use yeah. money a thousand years ago. Not physical money. Not physical anymore, probably. But there's going to be currency. I, you know, so you guys currency are, makes sense. Otherwise, there's no way to trade, right? But yeah, there's no way to do anything. Unless there's, there's no way limitless to, stuff and to you don't have value to trade anymore. To Sorry, I interrupted you. Unless there's limitless things and you don't have to trade anymore. Right, like like a Star Trek future. Like, there's no point in currency. You just sort of work for self satisfaction and to advance the race because Mm-mm. everyone can have anything. That won't happen. Even the Star Trek universe is kind of vague about this because there are certain races that have economies mm-hmm. like the Ferengi, and, and it's sort of feline supplement number forty-seven. But yeah, and you know, there there are obviously a class system in the Star. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense for like. Jean-Luc Picard to like be be not have an income while he's saving the universe or the galaxy anyway, and uh, and you know some peasant back on Earth who's like working at a coffee shop to be making the same amount of money. Like, does everybody I, I have mean, a pool of money they delve from and you take as much as you want? There's got to be a limit. There has to be a con- an economy. I I mean we're all speaking from the perspective of people that have only existed in a society with cur- currency, but I would imagine that currency will probably continue into future generations, even if, like, all digital currency got wiped out, we would find some way to do trades. You can't, like, as soon as you wipe out federal legal tender, people would just invent their own anyway, just be like, okay, this rice is worth this much and I'll start trading it, or Mm -hmm. probably something that you can't grow, obviously, but um, you're not going to be able to stop people from operating that way, because if it's like, okay, I'll trade my bed for your fridge, but we both recognize that this bed is worth 1.5 times the amount of your fridge. So I can't trade a fridge plus half a fridge, right? It's it's yeah. necessary for trade, at least in, in my perspective. And, yeah, I mean, you'd have to give people some incentive to be doing certain things. You need to be able to provide incentive for people to do services. I don't know if we're going to last another 1,000 years anyway. It's- I know. I don't think we're going to continue at our current trajectory. I think it's going to get stunted at some point. There's got to be some big well, cataclysmic event. There's enough food on the planet for like 10 billion people. We were at 6 billion not that long ago. We're past 7 billion, and it's growing exponentially. So very possibly within our own lifetimes, there's going to be a serious debate on population control. And because of the fact that we're all separated in, in different countries with different uh, legislations and, and political climates... There's going to be quite some drama over this, and uh, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm You're looking at I, you, China. Well, I mean, they implemented their policy, right? But I, I, at the same time, I don't think it should be as simple as, like, illegal, because then, of course, you're incentivizing people to kill their babies, like we saw what that what that did. But perhaps maybe there's a solution in, in tax breaks for people that decide to have not as many children, because, you know, to, to maintain... To sustain uh, a constant population, 
I think the number is you need 2.1 children for every couple, right? So if every person had two kids and you gave them tax breaks for staying on that number or below that number and then you taxed the fuck out of people that had more based on income, not on a certain amount, so that rich people would be equally affected as, as poor people, then that might get something done. But again, the problem arises in the fact that we'd be looking at, there would be one country that does it, and then who's going to tell all the other countries to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not going to work. That's a big problem, and we don't even have birth control in a lot of countries, right? So you, there's no stopping it, because we would rather send <laughs> Africa Bibles instead of condoms. Mm-hmm. The po- yeah. But the Pope, the, but the Pope though says that he might think about it. He might, he might think about it. They're entertaining the notion. Same thing with priestly celibacy. He says, "Hey, why not? We we should have a discussion about this." So at least the Pope is thinking about it instead of actually doing a goddamn thing about it. But hey, <laughs> whatever, right? He's talking about it. I, guess. I like the new Pope. He's doing good things. I feel he's like not doing the anything. New- God is doing a new thing. You know, he's doing it. <laughs> he's essentially to all the big to all the big questions. He's essentially going, Meh, and everybody's like, "Oh my fucking god, the Pope, greatest thing ever!" Yeah, I'm with you, Lefty. I feel like this guy's gotten a gotten. He's had a lot of credit sent his way, a lot of praise because he's not just, as insane, right? For not right. being a total douche. They're like, "Oh my god, best Pope in ages, only a partial douche." Look at this guy. He doesn't seem to be in favor of child rape. I mean, he's not doing anything about all the child rape we've had in the past. You know, he's doing it. <laughs> at least he's not actively promoting the child rape like the previous guy. Oh, he's not actually in favor of same-sex marriage and couples and such. But, you know, at least he's not dogging on it as hard as the previous guy. So this makes him some sort of hero. He's not actually saying things, I don't think, like, you know what? Maybe we should back off on the condom thing. That's just outdated and incorrect, and I don't see the evil in it. He's not saying that, but the fact that he's not actively saying condoms are evil makes him some sort of Pope superhero. Yeah, and and you know what? I mean, as much as people are blowing it out of proportion, I think that it's at least a good thing that we can tell globally, politically, that uh, people want there to be more progressive ideas and not be stuck in the dark ages of thought, right? I think that's an important thing to get across to the Vatican, because not only is it uh, hurting society, but it's hurting their own uh, religion, right? If if mm-hmm. people keep hearing uh, that their religion is going to promote certain uh, horrible, barbaric ideas, then people are going to join a different religion, right? Exactly, so, exactly. So, so I, yeah, again, this pope has gotten too much love for too little action. You know, if you want me to send this Pope some love, let's see him actually change the church's position on, you know, some of these topics where historically they're just hateful. But here's the thing, though. I um, I was doing a little bit of research on this, and I don't know the credibility of the source, but, um, you know, at least he's not covering up kid diddling, right? What do you said that? Mm-hmm. He might have done that in Argentina. When he was head of the archdiocese, you know, if you're gonna make a big deal out of every little kid diddle, <laughs> <laughs> he may, may have he may have commissioned people to write a just report. this one time, yeah, to the Supreme Court in uh, in Argentina, uh, uh, professing the innocence of. Uh, Let of a me child ask you this: and, 
Was it that doesn't kid, matter if he repented, though. Was that kid wearing like a sexy altar boy costume? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was asking for it. I mean, he was asking for it. I mean, he was just walking around, you know, shaking his moneymaker at the at the father. But yeah, he might have he might have done a little bit of that in uh, in Argentina. A whole a whole lot of you know there was a you know yeah he was he was allowing guys that uh, that have been accused of doing that. A few times uh, working in churches with children's groups and stuff, and he was definitely aware of it and letting it happen. So, it's the Pope! <laughs> that, I, it's unforgivable, and it's, I, I, I want someone who's actually sane, 100%, all the way, not just less insane, but like actually progressive, actually. You should become a bishop. Yeah, what do you got? Woody for Pope, do it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, sometimes let's I think talk about more action. Go. <laughs> Not necessarily bishop, but sometimes I think about public office, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I could ever get elected with all the stuff. Yeah, I don't think I could be voted for by a majority of people. I don't think it's possible. Yeah, I, I think that you know, or with this hair, at some point they take something <laughs> out of context. Yeah, well, the hair is fixable. I can give you hair t- coaching. <laughs> but I don't want to do it. At some point, there's, there's something. If you put a mic in front of somebody for, I'm going to make up a number, you know, 1,500 hours, they'll say something stupid, and I've done it many times. Yeah, you thought idiot kids on the internet were bad with uh, women were built for rape. Imagine what the general general populace is going to do with that. Right, right. The oh, first oh. time somebody's like, he said this thing, and it's like, no, that's bullshit. I didn't say that. They're like, well, he must have said it. Okay. Yeah, right. You know what's, what's sad about that, though, is that is that as a person who's letting all of your opinions out for everyone to see, right, it shows a level of confidence in, in your own opinions that, I mean, like, you can explain, maybe you'd slip up and say something absolutely stupid, but... Yeah, any person doing that would also say really stupid things, and I'd imagine a lot of uh, uh, people running for political offices in uh, many countries would say some absolutely barbaric things if they were giving, given a platform like a YouTube channel, right? But if you're the one that has it and every once in a while you say something kind of stupid, then attack ads forever, right? Yep. That's the problem is that politics is not a game of... of uh, you know, hoping that people agree with your opinion. It's a game of lying about your opinions based on what everybody already agrees with. So you're like, oh, I'm just going to pretend that I don't feel strongly either way on this issue, even though I'm totally against it, because I want people to vote for me. Also yeah. 9-11. Yes. <laughs> the 9-11 cheese plate, available at... <laughs> oh. I don't know, probably a lot of my audience is too young, but Rudolph Giuliani was running against Hillary Clinton. This is the year that uh, Obama eventually won his first thing. Mm-hmm. And Giuliani would mention 9-11 constantly. He was the mayor of New York at the time that the 9-11 attacks hit. And if you don't remember how it went down, when the 9-11 attacks first hit, there was a leadership void. Uh, George Bush Jr., George W. Bush, w- was our, um, yeah. our president at the time. And he didn't say anything. He didn't do anything for like four days he was just like hidden in a bunker, I presume being briefed, gathering intelligence and working very hard. But to the haters, he was just like not leading. You know, he was missing in action. Meanwhile, Giuliani goes out there and becomes America's mayor, right? He's out there delivering impassioned speeches about how it's okay to feel and, and what we should be doing and how these guys will never hold us down. And, the, and America loved Giuliani. He filled the leadership void that Bush left. Well, 
when he ran for president, he said 9-11 all the time. He would say mm-hmm. it constantly. He was suggesting tax rates of 9 to 11 percent. That was my favorite part. Like everything he said would work 9-11 in there. So like you could ask him a question about healthcare and he'd answer it about 9-11. And, uh, freedom. There you go. That's another one. The Iraqis, you know, they nearly took our freedom. It was a close call. (laughs) Almost got us. Almost got us. That's why we need the, the drone strikes and the waterboarding and the, uh, Hey, I think you guys have hilarious airport security. (sighs) You guys were, are you in Canada? I am. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a, I'm that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Big hockey fan, I guess. Probably. I'm not. No. Well, I mean, everybody around me loves hockey. I'm not like, I'm not like a huge sports person either way. But if you know, if my friends are doing a hockey thing, drinking beer, whatever, it's an excuse to hang out with friends, and I'm watching a thing. And I get it. You guys, yeah. you sit back in the igloo, dodge the hockey yeah, pucks. I, I worked at, uh, at one of the like huge Best Buy locations and. So often there would be like famous uh, local sports players coming in buying stuff. I would be, I'd like sell something to a guy, and then one of my coworkers would be like, "You know that was that guy, right?" I'm like, "Oh, it was a famous person that I'm okay. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I'm not high and mighty for not liking sports. It's just not my thing." I, know, I had the opposite experience. I like that. One. No, I was... good for you for not being one of those guys that's like, "I don't watch sports," and I'm. Uh, it's just people, like yeah, people it's get entertained by different things, and and you know, like there's a psychology behind all of it. You could be people are watching a podcast right now. Probably a lot of people that uh, love sports dislike uh, the idea that you're supposed to spend your time watching a podcast or watching a let's play, or you know, people take competitive gaming very seriously in in other countries too. I mean. It's not harming anybody. Just I am. Um, I was buying new hockey equipment because I'm a not, not currently, but at the time I was a, a hockey player. Not no, that wasn't special or anything, but I played hockey. And um, while I'm there, Ron Francis is buying stuff for his kids. If you don't know, he was the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes. This is a pro hockey, an NHL hockey team, and um, he's a Hall of Famer now. So he's kind of a big shot hockey player, and he had just lost the Stanley Cup. We were like headed into the next season, but, but, uh, so he was the captain of a very good team, my local team. And, uh, I saw him and it's one of the few times I was really starstruck. I was like, oh my God, that's Ron Francis. And the people that work there, apparently they see him, you know, like he's a regular customer. But, mm-hmm. um, for me, I, I couldn't believe it. And I wanted to go up to him and shake his hand and just like, you know, meet Ron Francis, but I had a cold. I felt a certain responsibility to like the people of Raleigh, not to be <laughs> the captain of our hockey team. Don't Cole. be that guy. Yeah, right. Like, oh, Ron Francis had a bad three days because Woody's gamer tag shook his hand. So, so, uh, so I just sort of stared at him from a distance while all the employees giggled about me. His wife um, noticed me noticing him, and uh, like you know giggled or something like she was warm-hearted she seemed very nice and uh and that's kind of where the whole story is i just kept my distance bought my whatever and uh carried on so was this before or after you stared down the buff guy in the pool because it seems like you do a lot of eyeing up of dudes (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with that it'd be roughly the same time frame that i stared at that guy in the (laughs) pool but um (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> gay is a spectrum, man. You know, no one's purely no, straight or purely no, gay. No, it's a, it's not a choice. I understand. I totally understand. Nothing at all wrong. I, I want to ask Adam. So, Adam, I have um, I've long maintained on this podcast yeah. that uh, very few people are 100% straight or 100% gay. That instead, 
you know, you're some percentage. You know, maybe you're completely macho and that's your thing, but you can appreciate a well-sculpted guy in some way. I'll put you down for 5%. Maybe, you know, like you like two-on-one guy porn instead of two-on-one double girls in the porn. Right? Maybe you prefer your porn with the devil's threesome. I'm bumping you up to 10% gay. So <laughs> I'd like your opinions on the topic. Well, what you have to understand about sexuality is that gay and straight are not necessarily defining characteristics, but they are words that we are using to describe trends that we're seeing in sexuality. And uh, sexuality is something that's extremely uh, associative. So if you go on certain websites, uh, will a lot of the users will have fun by uh, showing some super hot chick or, like, revealing clothing, like, nice tits, whatever, yada, yada, and then a few posts down reveal that they're actually, they actually oh. have a penis, right? Right, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, snap in that person's mind. There are quite a few people that were attracted to the exact same figure, and then after revealing that small detail about the gender, no longer attracted. So, it was a deal breaker. Are you, so, so then it's like, what defines male and female? Is it that one specific body part? Because you could still... You could still identify as a male and have have tits, or you could be a very boyish-looking man or a manly-looking girl. The thing is, is we're from the same species, right? An arm is an arm, a leg is a leg. Uh, I mean, there are more exaggerated characteristics depending on the gender, but those are just trends, right? It's not it's not ultimately defining. If you, I mean, there's there's so many uh, things about sexuality that people don't even realize in the sense that like. Uh, think about people with uh, occupational fetishes like nurse or businessman. No one's actually physically attracted to the to the fabric, the clothing, right? Mm-hmm. It's what's associatively making that connection in our brain. Maybe it has to do with uh, power structure. Maybe it has to do with some sort of dominant, submissive uh, idea that we already have programmed into ourselves socially. So yeah, it's a it's a huge spectrum. I do believe that there's quite a few people out there that as long as it meets the definition, the whatever definition they've set for them of, like, male, as soon as that connection is made, they're no longer attracted. So I'm not sure it would be fair to say that they're, like, not 100% straight, but maybe if they did look at it in a different perspective, then they would realize that, you know, maybe it's not so black and white. So so yes and no is my answer. It's, mm. it's, a, it's a pretty complicated topic. So what another... you're saying, it's cool to look at tranny porn. It's okay. It's there's nothing wrong with that. Sweet. <laughs> I have another thought process. This is a new one I don't think we've said on the show before. I believe that losing your virginity is not a one day affair. That it's typically lost in dribs and drabs. So what? Like, I'll explain. Um I remember when Clinton had oral sex with Monica Lewinsky, there was a national discussion on whether or not oral sex was sex. Um, Hilarious. Somebody might pose the same question as to whether or not, uh, I don't know if there's a more clinical term for hand job, like handy sex is sex, or vaginal sex is sex, or anal sex is sex. You know, are these things sex? And I've come to the, and and by the way, like like a hand job type thing is not something that, teenagers do and then abandon later on this is influenced by dan savage by the way i don't mean to copy all his material but it's not something that um uh, that the teenagers do and then just abandon it's also a part of adulthood sex right um 
so I now think virginity is lost in pieces. You know, you can lose your hand job virginity, your oral virginity, your okay. vaginal virginity, your anal virginity. That uh, that like virginity is almost a spectrum too. That uh, you know, if you think you've had oral sex, or if you know you've had oral sex, but you think you've never had sex, you actually have. That's a part of the sexual experience, and a hand job is a part of the sexual experience, just like vaginal and anal can all be part of the sexual experience. And sexuality does not necessarily have to end at orgasm or ejaculation, right? It can, sexuality is all, also encompasses things like hugging someone. That is completely driven by our uh, programmed sexual human brains. Fair, right? but in this case, I'm talking about virginity, and I will grant someone who's hugged their V card. <laughs> you haven't lost it yet just because you hug somebody. But um, what about masturbation? That's I, like a solo hand job. Yeah, it, it, I mean, if you're asking my opinion, I think when we're talking about virginity, it has to involve another person. But um, but that's certainly part of your uh, sexual maturation process, I would argue. So um, so yeah. Now you know, like if you've had oral sex but never vaginal sex, I would say that you're not a full virgin anymore. That that you are on the path to exploring sexuality and um, and people lose their virginity piece by piece. Well, yeah, and I, I mean at the same time, there's uh, there's people on the planet that only define vi- or virginity as penis vagina uh, contact. So that does that mean that all gay people have not lost their virginity ever and never will? Right. Mm-hmm. I guess we like there's different ways to define it. So it, it it's. Kind of semantics. I mean, it, it means different things to different people depending there's, on how they want to define it. There's but. all kinds of virginity. And, and, you know, at some point it's just, you know, how much of the spectrum you've explored so far. Mm-hmm. Kyle, you there? Yes, sir. Yes. Have you been listening? What are your I've thoughts? been listening intently. I'm not sure if I'm willing to sign off on this. Virginity mm-hmm. seems like penis going into a not something other than a mouth. <laughs> I think a penis needs to go into something other than a mouth. Not like a flashlight. <laughs> like a sock. Like the altar no, boy. No, it needs to be important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like the altar boy. Like, like maybe that's that that's the most horrible. One of the most horrible ways that you can lose your virginity. But if a priest puts his penis inside of an altar boy's butt, then they have both lost uh, a level of virginity. The priest. Probably not so because he's just—he's not just getting started. He's been doing this. It's a, the whole reason he became a priest is likely so that he could do something. That's like the this. point of priesthood, I think, to get yeah. altar boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really think a penis has to penetrate something for you to lose your virginity. I'm a man. You know, I mean the the Mine's better. The, the concept of it means so little to me in in terms of like like purpose and overall achievement that I'm willing to accept anyone's definition for it. You know, there's people that have that have completely online relationships that'll be like, oh, I'll, I'll roleplay with someone, and if we both ejaculate on the opposite sides of the world, then that was our first time. And although that's not a definition that I would hold for myself, I mean... I, I would I argue I, that is a first time of sorts. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's a it's a different thing. It, it's Some a piece of the spectrum that they shared, and uh, you know, it, it's yeah, it, whatever. So you know, in my it's head, a human connection that involves our sexuality. Yeah, in, in my head, you lose your virginity piece by piece as you explore the spectrum. That's that's my thought on this. Yeah. So like, like 
hand job, then oral, <laughs> then vaginal, and then next step is anal, and then after that it's just like fisting. Check out the then check you, out the bondage you've scene, hit the baby. next you've hit the next level. <laughs> fisting and and vomiting on each other, and then you Don't really get the into poop. dirty stuff. Don't forget the poop. Don't forget <laughs> the poop. <laughs> I like that. Kyle said, "There's fisting, then vomiting." And then you get to the dirty stuff. Building <laughs> little cardboard figurines and then placing them around and, and making a Lego city and then stomping on them, pretending you're Godzilla, and then having sex. You guys have not been on the internet. <laughs> my favorite kind of porn, it's not my favorite kind of porn, but a kind that I think is hilarious, and I, I mentioned it last week on our show, and, and our subreddit has been discovering it, is the kind where it's a, it's a form of Japanese porn where... <laughs> so the idea is that an invisible man is having sex with uh, with these women without their... It's it's pretty rapey. I wouldn't, it's not a rape in the sense that he's, that the woman's like screaming and like resisting. She's just really confused about what's going on. But the way, because there's an invisible man feeling her up and, and having sex with her in every way you can imagine while she's in some invi- some situation where it's not appropriate. She's in the sauna or she's doing yoga. Interesting. Yeah, and the way they achieve this visual effect, you would you would think, oh, is this like that Kevin Bacon movie, you know, when he was invisible? And oh, was, God, that was so funny. Remember when he was sucking on her tit? It was that you were that. Those were some like grade A computer animation effects. Oh man! But so it's not that they just put a Japanese guy in like a white leotard, so all you can see is his dick and like his eyes, and and like he he walks in the room and he starts like feeling up the chicks and like fucking them and stuff, and they they just look really confused, and that's the porn. It's it's um, it, you know the the even even if we're going to accept the the spectrum of like gay and straight. Human sexuality encompasses so much more. Like, straight does not begin to define a person. You know, straight can be, like, also into rape porn, right? Yeah. Or, like, like, whatever, like, inflation or... But only straight rape porn. ...and choking. Hmm? Only straight rape Well, porn. yeah, it's... None of that gay rape. I'm not, not down with that. It's got to be straight. Yeah. That's all I right. like. It's like. It's like a, a Venn diagram. <laughs> We should design a Venn diagram for... And it'll look like a big butt. <laughs> With a spot in the middle that includes the, the highest act. I yes. like it. <laughs> uh, let's this see. Is a good conversation. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> That's what we do. Yes, eventually in the show we talk about one type of uncomfortable pornography, at least. Something you know on what? The, level. The, the conversations that people are scared of are the ones that I, I'd encourage, you know? Stuff that, I, I mean, like, in all honesty, we're talking about something that's pretty matter-of-fact, and yet if you were to discuss this in a setting that's, most settings that aren't the internet, you get a lot of glares, looks, and, and concerned people, and the children, and it's just like, since when did... I mean, why 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 do we give so much more attention to genitals than any other parts of our bodies? It's because of our own erotophobic insecurities that we've conditioned into ourselves. There's countries, there's there's cultures in other countries that uh, they they'll never show their feet. They'll always be wearing something like no sandals or anything. Always like socks and shoes. Their feet will always be covered. And if you really want to like make someone ball their eyes out. You, uh, one of my teachers talked about uh, teaching over there, and 
what he did as punishment for a kid was he made him go up to the front of the class and just take off his shoes, and the kid was like, like hysterically bawling. And that's just because in that society, it's it's what they're conditioned to be seen as abnormal. You know, if people were more comfortable with nudity, if people didn't freak out collectively, then we would see no reason to. You know, it's it's something that a child do you learns. Think that's it's true. Not, because there are, yes. there are families yes, and children that are raised in nudist colonies that I think still look at, you know, boobies and veg. And because they can see, well, yeah, that, no, I'm not saying that our sexuality would disappear. I'm saying that our fear of nudity and, and our, and our fear of discussion of sexuality wouldn't, wouldn't be as severe, right? I, I think and, as soon as you time, desensitize, uh, society if, or yourself or anybody, it becomes less of a big deal, right? I think that if you're raised in a nudist camp, Right, so you're you're completely comfortable with the naked body. You see it all the time. You know your older sister, your younger brother, and that sounds weird to a lot of people, but that's that's the reality of a news camp, right? Like, let me sidetrack for a little bit. Um, I uh, I was reading this like I was raised in a nudist camp. Ask me anything on Reddit, and someone was like, you know, isn't it weird? Like he had a, he had an older sister. Like isn't it weird? And like you see your sister and her pubes and the styling and this and that. And he's like, not really. You know, my mom's got a racing stripe. My sister's total bald. <laughs> it just is what it is. You know, I never really thought too much about it. But even so, right, even though, you know, that's the level of nudity that he sees all the time. His sister's badge is no big deal. <laughs> but as he entered puberty, he definitely developed an appreciation for boobs and badge. Well, yeah, I, uh, that's it's that that's not really like the, the point I was making. It's It's not that like we would be conditioned into not putting special emphasis sexual, sexually on those things. It's just that I, I feel like, especially as a film reviewer, when you see some of the ratings that the MPAA gives certain movies, mm-hmm. rated R for sexuality, like the, the film A Single Man, which is a really good movie, but the main, main character happens to be gay, and it wasn't over-sexualized. Mm-hmm. Rated PG in Canada, Canada, it's R in the States, right? There's so many of these discrepancies from... Hate to bash on the U.S., but your MPAA is fucking retarded. Like they they place really? so much emphasis on sexuality, it's insane. And to to even Canada, which is isn't even as as uh, uh, comfortable about sexuality as a place uh, somewhere in somewhere in Europe, even in Canada, our, our rating system is not as restrictive. It's insanity. It doesn't make any sense why we should say that seeing someone get shot in the head is more okay than seeing a boob or vagina. These are human body parts, right? These are things that we only are scared of if we're teaching ourselves. See, now that, that's the mm-hmm. thing. I, I feel like you're saying this is all um, environmental, and that's where I disagree. And I, I have a, a cool example. Like, for me, one of the things that I really like in a woman is the, the shapes of her hips, right? It, yeah. if, if a woman is... It, it, some women are built almost like boys, right? Where they're, they're like rib cage to hip to upper thigh is kind of straight. And uh, and while I'm not hating on these girls, when I see a woman with that shape, like a tiny waist and like bigger hips and then into her lips, or hips I meant to say, um, that to me is like a uh, like an eye-opener. Like, whoa, that's woman. Like that that's, that's what I'm mm-hmm. wired to it's, appreciate. It's a... It's a positive body response that is doing no harm to a human being. What but is what is, is fabricated is when we're saying that it, it's like a bad thing that you should be ashamed of. That's but the I, I thought one of your earlier arguments was that people really have a special appreciation for boobs and vag because 
it's held as a secret thing because you know it, it, environmentally we've held we've made it taboo and therefore it becomes extra special but there is nothing especially in america like if you get outside lake burkas in europe and most places that shape that that you see on a woman that is that you know with the hourglass womanly thing that's not hidden in the slightest in making up numbers 95% of the world you absolutely get every pair of jeans every bikini every everything you know it's that shape is out there, not the slightest bit taboo, and I still have a what I consider to be a um, like a biological response to it, and you know, that's good. Mm-hmm. And and it's not so much that like there's a huge defining uh, factor in what it does to someone sexually, and even to add to that point, I would say that it really depends on the per- person. Some people are into like the and fill the entire screen with a photograph of Vagu, and some people are like, no, it's gross that close, I want to see the whole figure, right? It really depends on the person and what it means associatively. But my point is more to address just the psychological repression and that and that you should feel bad about it. Some girl killed herself less than a week ago because she was in porn, and her classmates and all the people around her in her community bullied her to the point of her taking her own life. And that is something that I want to address. That is something that is fabricated. And everybody's pretending like, oh, you used your vagina. I don't have one. I've never done anything sexual. And everybody's putting on this fucking performance, mm-hmm. pretending as if we're not animals. We Like, oh, we don't have these biological functions. That is, that is what I'm trying to get at in the argument, yeah, is and, that people and, are... The other, insane about it. The right? other part of it is how many people pointed fingers at her that shake their hands in private. You know. That, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, yeah, that, that went immediately and looked up that video. Like, <laughs> I gotta watch. It's this. giving right. people the opportunity to single someone out, right? <laughs> and we're always going to be in a pack mentality unless we decide we're better than that. Evolutionary, yes, it's a trait that we have. And if we weren't in these pack tribe mentalities then we likely wouldn't pass on our genes because other tribes would kill you. Therefore, it's within our mental structure to be able to have those traits. So but I, if we're intelligent people, we can be above our impulses, is all I'm saying. I have it. I've always wanted to ask a gay guy this question. And if I overstep... Always wanted to ask a gay guy this question. I, I have. If I overstep, let me know. Oh, don't worry. I, but, I don't get but here's the deal. Here's how I knew I was first straight. Um, when I was like... I was young. I'm going to say eight years old, but I'm not even sure. We had this babysitter. And when he came over, the first thing he did, he was like 17 or something. He would go like on a um, a scavenger hunt for my father's porn magazines. He would have Playboys and stuff. And, uh, and we would like beg him to do it, like peer pressure our babysitter to find these nudie magazines. And um, – and then we'd look at them, my brother on one side of him, me on the other, looking at this this porn Playboy, which if, if you guys have no idea what Playboy is, it's kind of softcore. Like it, there's usually just a, a girl in the picture and no guy. And now there's the internet. Yeah, now the <laughs> internet is a million times more uh, aggressive or graphic. Yeah, thank you. Versatile. But But anyway, so I remember looking at these naked women at like eight years old and just knowing that I liked that. Right. That was my thing. And, uh, you know, and I, I would see different body shapes and, and be like, I like this one more than that one. I would see different pubic hair configurations and be like, I, this one's cooler than that one. And, um, you know, big boobs, small boobs, extremely skinny girls to almost average girls, because this is Playboy we're talking about. Um, and, and, and I develop 
a preference for what I was into. And, um, uh, and I just guess from like, even then, at, I don't know if I said eighth grade, but I meant eight years old, even at eight years old, I could tell, like, like I, I didn't even know. I remember, I forget who it was, but some comedian had a similar experience where he was saying that he saw some guy and girl doing a doggy style and he had no idea what they were doing. He, he didn't understand the concept of sex yet, but he understood that that was for him. That this was something that that he really thought that he would like and that he was into, and he just had that response to it from the get go. That's how I knew that I was first straight. How did you know you were first gay? I was. It it took a long time to figure myself out. When I was developing, I was really kind of oblivious to a lot of gender roles. Um, Something that obviously I didn't really even think of at the time, but is now etched in, in my brain of, of just part of me learning these, uh, I guess, pre-imposed gender roles in society is I remember that, um, there was like a particular, like, Simpsons episode and they had a bunch of, like, implied gay characters and the, at the end credits it was like, everybody dance now. And I was like, eight years old, right? Like, mm-hmm. so young. And, and I was happy, I was full of life, and it did, it didn't matter what the song was, I would dance to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was with like, my brother and cousins, and me being the happy, full of life, joyful kid, uh, was just like, yeah, I'm gonna dance to that song. And the fact that based on, uh, what they were, like, they were the type of people like, we're kids, right? We're kids, right? There's nothing holding them back from doing that, too. They're your age, too. Something was something was in their mind that wasn't in my mind that was telling them, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm scared of everybody in the room thinking that I'm gay sort of thing. And and I had... It was this weird realization for me that, like, I was just so oblivious to it that I didn't have that going through my head that I I, I guess maybe it's just no question that I turned out the way that I did. Um, I'm just gonna take a sip of water. I'm getting dehydrated. Me too. Um, something that's uh, I guess uh, for me personally, it's it's difficult to speak to the perspective of all gay people. Like it would be difficult for a straight man to speak for this perspective of all straight men. Um, I remember uh, in like a church camp. There was, uh, there were points where I, there would be the typical, uh, male don't want to sleep conversations that go on throughout the night when you're supposed to be sleeping at a young age. And top of, topic of, uh, conversation would be like, oh, which one of the camp counselors do you think is the hottest? Mm-hmm. Right? And I remembered, this is before I even knew I was gay. How old are you? And, and I'm 23. Right? Uh- And, um, and, uh, this was, I, I didn't even know I was gay at the time, right? How old were you in the story? 12, 12, maybe, um, maybe 13, 12 or 13. And I, it it would go around the room and people would have their answers. And I think it even went to me first. So I was like, and I made up something like, I don't know yet. And it's not even that I was like attracted to one of the older male counselors or anything. Mm -hmm. I just had no concept of of 
this supposedly governing impulse that everybody else in the room had. It's like explaining uh, colors to a blind person in a, in a sense, right? And everybody's going with these expectations of what you're supposed to like, and I would fabricate my answers based on what other people were saying. Mm-hmm. So someone would be like, Jessica, I'd be like, yeah, Jessica, and like pretend, like, not only did I have no idea what I was talking about, but I'm, I'm a kid and I just don't, like, I didn't want that unwanted attention of, of not having an answer, right? And um, I, I went through quite a lot uh, pertaining to this developing, um, I'm about to blow your fucking mind right now. This is not something that I was, I was planning on, uh, mentioning, but I guess it's extremely relevant to the story that I'm telling is, uh, you may not know this, but I'm actually a, a, a furry, which is, nice. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 So, um, for me personally, what I'm attracted to doesn't even fucking exist. Right. And I, I went through a lot of, uh, mental anguish because I didn't, I, I didn't even know this community existed, right? For me, it's a sexual thing. It's not sexual for everybody. Okay. I don't speak for all furries. I can only speak for myself. Right. I can only speak for myself. And, and for someone that like had no, like my attraction to what I'm attracted to is just as hard coded as anybody else's is like, you, you already knew it was innate, right? It mm-hmm. was, it was something that you knew was yours. And, and for me, when I was trying to figure out myself, I assumed I was straight because that was the, the default, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never questioned myself to be otherwise. And, um, and especially what added to me not being able to determine that I was gay for so long was the fact that like what I'm sexually attracted to doesn't exist, right? It doesn't exist in real life. Mm-hmm. And so that fucked me up for a long time. So and so I have one question about that. So what what are you attracted to exactly? Is it a it uh to put it simply Hello cringe channel. Uh to put it simply <laughs> um no cringe, half, no cringe. Half, well, we'll see. Half animal, half human hybrids, in a sense. Okay, and but then we hell. Yes. Okay, yeah. I've got a friend of a friend who actually draws um, um, furry pornography, and it's interesting. I can definitely see There's it. There's some that's horrible and some that's fits my interests, and I, I mean, it all depends on what a person's into. Some, like... I mean, there's an entire spectrum in the community as well where some people want to fuck something really cute. Some people want to fuck something really, like, badass and intimidating. I don't know. There's, like, some different people species. people want to be fucked by and... a giant tentacled monster. It, yeah. Can I jump in? Crazy, if, crazy stuff. If this somehow makes it on cringe, I hope that you guys sometimes take this lens of criticism that you put on people and apply it to yourself and, and be a little more open-minded. It's... There's, there's it's all bad fun. I, I watched that website. Yeah, if the guy was dressed fun. up as a furry right now, then it would if be I, If I was like... sharing with us, right? I like this. Well, it's yeah. relevant to the conversation, and, and I uh-huh. wouldn't have mentioned it if it weren't, right? That's that's the difference between... Right. Anyway. Um, anyway. Did it... so, so growing up and, and around, like, age 13, I was going through puberty and I was developing a sex drive, but I had like no outlet. I had no outlet whatsoever. And I didn't, I, I knew what 
I mean, what I thought that I was attracted to because it was like what I was supposed to be attracted to, but something was wrong, right? Something was horribly wrong where I know that all of my male peer counterparts are getting out sexual attention by thinking of girls, right? And and to to try and put it into perspective for anybody to try and imagine how difficult it was for me, I would I would say, you know, try try jerking off and thinking closing your eyes and think of like a chair and see how easy it is to get off. It's not like disgusting, but it's not like what you're into at all. Some mm-hmm. people are into chairs. But um hey, don't judge me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's um then I mean I, I remember even uh just typing in like www.boobs.com as a 13 year old. And it's like never once masturbated to that because it's not my thing, but I still couldn't even identify myself. And I still thought I was straight because it was default, mm-hmm. you know, like I didn't know what I was. And part of me knew something that, uh, something was wrong. And especially with this whole different engraved I- idea in people's minds that, um, puts a lot of pressure especially on children that gay is bad right Right. and uh so even growing up you'd know right off the bat as a child typical insult is like gay lord right something like that so Mm -hmm. it's engraved over and over gay not what you want to be in your life and and so i remember um very similar to those uh meditation scenes in I Heart Huckabees where he's like chopping up the uh, visual representations of what's stressing him out in his life. I remember quite a few nights where I was struggling with myself in a sense that I would imagine this like gay self and I would just like murder him in my head internally and just like continue like trying to it's interesting how how much of it was like complete visual metaphor for just repression, but it's 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 very vivid in my memory of of just trying over and over to like kill this thing inside me. And uh, when I when I found the whole furry community, it was uh, the only thing I knew about it uh, was on this like really nerdy forum forum, and um, it was already attached to some video game show on the internet, pre-YouTube even, I think. Mm -hmm. And so every single person that I communicated with that was a furry was, like, the worst example, the ones that you never want to be associated with. and Because they were extreme because they were nerdy? What what made them a bad example? Well, they're just complete... uh, How do I describe this? Uh, Lack of social cues... Um, it was, it was like everything I heard was always so stressful. One guy was like really weird and, uh, kind of the kind that would like force it on to other people and, and their overall, uh, display of themselves wasn't really admirable. And Mm -hmm. I remember even one time there was this one friend that I had online and all of a sudden his email account gets replaced with a message from his mother saying like, are you fucking like dog fuckers? And, and like implying that he's going to counseling and that he's going there for the rest of his life because uh, of what he's sexually attracted to, obviously from somewhere in religious part of America, who knows, maybe anywhere. But, um, Mm -hmm. and, and there was just this sense of like, okay, shit, I guess this is what I am. 
and this is definitely not what I want to be. So I, uh, I repressed it, attempted to repress it for about two years, and I told myself, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to let this become a part of myself. I'm not going to let anybody find out about this part of myself. For the, like, obviously, I'm open up enough to talk about it right here, and mm-hmm. a fair percentage of my subscribers know about it. And um, there was, I remember even, like, kind of testing the waters with friends on the way to school, just talking, like, oh, yeah, I found some, uh, like, website, uh, and it was kind of like half girl, half fox sort of thing, and gauged their reactions. They were like, oh, that's disgusting. And, and so then I kind of learned to just, like, okay... If anybody finds out, you're dead. And the whole repression thing didn't work out. I got addicted to cocaine and pill popping and a lot of interesting, uh, fun stuff. Uh, moved out of my house at like 16 and yada, yada, yada until finally I'm in a, a band with some people and, um, I decide that at this point in my life, like after those two years had passed, that it was something that I was just not going to repress any longer, that I'm comfortable enough about it. Like literally, if somebody would have found out about it a year and a half earlier, I would have killed myself instantly, like no question. That was like a pact that I made in my mind. It was so incredibly severe, the idea that I would instantly be hated because of it, no matter what I am as a character, no matter how I acted, no matter how I presented myself, because of this thing that I can't change. And um, then, I mean, they were okay with it at first, and it played a giant factor into them ditching me. And as soon as you were talking about friends making up shit about you behind your back, that was the first person that sort of uh, came to mind, was like instantly after that whole fiasco, suddenly... Apparently, I pushed my mom down the stairs. <laughs> rumor that she she started telling people and you know got a bunch of friends off of my Facebook and stuff like that. And you know what? Uh, at this point, um, you're over kind of went on a, a huge tangent. But I, I feel like at this point, I if if I do get anything severely negative out of it, um. I'm more than willing to be a social experiment per se and and see if maybe the world is ready to not give that much of a shit it's, about it. Yeah. Uh, and right, so, can I go? Sure. I, yeah, I've been I've been No, I, I was interrupting Kyle too and but it so I I used to have a series called Mail Monday on my channel and in it I would give advice. A lot of it was social advice if any, most of it was. And um I would get questions from gay people, you know, asking about, you know, what they should do and things like that. And my typical advice, and I want to run this by you, is to stay in the closet till you're done high school. And, and here's the thinking behind it. As a grown-up, I think that every out-of-the-closet gay person, guy, girl, whatever, does their part to advance the movement, right? There's a reason that gay marriage is becoming legalized across America. There's a reason that that people are viewing this in a different way. There's a reason that some Republicans are coming out as pro-same-sex marriage, and it's because the popular opinion is shifting that way, and every out-of-the-closet gay person has done at least a little bit to make that happen. Having said that, 
if you're 15, 16, you know, even 18 and in high school, I would never ask you to carry that burden yet. You know, if you're an adult even, and maybe you're in a spot where it, it, it makes you really hard well, yeah, to live. Well, yeah, some places it's not a burden, right? Some places are, are totally... High like, school you have to is not usually one of those places, though, right? Like, I, Depends I, where you are, because, I mean, this the city that I live in right now, and I'm in Canada, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd imagine that it's different for a lot of places in the States, but I don't think it's that bad for gay people in Canada I, uh, overall. I, even though there is still that social social uh, negativity. Yeah, of course, you must know more about this than me. Um, it, it, and by this, I mean like the high schools in your area. What the hell do yeah. I know? But um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still convinced that it's an easier road to get through high school if you stay in the closet and it's not your job yet to advance the gay movement. You're still a kid. You know what? Um, I would say that there's even more of a uh, youthful and high school, junior high, whatever. I, I would say that in, in that area, there's more of a war on uh, male femininity than there is on actual homosexuality because I was I was out as a gay person, not as a furry. Because I, like, I, I don't feel like it's necessary to qualify every single person I meet in my life as either of those things. If it's relevant to the conversation, like it is right mm-hmm. now, then yes, Right talk about it as if it's anything else. If you put it on a pedestal, then you're making it a, a big deal. Anyway, what was I saying? Um, we were talking about whether there's more of a, in high school. Yeah, there's more of a war on male femininity than there is on uh, gay in of itself because, I mean, for me, even though I was out to my friends, it's not... It, it was something that I was, you know, I was out to my friends. I wasn't out to the world, and yet a person in a different scenario where... It might be a bit more obvious for people. People look at me and they just think metalhead, right? Um, it's good guess. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not as obvious for me, and I don't act as feminine, even though I guess if people pay attention, there's little things that I do, I guess, that I, I can't really help. But some people act way more feminine, and I think that that's where the butt of, butt of the uh, bullying comes there's in. There's straight guys who act more not feminine. Actually, yeah, even that, right? Yeah. And, um I don't know. I feel like if I could give it advice on it, it's just that you have to gauge it for yourself and understand. Uh, some people, I mean, they they think that it's the most important thing to get across to people that they're living a lie if they don't tell other people, and I can understand that. For me personally, I feel like the less of a pedestal I put it on, the less of a deal that I'm implying it is to other people. So if if I were to say go up to my parents and be like mom dad I'm gay like they know at this point but mm-hmm. I never came out because I never wanted to be like oh there's this giant super thing about me that you have to know right isn't that implying that it's a bigger deal than you're trying to get across that it is there was an actor in um Grey's Anatomy I don't know if you know his name you know your TV shows and movies he was a white guy and he was gay does anyone know this I don't guy? Know. What, you no, don't know? Sorry. No, I know this. This is the guy that got attacked by the uber right wing Christian co-star, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, my point in bringing him up was, like, it, so he he's on the show, and the show was like, you know, really hot at the time, and then it came out that he was gay, and he was just sort of shrugged. He handled it what I thought was perfectly. He shrugged his shoulder and he's like, "I hope that that's not what you think is the most interesting part about me." 
you know, I'm an actor, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, you know, I'm, but being gay is, is just, you know, it's no more interesting to, uh, than you being straight. To play devil's advocate, there are also plenty of gay people who enforce that upon themselves, where they make it so that it's the only noticeable or notable thing about themselves. And I, obviously, like, I've, I've evolved my own perspectives on this issue too, and I see absolutely nothing wrong with uh, males acting feminine or females acting masculine, like do whatever the fuck you want, right? It shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. But I mean, a lot of people are like forcefully outwards about it, where it's like it no longer serves a purpose. As long as people are treating it equal to that of the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, there's people that are like, oh, I don't hate gay people, but I hate it when I hear a girly voice from a man because they think they're fabricating it, but then it's like, okay, well, then do you, do you apply that same logic to a an overly straight-sounding male, or do you apply that same logic to b uh, a woman that has the exact same voice? Do you hate it because of the voice, or do you hate it because of the gender using the voice? Voices right? are tough to it's, me. I so I hit puberty late, and um, I thirsted for a deeper voice, for like a man's voice. And uh, I remember there was one time I had a cold and it gave me this kind of froggy, deeper voice. And everyone, not everyone, but there were like, I remember there was like a crowd around me in uh, biology or chemistry or something. And they're mm-hmm. like, Woody's voice finally changed. Listen to him. And it's all like froggy and deep because I had a cold. And <laughs> after that, my wife jumped in. Um, after that, hey. I, I almost didn't know my voice anymore. Like, I didn't want to revert back when I wasn't sick. So I was kind of like doing a fake low voice. And then it got to be, I'm not even quite sure which voice is my voice. I don't, like, it, it, my voice was changing, I think. It was about that time. But it's not like a switch flipped. And then all of a sudden, I didn't know if I was supposed to be talking deep or high or what. Or, or like, I don't even know when I'm being fake. These are all my voices. And exactly. It, and I, there's just as much intent on coming from a woman who has the lisp as, as any male does, right? And not all women do it and not all men do it. And, and there's certain trends in our behavioral patterns that people like to associate as only men or only women. But, I mean... Again, it's a it's a spectrum, and I I see nothing wrong with it. It's insane how defensive some people get about the idea of gender roles being uh, torn down. Like like somebody getting extremely upset over a man acting so feminine. It's like, why does that matter to you? Yes, right. So it, where like, if someone if someone were to be like, oh, you look what are you a fag like? Okay, uh, I, I was under the impression that it's pretty gay to be calling another man out on his fashion choices, right? <laughs> like, what, is, what are you doing? Right? Yeah, I don't, my, I don't know why you can't be more, to, not you, but like why people can't be more tired. I'm the most intolerant person on the planet. <laughs> so here's what it is, right? So I, Fuck other people that aren't in my group specifically. So there's different Those reasons. bronies. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, fuck them. So there's different reasons for um for for the the prejudice that straight guys feel against gay guys. There's a lot of different reasons and they all stem from some of the same stuff. For one thing, I think there's a lot of straight guys who feel some some level of bisexuality or some latent homosexuality. Seventy percent straight. And that fills them with such self hatred because they've kind of They've grown up in an environment or in an area where where that's the norm, 
where you know their dad. I'm you know they've had a conversation with their dad about about hating those gays or hating those faggots or whatever they say, and and you know that's ingrained in them. And, and just so simple dialogue at any point in your life again, like gay lord or anything yeah, like that. Right? Yeah, it's, there's so much so many negative connotations to being a homosexual, and, and those guys. And this seems like a bit more old school. Like it, this seems like '90s anti-homophobia uh, more more than it does today but I mean, 90s is an old school come on I, I, it really is when <laughs> it comes joking, when it comes to gay relations i think they've evolved a lot since the 90s um but but anyway i i, I think they look at a homosexual person a guy, a guy who's out and enjoying himself and they hate that because they know that, that for, for one thing they're seeing the part of them reflected that they hate the most and for another they're seeing someone who's actually brave enough to uh to live their life the way that they're made, to, to, to be them, to do them. And and this guy has to he has to conform to some some social norms, some expectations, and he hates that. But then there's also the, the right wing Christian fundamentalists who they have the same feelings, but they have the added benefit, if you want to call it that, of a book that justifies and validates their their hatreds. It justifies and validates literally 100% of arguments you could make on any subject. On any subject, <laughs> right? So I could, so I could totally, I could totally go, I could totally go and get some Bible verses that would support, um, uh, um, that would support homosexuality. There'd be, you know, there's tons of things that Jesus said that in in the Bible that yeah. that that are just so loving and compassionate and accepting, and, and that's what it's all about. But these motherfuckers want to read the Old Testament. They want to read the shit that's literally 5,000 years old. Almost as old as the Earth, right, guys? <laughs> as old as me. <laughs> oh, so absurd. It's, it's a real shame. Projection... Sorry. I'm done. You you, you go. Projection is a, is a fascinating thing. Um, I, there's quite a trend of people being on the highest pulpit preaching against homosexuality or even Republican senators uh, signing into laws that are very anti-gay rights. Uh, and it shows time and time again that a lot of the people that are campaigning loudly against it are the ones that are repressing it. And um, even when I was in junior high, before I had come to terms with myself, I remember... Um, there was a person that I had actually just hated for being gay, and I was I was like a part of that societal problem, and and I, it wasn't conscious. It wasn't like I was like, oh, that reminds me of myself. I hate him, but it was a subconscious manifestation of what I was repressing. Right? It's the human brain is fucked up, and um, you know, it, it's a uh, it's a matter of saying. If you can make everybody else believe something, then you'll feel indebted to believe it yourself. When I was smoking cigarettes, I would try to quit all the time. And before I really wanted to quit, um, all the times I would try to quit, first thing you do is you tell everybody around you. And you say, I'm quitting, I'm quitting, I'm quitting, I'm quitting. By the way, I'm quitting. This is my last pack, et cetera, et cetera. And what that does is that creates a group of expectations around you. If you're connected to that person, connected to that person, they will expect that from you. And then maybe psychologically, you'll expect that for yourself and you'll feel like, oh, now that 
this person and all these other people expect that of me. Now that I've built that up, maybe I'll do it. And then once you know it, I never wound up quitting because I wasn't ready to quit. When I wound up quitting smoking, it was a time where I literally just didn't say anything to anyone. And it was like two weeks later and someone would be like, you haven't smoked in a while. I'm like, yep, I quit two weeks ago. That's the only way to quit. I've always found I, I still smoke. How does a friend uh, get someone else to quit because they want them to? <laughs> <laughs> that Hypothetically, is, uh, that that would be hard. Um, <laughs> it would, it, it, you know, to give up the cigarettes, I got to get something in return, and health is just not something I'm that interested in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. Well, when I quit dipping, the best part, the best thing was just cold turkey. It was just yeah. Sure tobacco. Yeah, I used to. I did that. I played baseball in high school. And I did not know a single person that did that. It's <laughs> yeah, really it's, big. It's much bigger in the U.S., especially around sports. I'm sorry, oh, yeah. I jumped in there. You know, no, no, it's just it's disgusting and it was awful. But I was like, you know what? It's so, it's either I keep doing this, and in a, in you know 15 years they're gonna have to saw off my jaw, or <laughs> I stop now and use it as a chance to remove something that's. Not really good for me, the the nicotine. And so I was like, fuck it. I'll, and I went through withdrawals, and it was awful, but but I got through it. And once I was done, the biggest thing was the oral fixation, the always having either something in in my mouth or spitting into yeah. something. That was the biggest I, uh, thing. I could have helped you with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found that um, after trying nicotine gum and failing, partially because it's disgusting, I found that the best thing to help me once I actually did quit was just regular gum. Just like five gum, get something that's like tastes good and lasts long and mm-hmm. chew I, it. Uh, I, there's something cool. So I so I've used patches before and I've used um, nicotine inhalers before, like like e-cigs, and I feel like they're both effective. But what I like is how fucking cool it is to light something on fire and smoke it. That's fucking cool to me. And you and and like I watched Constantine the other night with um um Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I'd love to see you tear that one apart. But anyway, it was pretty funny, but okay. <laughs> you got Shia LaBeouf in there too? You got I mean it's easy. You got Keanu Reeves and Shia LaBeouf. Come on. It you was can bad. Rip that into fucking shreds. Anyway, but, but he's smoking constantly, and his character has lung cancer in the movies. That that's a big part of the, his character. But he's smoking so much, and every time he lit one up, I was like, "Yeah, that's so fucking cool." Yeah. And, and keep in mind, this is a character that one, and it's part of a movie. He's dying of lung cancer. He's dying of it. He's gonna die of lung cancer at the end of the movie, most mm-hmm. likely. And I'm still watching him smoke that cigarette, and being like, "That's fucking cool." I want, and and I, and I lit one up. I lit one up watching. I was like, I'm going to smoke one with you, Keanu. In the theater. <sighs> well, you know, at home. <laughs> but No, but well, in the theater, um, too, he would have done it. But I have found that the patches take away like 95% of the edge. And have you tried so, electronic cigarettes? Yeah, those do, too. That, that um, I, I love electronic cigarettes. Uh, I feel like they take away like 90, 95% of the edge, too, and they get rid of the oral fixation, and they taste good, and they're cool, and you don't smell bad. Um but there's just something about there's so much stress relief in a pack of fucking marbles. You know, I, f- I felt like a lot of the time for me personally, and I don't know how much this relates to anybody else that was smoking, but for me, a lot of 
a lot of uh, smoking when I was upset or stressed or like super depressed or something horrible had just happened. It wouldn't be like that. Those would be the moments where I would not go for the e-cig and go for a real cigarette. And I felt like psychologically it was like the socially acceptable adult version of cutting yourself in a way where I got satisfaction out of like feeling that it was doing damage, not so much pain, but like that sort of like, yeah, my life sucks right now and <laughs> just being pissed off. That that was part of it for me, oddly enough. I don't know. W- only when I was like stressed out. Other times it was just complete like, I'm waiting for the bus. I had a yeah, smoke totally. every time I'm um, waiting for the bus and now I expect one whenever I wait for the bus. So there are certain times and activities that always have a cigarette in them. Um if I when I wake up in the morning and I sit on the toilet and I read Reddit and I got my coffee <laughs> sitting over there on the sink, I really want my cigarette. I'm not gonna sit there and smoke. I was never drink. a morning smoker. I was I, never a morning smoker. I, I like it with my. I, I used to drink a lot more coffee. Um, oh, coffee! That would do it. Yeah, and so that's part. That's why it's part of the morning ritual because coffee used to be part of the morning ritual. Yeah. Uh, when I'm driving. Oh, I smoke so much when I'm driving. Like it was, I went on a road trip with Woody uh, a, a while back, mm-hmm. and it was it was hard to not smoke in the car with him. And I, I knew it would have woken me. It. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I should have. That's what I should have done. I sort of rolled the up and start, started puffing away and just woke his ass up. I don't know if but I've anyway. ever apologized, but I'm sorry. Oh I, man. I think. Yeah, I had some sort of crazy work schedule, like trying to get things done before that trip. And I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. I, I understand. I, I didn't have anything to do before we left. I was just, I had just driven from Georgia to North Carolina before we began our journey. So, you know. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, when I'm driving, cigarettes kind of mandatory. And it's, I always smoke my left hand, and the reason for that is I drive with my right, and the windows on the left. That's why. It's entirely habitual because every time you make your body expected at a certain point is when you'll create that expectation. Which is why I think a lot of what helped me quit smoking is the fact that I never allowed myself to smoke inside anyway. That I don't, I would always have to go outside to do it. And so to avoid that in the first, uh, however long, I would just work on my review shit inside and just not leave the house. And it was yeah. a good way to not make my body expect it. And it, and like I said, you, you know, if, if you smoke killing time every time you wait for the bus, it's, it's quite the time killer is what it is, literally. And um, <laughs> if you if you smoke every time you're waiting for the bus, then wouldn't you know it, every time you're waiting for the bus, you're going to want to smoke, right? That's mm-hmm. it's, it's those habitual expectations that, that make it difficult to quit. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, they really are terrible for you, but they're just so delicious. <laughs> Yum! Do we need I, a whole uh, new topic, one of my glorious segues? Sure, uh, I'm just going to use the bathroom again real quick. All right. Um, I think I'll start. Gotta refill my drinks. Start with Lefty on this one. I was reading on Think Progress. I found it off Reddit. If people don't know, it's a really sort of left-wing liberal website, and in general, they favor like government doing things for people as opposed to right-wing, which favors government um, taking less from people so that they don't give as much to others. Anyway, what? Think Progress says is that taking away unemployment benefits doesn't make people get jobs. And they they cited some, I think it was actually in North Carolina, where they cut the unemployment benefits and found that employment didn't improve. 
and I know where to stand on this. Like I, I, I know a guy who lived uh, in my neighborhood who was unemployed for a while, and there really just wasn't a fire under him. You know, he'd apply to jobs, I'll say, like two or three a week. He even turned down two because they weren't jobs that he liked. Um, One was working at a woman's prison, which is probably a yucky deal. Best job ever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, assuming you're not interested in the fringe benefits, then it's probably – like I imagine it being kind of dirty and gritty and not – like like the carpets probably suck there. There's no carpet. Uh, well, maybe in the office where he works, there would have been. He wasn't a prison guard. He was some sort of office person. There would have been. Oh, well, and he, he should have taken that. And he turned it down. Well, I bet it's a really dreadful place. And I bet the guards are kind of macho assholes that roam and... and uh, I think it's a lot of female guards, to be honest. I think that's the norm. Yeah, they're still macho assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I have observed in my you know tiny little circle... That there are people less motivated to get jobs because they still have the unemployment benefits rolling in. But when you look at the macro scale here, the data shows, at least in North Carolina, that cutting unemployment benefits didn't raise employment. You know, that they were, they were getting unemployment benefits because there was no jobs, period. You know, cutting away their benefits doesn't make them suddenly go back to work. And I was curious on the show's thoughts on this. Should they, because unemployment benefits lasted forever. Like it, it, and they should have lasted longer than normal because there really were a lack of jobs, right? You know, Obama took office sometime around then. The economy was, it was already crashing when he took it, and he didn't instantly turn it around. And I don't know if presidents expected to do that. That's a whole other topic. But around that time frame, jobs in America declined for years, and we are only just now coming out of that hole. When that happens, it's probably a good thing to have abnormally good unemployment benefits because it's not their fault. But should you cut unemployment to make people get jobs? I don't think I don't think it matters. I mean, I, I really think that that just um, would, would it be empirically speaking that you know there's a lot of people they have to you know when you hear the unemployment rate is going down or up or whatever. What you what is often not reported is the number of people that aren't even counted as unem- technically unemployed but looking for work anymore, but people that have just left the workforce. People that just throw their hands up and say, I'm done. I quit. I'm done. I, I give up. I've always and, thought those numbers were, like, designed to discredit the unemployment numbers. Like, they're like, oh, well, unemployment got better, right? Let's say it dropped from mm-hmm. 6% to 55 But that doesn't tell the whole story because we stopped counting all these people. I want to be like, you're just saying that. There's always a certain amount of people that you don't count. Or if someone stays unemployed for three years, I'm not exactly sure when they stop being counted, but maybe you shouldn't count them anymore. Maybe they really did decide to become work-at-home or stay-at-home moms. Maybe they really did decide to start their own business or do something different that you know they shouldn't be counted as unemployed anymore because after three years or whatever it is, it, there's a reason they stopped counting them. And you're just trying to discredit the numbers when you – say that right Maybe. but it could also be could it not that they that they're not being counted because they can't find a job because there aren't any and so it's not just that they're not part if they're it would be the numbers would be far worse if they were included in the numbers it's more beneficial to not count them and 
you know, if they don't have unemployment benefits, or if they did have unemployment benefits, you would expect to see when the benefits run out, because for everybody that is, however many people, right, because I'm assuming, likewise, that they're that the whole, you know, oh, you're not counting these people, those numbers are, they've got equal parts bullshit, too. They've got exaggerations and fabrications, because everybody's got an agenda, everybody's got a story to sell you. But there's probably some truth to that. So for every person that's on that list that would have a job but simply can't find one, their unemployment benefits ran out. And you would expect to observe every one of those people were accelerated to the point where their benefits ran out. They would have found a job. They should have found a job because they were on unemployment for so long that it was about to run out. Never mind cutting it. It was just about to run out because they've been unemployed for so long, and they they couldn't find a job or didn't want to work flipping burgers or being a greeter at Walmart. Mm-hmm. And we don't really observe that cutting benefits does anything. All it does, it's like, it, you know, you're in this hole. There's going to be so many people that are in this hole, and we're just going to cut the benefits for you and put you in the hole even further because, fuck you, that's why. I don't really think that... You know, cutting the benefits really would motivate people. It would just serve to put a lot more people further into the hole than they already are. Now, of course, there are people that abuse the system. Of course. Everybody in the welfare system. How can cutting the the benefits not motivate them? Doesn't it have to? Doesn't it light a fire? People not only abuse the system on the lower end of the spectrum, but people abuse the system on the higher end of the spectrum as well with tax breaks, etc. Namely, American corporations. <laughs> Absolutely. But they don't I mean, abuse unemployment benefits. Now, what do you figure however many you want? I mean, if you find the lowest number you want and take 70% of it and say, you know, the lowest number of people that are no longer counted in unemployment because they simply stopped looking for a job. And, and somebody says this number, right? We'll call it, to keep it simple, 10,000 people. Okay. And then take 70% of that because, no, no, no. 30% of that number is inflated because you want to, to shit on corporate America or whatever your agenda is. So 70%. So there's really only 7,000 people that stop looking for a job. Well, that's 7,000 people who were at one point about to run out of, of unemployment benefits. And they were going to run out, and they didn't find a job. Because, I mean, if they did find a job, they wouldn't be in the sample. So because they're in the sample... They, seven, you have 7,000 cases, 7,000 trials of your employment benefits are about to run out. That's your motivation to go and find a job. What are you going to do? And you have 7,000 people or whatever, and they said, no, I'm not going to find a job. I'm not gonna, I can't find one or I don't want to do this menial labor. You know, I, I feel like a lot of you know people will make arguments based on work ethic, right, and say that, a lot of people that don't have jobs are just lazy. Some of them are, right? Some people are lazy forever. Some rich people are lazy and have never worked a day in their life also. Um, <laughs> but I think I think that a problem that you don't often see addressed in, in these employment issues, like, oh, we need jobs, we need to create more jobs, something that we don't really take into consideration is the fact that we're in a technological revolution and that jobs are going to be disappearing over time. Yeah. Our population is increasing. The jobs are decreasing. In in films that go into the future, we talk about like utopian societies, even uh, 
you know, robots are doing everything. Even if it's not robots, let's just say we cut out all factory plants. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they've done that a lot with the automotive industry and, you know, replaced it with machines. Machines should be doing our work over time. As a species, we should be inventing things to take less work away from us. But that has to be evenly matched by... um allowing ourselves as a species not to become dependent on work for survival. I have seen arguments in favor of something called basic income, which is you can consider it a social program. Um, But the idea is that in a country, everyone would get a set amount of income, enough to survive, so that if, let's say, someone didn't want to work, they didn't have to. But it still remains that there's an incentive if someone's like, okay, I don't want absolute shit house shit food, etc., you know, maybe all this basic income could could only be uh, could only go towards basic necessities. Maybe it won't just be something that someone could spend money on crack with. I don't know. It's probably a pretty complicated issue. But I mean, the way that we're going, we're really not taking into consideration that we're going to have less jobs over time. If we're like, if we're just willing to accept that and say like, okay, so the amount of poor people there are right now. Let's just have that increase, and the ones that are actually working but are at the bottom, let's just have them fall into that gap as their as yes. jobs disappear. So let me jump like, in. Are, I heard... Do we accept that as a society? Like, why we should be preparing for the alternative? I heard Warren Buffett talking about this, and uh, it was when, with regards to the minimum wage. If you don't know, in America right now, there's a di- big debate on whether we should raise the federal minimum wage. Yes. It gets everybody paid more. And I heard Warren Buffett talk about it, and he's interesting because he's like a liberal billionaire, whereas I feel like most billionaires are are towards the Republican side. This one is either neutral or towards the Democrat side. Anyway, he was saying, like, I'm not sure what the answer is to raising the minimum wage. He says it really will cost jobs. He says if you think about the, uh, the fast food industry, if all of a sudden their staff goes from costing 10 bucks an hour to 17 bucks an hour, hypothetically, then more of what they do will be automated. They will at seventeen dollars an hour. It will become cost effective to replace them, so that you only need whatever six guys back there instead of ten. And therein lies the conundrum. Yeah. So and, and he went on further to get a little more technical. He's like, you know, if you do want to help poor people, the earned income tax credit absolutely helps. That just redistributes wealth from the wealthy to the poor and this and that. Whether it whether or not you should help the poor by raising the minimum wage is actually a tricky issue. Because without a doubt, when the minimum wage goes up, automation will go up too. And furthermore, I started thinking about this myself. If you go towards other countries, companies that have cheaper manual labor, like India, like China, they have a lot less autom- automation, right? If, if mm-hmm. I don't, this might be out of date, but 10 years ago, if you wanted to build a basement in China, you got 200 people with shovels. In America, 200 people with shovels would be so expensive that you're better off buying a quarter million dollar bulldozer and making that process something that one person can do. Yeah, so, I mean, like it, we're it's it's a regressive uh, loop that we've stuck ourselves in because ideally we should be progressing to the point where machines are replacing our work, right? But then, where how do people survive is the question. And how do they right? get rewarded for their non-work, right? Like like you exactly. know, yeah. If all of a sudden McDonald's are fully automated and there's just machines back there cooking up burgers. How do you earn one? But let's let's just raise the question then does the job exist so that a person can get money or does the job exist 
so that we can have a functioning society. If all jobs are filled and the society is completely functional, are we, are, should we then not say that those who do not have jobs don't necessarily have to do anything just because nothing has to be done anymore? Like if we're succeeding in our goal of having a functional society where labor is being filled and, and things are getting done, businesses are able to do their own things, right? I, I, I believe that there's a way that we can do that and still provide incentive for people to have work ethic because honestly, there's people that are never going to want to work ever, no matter how bad their situation is, right? And I feel I, I don't know. I it's it's a really complicated issue. It's super complicated. This now, is why you, I'm not a politician because I can't tell people what they want to hear. Right, Woody. To your point about about automation, though, and that's brought up a lot when you talk about raising the minimum wage, which I'm in favor of, but. At some point, you've got automation and shipping jobs overseas, right? Mm -hmm. But at some point, wouldn't the government be best served to say, no, no, no. If you're an American company, you're not doing this. And passing legislation, exacting uh, tariffs or even embargoing corporations that, you know, okay, Ford, Chevy, (laughs) whatever, you know, forget about the UAW for a minute, but... um, you know, we're going to raise the minimum wage, and if that's going to upset you enough that you're going to move all your jobs to Mexico or Singapore or whatever, well, then you're going to have to pay on every single car that you want to bring into America, there's a $5,000 tariff. So what you're doing is you're making it so economically distasteful that you're asking companies to operate in an inefficient way, right? Not seek out the cheaper labor, not seek out the robotics, right? Yes. Okay, but hold on. I'm, okay. I'm still going. We interrupt people all the time too, God damn it. It's time we're all no, guilty. Script this, on you. It's not ringing a bell, no. Script, no yeah. Me interrupt? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it can't be. Um, <laughs> but that's what happened to Soviet Russia, right? That, that's. It sounds extreme to say it. I hear myself. But they had an inefficient operating model that was governed by the government in a really tight way. And they were so uninterested in being, um, you know, like economically competitive that eventually it was bad for their entire society. That could happen here, right? If, if hypothetically importing, if, if, if I'm Ghana as the country in Africa and importing rice is so tariffed and whatnot that we grow at home, grow it here, you don't grow rice in Africa. It's a bad idea. But it can be done because the government can make it so expensive to do anything else. You still have an uncompetitive rice industry. I don't know if that's working for everybody. But the more government tells you how to run your business, the worse that business will most likely be. And they have to do a little, right? Environmental protection comes to mind because otherwise the businesses will just destroy the people that live near them. But that where it stops and where it starts is always a tricky it's, issue it's, and yeah, it's tricky it to me with the with the minimum wage too you know, you know I, I just it's not pure win sorry i guess you wanted to say something first no i'm done you know it's really uh sad about these political questions that we're asking is that if we did a bit of research we might be able to find other countries that have imposed the same general ideas right i but scale matters I, I too, like, though, right? Because I know a lot of free market guys that take a, an economics class in college, and they're like, free market's the answer. Look at Chile. They did it. And it's like, really? What does Chile produce? What do they make? And over time, mm-hmm. that matters too, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people will be like, nationalized healthcare is great. Look at this company who's, not company, country, who's six years ahead of us. 
All right, I hear you. I hear you. And I'm actually for nationalized healthcare, so it's not a great example. But I would like to see a country 50 years ahead of us to mo- know that it it works out. And again, not a great example because I think there are like you know UK. But um, you know, if if, 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 if there's like a national <laughs> retirement plan or yeah, Canada, right? Third world country, but it still counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, Filled with bears and moose and hockey pucks. Uh, I, I lost my train of thought in the Canada silliness. I'm sorry, but it's okay. But you'd yeah, like anyway, to see it six years ahead before. I need to see a company, a country that is many years ahead of us, yeah. that of, of a comparable scale, so that we can see that it really. If you want to bring them up as an argument for it working, oh, and culturally they should be similar. Like, um, uh, America has a lot of guns, but we don't have as many guns as I think it's Finland. No, right? that can't be true. Maybe per capita. Per capita. I'm sorry. It, it totally meant per capita. Um, we don't have as many guns per capita as I think it's Finland. And, um, you know, a lot of gun owners like to say, look at this. If we just had a few more guns per people, our crime rate would be as low as Finland. We're almost there. Just a few more guns. And I think, no, I think their crime rate is not because of the guns per capita. It's because there's just a cultural difference there that that's helping. Their prisons are also a lot less abusive, right? Yeah, also, yeah, you, you guys <laughs> imprison one in every hundred people in your yeah, country. Well, like, uh, you know, you get out of line. One percent. Non-violent drug offenders, non-violent drug offenders. Perhaps you're not aware. You do realize these people smoked a joint. Exactly. That's, that's right? part of uh, what I what I was most closely relating to when I was talking about looking at other countries' policies is like Portugal that completely decriminalized drugs and for the most part drug use actually went down. Right? Ron Paul had a neat thing about that. I know I watch a lot of politics, but um, he was like, "I'm for decriminalizing all of it, meth, heroin, I don't care." And all the uh, people in the audience boo. They're boo boo. He's like, "What? Are you going to start using meth as soon as it becomes legal?" And I asked myself, I said, no, no, I'm not. I'm not going to become a heroin user or I don't even know. Meth and heroin. Well, yeah, they're acting like it'll be sold at fucking 7-Eleven with a flappy advertisement like Angry Birds merchandise heroin or something. (laughs) Like That's that's not the case. And I'm pretty sure in Portugal they they administer it in clinics, right? Make it super uncool too, right? (laughs) Here's the thing. Where it's like... Oh, you probably have to go through a, a bunch of doctors to do it, too. It's I, a lot cheaper than you get from a dealer. I've said this before, and um, so so forgive me. I had a co-worker. His name was Carl, and his mom was dying. He was a little older than me, and I didn't really know anyone whose mom was dying until him. And uh, she had cancer, and it wasn't a good death. It wasn't a pleasant death. And at one point, he explained to me that they weren't able to control her pain with morphine or whatever. And that's when I formed the opinion that doctors should be able to prescribe anything, anything. Did you guys watch Breaking Bad? Yes. All right. Yep. I don't know what drug that girl and guy were taking as they laid on the bed and she eventually died. Do you guys know? I think it was heroin. Was it heroin? All right. That shit looked good, right? If you've got somebody's mom dying of cancer in a bed and morphine doesn't control the pain... No holds barred, baby. What you got? You got yeah. heroin? You got – do shrooms make you happier as you head your way out? <laughs> Load them up. Load them they, up. They've done research uh, suggesting that shrooms and other psycho- psychedelics can actually uh, 
ease with the fear of death overall, even if it wouldn't necessarily do that to the physical pain. But interesting, oh, yeah. I also it. heard um, cluster headaches and shrooms had some sort of positive yep. correlation. That stuff's scary. Oh my god, I, I those videos. Did you see them on Reddit recently? Did you see cluster headaches? Uh, the woman, yeah, and her boyfriend hit her in the head. Uh, you, you saw this one? Yeah, and I remember seeing the documentary about the guy that uh, that took shrooms for his cluster headache. Yeah. So I, I didn't see the documentary. There was a, a video that was popular on Reddit, and this girl got cluster headaches. I had heard the term before, but I wasn't really hip to what it's about. The pain looked excruciating. It wasn't the kind of – I've had migraines that are bad and I like bad enough for me to vomit. It was not as bad as what this woman seemed to be experiencing. It, it, the, the doctors have called it the most painful experience that humans can have. Uh, and – um. And, and she's just like screaming. She has a uh, blindfold on. I, I assume she's light sensitive. And um, she would ask her boyfriend to I hit mean, her. I assume if you had a cluster headache, you would become light sensitive very quickly too. Right? I would guess. Yeah, but look, I'm, not, I'm just assuming, right? So, yeah. um, uh, and, and she would ask her boyfriend to hit her in the spot that hurt. Right, so she was like rocking and crying and hitting herself here, and then when she took a break, her boyfriend would take over and hit her in the head in the spot that it hurt. And um, it just looked brutal. The video was several minutes long, and you're like, some attention needs to be focused on this thing. It's a level of human suffering that you don't often run by. Did, you, did anyone else see this? No. Mm-mm. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I saw a link, but I was like, I don't think I want to see that. It was disturbing. <laughs> it was really disturbing. And um, And then in the comments, there were a lot of stuff saying that uh, shrooms helped with that a lot. And, uh, like... So I don't do any drugs, um, but if I were sick and there was a beneficial drug that was illegal, I'd be all over that shit. If I had cluster headaches like her, I'd try shrooms. If I had shrooms, uh, are very soft core and can do lots of positive things for people psychologically. Uh, all right, this is PKA medical advice, everyone. So just take it a little. But bit. just my opinion. <laughs> um, there was oh marijuana. So my brother had cancer twice, and uh, the first time in particular. He uh, he had nausea that was dreadful, right? It was just – I remember him carrying around the bucket with him, and and um, he was weak, and, and it, it, was, it was a bad scene. And I've read over and over again that marijuana is like the miracle cure for those, like, couple days after chemo that are especially rough to get through. And um, that's that was making him sick. It was the chemo. And, uh, like, in hindsight – I wish I found some way to like. I don't really. I, if you asked me to score pot right now, I wouldn't know what. I guess I'd go to some college thing and be like, I swear I'm not a cop. But um, <laughs> in hindsight, it's like I should have tried that. You know, like it. I, I bet if I, it would it would worth a go. It seems like it's, the, the upsides are better than the down. It's so harmless in comparison to the pain killing alternative medications that are actually being prescribed to people. In every sense. I mean, like, marijuana can help with a lot of, of uh, different pains, etc. I look like the biggest pothead in the world, and I also live in Vancouver, uh, but I actually don't smoke all that much pot. But I understand what it does uh, medically, even psychologically for people, especially people going through cancer and uh, chemo. It helps bring up their appetite a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You want someone to be able to have an appetite, and that's one of the most difficult things, apparently, for someone. I, 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 and I've talked about this before. I'm a little skeptical sometimes when people talk about the medical benefits because I think there are some people who just really like the the, the high yep. who 
say like, dude, it's practically good for me when they might be stretching how good it is for them. But like in a situation where my brother, where, where he was on chemo, uh, you know, if I could go back in time, I'd have scored some pot for him somehow. I don't know how. And, uh, and, and see if it helped because he needed help. It's, it's, it helps a lot of different people for different things, you know? And I mean, like, people are quick to judge, like, oh, you've got, like, back pain. But no, I totally believe it. It's better than prescribing, like, T3s, well, I guess dependent on your injury. And the the best part. If it makes someone feel better and more comfortable, then I don't see what people, why people are against it. Plus, you can decide who the best drummer ever was for once and for all, okay? You can (laughs) all decide. It's Neil Perth, okay? I was just about to say that. (laughs) <laughs> Even though I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah, I, I think the benefits <laughs> greatly outweigh the, the negatives. Like, what if someone gets prescribed pot just so they can get high and they don't really have glaucoma or back pain or seizures or uh, they they don't have an appetite because of chemo? Then the worst thing that's going to happen is nothing at they get all. Hungry. Because yeah, the most dangerous thing about pot is getting caught with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drug raids. Sound horrible. There was that baby that got the flashbang to the face. Yes, that's so close to me. That's, that's right down the road. I know where that is. It's fucking Habersham County, Georgia. They flashbang yeah. that child. Yeah. The, serving, the, a, the, serving a no-knock warrant on a non-violent drug offender. Well, we got him. He supposedly <laughs> had weapons. matters. <laughs> they took a thir- the 30-year-old uh, suspect into custody. Meanwhile, his baby has his face. God, I didn't even want to read too much because I, I was I know what a flashbang does, a stun grenade, whatever they want, concussion, whatever they want to call it. Um, I know what it does, and like like I saw one land next to a guy's foot one time, and it virtually destroyed his foot. Like it, his foot was almost blown off. Right? Honestly, and, like that. It's in a medically induced coma as a baby. Yeah, that's no good. That yeah, like, it, it's fun. not, it's, exactly. I mean, it's going to have developmental disabilities for sure. There's it, no it, question about it. It would be a he, miracle if it didn't. I wasn't thinking about that. I, maybe his brain's okay, but his face is probably fucked. Not only, well, I mean, how long is this baby going to be out of commission? Because this this, these are the ages where it's supposed to be retaining information like a sponge and learning about the world around them, not being unconscious. Yes. Right, that's part of the problem with developmentally, the child's uh, yeah, perhaps developmental process. All in all, not good to flashbang babies. Yeah, honestly, they I, they, uh, they opened the door. The problem, they they opened the door. They didn't look in for those who don't know, and they just lobbed a grenade into his home, and it landed in a in a crib with a baby on its pillow. Well, that's what no knock. That's the whole idea behind no knock warrants. Is I've heard in your door and go to town. Yeah, like, that's ridiculous. Here? They've got to. That should be only be for the worst and most dangerous kind of individuals. You've, or, they, or, been... or we just completely outlaw the practice and allow a few police officers to get shot and killed, and we say, oh well, at that's... least we're not allowing no knock warrants on nonviolent people. There was Maybe. a, sorry, there Maybe. was a. Go ahead. <laughs> there was a raid on the wrong home where a woman got shot in the chest. That's also like, not too far from me. Where it's just like. It's, there's no point to it, and and if it's being done in a country like America where everybody has a gun, like mm-hmm. aren't you putting uh, the people Officers. that actually raid? Yeah, the is it FBI? I guess it that actually it depends. No, it's anyone who raids the house is in danger. It's, it's, it's whoever okay. they fucking want. If they, if they want to raid your house and they're part, they're 
they're, they've got, you know, sovereign authority of some kind. They're just taking Yeah, it's just local. It's police. It's local police and, like, drug enforcement agencies that are local. It's it's not even, like, a DEA-style raid or anything. It's it's just local cops going and getting a, a drug dealer or something like that. There was a no-knock warrant in Atlanta last year, I want to say, where this they got the fucking house wrong. And they stormed into this old lady's house, and she started shooting them, and they shot and killed her. And I think she shot and killed one of them. Good. <laughs> well, I mean, people the, enforcing the, the law. Versus... That's why you have the shield and the arrest power and the gun. You're not. You don't have plenipotentiary authority to just start killing people. You're supposed to be the one police officers that deal with the abuse and the possible violence and death, not the other way around. This isn't downtown Baghdad. Yeah. You're supposed to deal with it and not start doling it out. America. Fuck America. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Did you guys happen to see um, Joe McHale talking at the White House Correspondents' Dinner? Who was uh, that? No. So Joe, Joe McHale is the is a comedian. He's the host of The Soup on E, and he's the com- they always have a guest uh, comedian come in, and he came in there and his jokes were so rough and 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 harsh toward the president, the administration, yeah. the Republicans. The Democrats and he would. Chris Christie was in the audience and he went after Chris Christie with a passion. He he, he had a seatbelt extender joke. He had a <laughs> he had all kinds of bridge jokes. It was hilarious and the crowd couldn't laugh. Like like and, and wow. he kept, he kept making fun of it. They, he was like, "You guys sound like you're on a roller coaster" because they were just going, "Oh," <laughs> like over and over. He was he was excellent. He roasted the shit out of Washington D.C. People always do the fat jokes on Chris Christie. Yeah, that's like the low-hanging fruit. That's the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> All the scenes are what you can make fun of, right? He told him he, he was he was like, "What do you want, Chris? You want you want um you want weight jokes or do you want uh, bridge jokes? Because I got both. I know you like a combo platter, so let's just get it. <laughs> See, the bridge is legitimate <laughs> criticism. Yeah, that was uh no, that's that's clever to deliver the word. All right. And and you know he's standing like six feet from uh, Obama, and he was he had some jokes for Obama. He was making fun of the the healthcare website. There was a lot of things. He 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 told the president that that the healthcare.gov was such a failure, the website that uh, it had now become a, a phrase people used to describe when things were bad. He's like, honey, the yeah. dog just healthcare.gov on the carpet. Three of those. He didn't. He he. It was no holds barred. He really tore him a new one. American politics is entertaining. It's hey, more of a show. You guys got Rob Ford. Thing. You've got Rob Ford over You've there. You've got Rob Ford. Yeah. What, what city is he in? Not, he has nothing to do with my province, but it is kind of funny. What? I, I'm just saying you guys can hang with us. That's all. There's a there's a porn star that's now running against Rob Ford. I saw. Oh yeah, we did that in California. We <laughs> <laughs> Simpsons did it first. Yeah, that, that was I'm actually with that. <laughs> Joel McHale pointed that out too. He was like. Uh, he was like, just so you know, Toronto, here in D.C., we had the first crack-smoking mayor. We were first. <laughs> <laughs> how, how ridiculous is that, that, that I can think of more than one or two mayors of major cities who have been caught smoking crack? It's, it's not necessarily ridiculous that they do it. It's just, it just shows how ridiculous the drug enforcement laws are when there's mm-hmm. a two-tier or several-tier justice system where it's like, okay... Literally everybody knows that this person's smoking crack, and it's instead of, oh, you're in jail for life, it's step down and feel ashamed. 
Yeah, like why is Rob Ford not in jail right now? I have a video. I can I, I can watch a video right now if I wanted of that man smoking crack. You can watch videos of like Steve-O snorting coke and et cetera, et cetera. Like I don't know, maybe there's Steve-O was caught with like, pot by an LAPD officer. Yeah, that too. Yeah, we had, we like, hey, I think you guys are forgetting Steve-O. about Marion Barry. Right? <laughs> our, our Washington D.C. mayor Marion Barry smoked crack and got reelected. Yeah, he got reelected. That's the most shocking part. <laughs> what was it like the past three presidents of the United States have admitted to smoking pot in their lives? Um, yeah, no, Obama. Yes, at least that was Pendulette. Pendulette went viral finally for his rant on Obama when Obama was on was it Conan or Jimmy Kimmel, where he was like, where where the the late night talk show host asked him like, have you ever smoked pot? And Obama was like, uh, yeah, I smoked pot in college, maybe a little blow. Hmm. And Obama said, maybe a little blow. Fucking cocaine. Bush did cocaine too. Yeah, yeah. and he, you get you Joe Blow American gets caught with a fucking crack rock or or an eight ball. Good luck. Have fun. But Obama, yeah, a little blow. A little blow. <laughs> he wrote in his book. He, that's what he said. A little blow. You know, it's all right. I just had to experiment for the people of America. We don't, we don't know those people that are in jail. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Their families can deal with that stress. We're not a part of it. I'm not the most outgoing guy, but I've only been in a couple of scenarios where doing some blow was even an option. Like, who are these people who like? Like, yeah, there was a lot of blow around. Like, what are you doing when that's true? Uh, when I was in college, there was a bar, um, that, uh, that, like, I knew a guy that worked there, and they were fucking doing, like, because, you know, it's Friday night in a college town at a bar, right? So it's Mm -hmm. packed. Whatever they say, like, is the maximum capacity, there's 75% more. And everybody's drinking cheap liquor and getting shitty kinds of drunk. Um, you know, people puking in the bathroom, chicks getting finger blasted on the dance floor. Just, just your standard Friday, Saturday night at a Big Ten college, and <laughs> the guy that I there was a manager's office in this bar. It's called Joe's, and the, my buddy, um, they would like all the employees would go in there from time to time. It's upstairs. There's like three different levels of bar, and the employees would go into this manager's office, close the door, and come back out periodically, and. My, I asked my buddy once, like, what, what's going on in there? He's like, we're fucking doing blow in there, man. <laughs> There's cocaine. Like, the owner, apparently the owner of the store or the owner of the of the franchise, a bar or whatever, uh, would just lay out fucking rails of, of candy and people <laughs> would just go, all right, and they go back out on their shift. You know, bar boys, guys that get nice and stuff, bartenders, they're all doing blow. And I was like, yeah. that's, that's some hardcore shit. I'm out here, you know, I'm drinking beer, and I'm like, woohoo, buddy! And you're doing cocaine. When you're when you're on cocaine, you you try to fit it into as many places in your life as you think you can. Like, before a family gathering. Like, it doesn't matter. Just like, Cocaine's just going to be on coke instead of not being on coke. Hmm. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. It is. Big teams. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be missed. And uh, right. the cocaine. Who's benefit. really missed is Dave Chappelle. It's a shame that guy went fucking crazy. Dave. Uh, someone well, told me a couple Dave. minutes ago that, that he he did a show in New York or Philly or somewhere God, and they dude. booed him off the stage. Because yeah. his new material sucks, I guess. Yeah, I didn't even hear his new material. 
because that happened. Like, I don't, is, maybe there's a video of it online. I have no idea. Yeah, but, I don't know. His old shit was so genius. Well, his show is really good, right? Yeah. His stand-up, at Killing Them Softly, was so good. And then uh, and then his show was just a fucking masterpiece, if you ask me. I remember, that was 2004, and I remember... That was seeing, filled with classic shit in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. all that Rick James stuff. He only did one or two seasons. He did two seasons. Like, yeah. like people, two, two, and he funny. started, he was filming for the third, right? There was a, there was like, they, they were starting to film the third one, and then, I believe it was Comedy Central. It was Fox. It was like... Or was it Fox? He he moved on to Fox, and that was part of part of what. Uh, and they were like breathing down his neck to like make sure you're funny, make sure you're really funny. We want viral shit like Rick James, bitch. I am, um, and he just peaced out. Couldn't I think that Fox was offering him more financially, but they had more restrictions on what could be aired. It was a huge amount of money, like twenty million dollars or something. I, crazy. Didn't I think it was thirty million. He peaced out yeah. like he did. It didn't make sense to me. Like, um, I do get it when people react that way to hate. Like, when that girl killed herself because she made a porn, I don't agree, but I can understand how that kind of public reaction could drive someone to it. When, um, I don't know, when, when when somebody who's having a really hard time just goes, like, positively underground, like Kramer did or something, and just backs out of the public eye, I can see why they took that route. Chappelle yeah. was getting love and adoration, and they threw tons of money at him because they wanted more Chappelle. And he was like, ah, oh, too much success, too much love, gotta go well, to Africa. I, I, that's the thing, though, is I, I'm not sure if the fame got to him. From my understanding, it was the restrictions on what he was writing. That's that's what I heard, is is that he was afraid that they would have too much leverage over what the show would be. Hmm. That's he also went a little nuts, though. I heard he was doing crack and... and, and yeah, I heard that. It, I mean, like, to I do, that, to do it in that manner, you'd have to be nuts anyway, right? Yeah. To just not say anything and go to... Where did he go? Like Africa, Jamaica, yeah. or somewhere? Africa. He turned into Tyrone Biggums. He turned into his own character. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it was, that crack? I think the drug thing is not true. Way to I just it want to throw it out there. He says he was never doing drugs. And yeah. you know, I, I saw his thing, and he's like, calling someone crazy is the worst thing you can say because it's dismissive. It disarms whatever you return with. You know, like it, you're crazy. And he's like, I'm not crazy. You know, hmm. there's a lot of people in show business who are going crazy, who are, who are doing wild things. And he pointed to Martin Lawrence. He's like, nobody here is a weak person. Everybody who's made it to the level of fame that Martin Lawrence and his bad boys, whatever, has put up with a lot. There's not a weak person. He's like, but there might be something a little bit fucked up about Hollywood if it's driving Mel Gibson, Martin Lawrence, David Chappelle, and more to do the things that they did. He made a really solid point and said it wasn't drugs. But I don't know what it was because I feel like if I was in his shoes and the whole world was just loving everything I said and I could just go Rick James bitch and they'd all (laughs) throw money at me and praise and love, that it wouldn't make me go to Africa. I, I never understood why yeah the the way that he dealt with it was really questionable but i mean i have no idea and i'm not going to try and attempt to understand it because definitely not something i would do and i'm sure a lot of people are saying that like yeah if he just died i think we could have really appreciated his purposes oh my god a lot like, like if he had died instead of just doing what he did i think we'd be like yeah too it's so horribly died he could have made season three it'd have been epic Instead, he just kind of like that statement rings true for a lot of artists that just recede over time. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely went out on top, but eh, and I guess it was on his terms. It's just a messy way to do it, and it left us all wanting more and and resenting him a bit because he didn't give us more. It was like he got everything he wanted, and and yeah, he doesn't owe us though. 
I guess not. I guess not. He gave us what we wanted, and and he got paid for it. I guess we're I guess we're square. I guess we're even, Steven, But still, I don't know. She Unless he that. got paid up front for that whole season. Yeah, <laughs> and he might owe us something. Yeah, at least he owes somebody something. Yeah, it was Fox or something. I guess. Exactly. Uh, Is it? That was a genius show. It was so, Key and Peele do. Um, it's not as good, but it's close. Key and Peele do a put on a really, really good show. Uh, they did a thing about bullies the other day that was so. It starts out funny, but it's it was about high school bullies. But it, it rang so true. And the a Reddit post said this. I'm I'm kind of copying exactly what they said, but it, it's all the more true. The Reddit post was like, you know, this commentary is so revealing and so realistic that it's just not funny anymore. It's like this is how bullies actually are. Like this is and. It, it, that was one of the better things I'd seen them do, and it wasn't even that much comedy, but their comedy's hilarious. And I've seen them on effort rap battles. Those guys are talented. Oh, nice. Yeah, the best comedy for me will be one that can ring a true statement out about society, even if it's, like, half funny, half depressing. Effort <laughs> rap battles is my favorite YouTube channel. Not me. You mean besides YouTube.com slash FPS, right? Besides yes. Second. Yes. Uh, but... But seriously, though, I really, really like those videos. If you're not watching Epic Rap Battles, you're missing out. Uh, My favorite is uh, Einstein versus Hawking. Yep, thank you. <laughs> there are ten... Oh, wait, no, that's um, the one I was thinking that's of. That's Stephen Hawking. There are ten million, 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 million <laughs> particles in the universe that we can observe. Your mom and The decision <laughs> to auto-tune his voice was amazing. Yes. That was, oh, I, I lost it when that happened. It was great, and that's my favorite. Yeah, I don't, I the I don't think I like every single one of them, but that's one that I definitely like. I like Kim Jong-il versus Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That's that's more of an old school one. It's from, like, first season. But, well, I mean, uh, Vader Vader versus Hitler. I, I don't like the new, the third Vader versus Hitler. I was like, man, they, they, this has run its course. And I know it's a fan favorite, and that's why they did it, but I think they're out of material. They've, they've really went through all the Star Wars material there is to do with that, and all the Hitler jokes, like... They've done it all. They're out of they're out of they're out of gags for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did Superman versus Goku that recently, and I didn't care for that. But they've done a lot of good ones. I really like those videos. Mm-hmm. Mitt right, Romney uh, versus Obama. Yeah, Mitt Romney versus Obama. That one that one was fantastic. <laughs> My favorite. Should we uh, should we wrap the show? I think it's been over four hours. Yeah, it's yeah, I think it has been. Minutes. Four hours hey, and minutes. your movie sucks, Adam. It's been an That's amazing... Cool. You, you're a great guest. I appreciate yes. it. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Can you for Can you say on. YouTube channel it. loud and slow one more time? Uh, YourMovieSucks.org, except spell the word dot instead of an actual dot, and then you've got the real username. Otherwise, search YMS in the YouTube search bar. And where can they find your user? My music, uh, anunkindness.com. Like, if you were to try and say an unkindness of ravens minus of ravens. And you can download my stuff there. I've got songs on Rock Band 3 that you can download on PS3 and Xbox. And, yeah, new songs coming eventually. We'll see. <laughs> All right. I'm working on one. It's just taking a long time. But anyway, <laughs> thanks for having me on. It was fun. Lefty. Good, good topics. Bye.